the BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. This is Rodney Thompson, game designer for the Star Wars role-playing game at Wizards of the Coast, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Sam Whitwer, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Uh, your mom. <laughs> your mom. Boom! Do you see that? That was like the mom joke and just, you know, know. boom. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barry Mandalore. As I was looking through the store over on iTunes. I saw a Star Wars podcast made by some guys in Texas. I gave them a listen. At first they were quite shaken. But now they're at 100 and they rock us every Sunday. Got a Jedi Master And later Secret Doom Down And they even won an NA And they just kept on rolling Created the game of nature And we never will lose And even with Scott Gaxon's new stream The show was always golden Not to TG Thanks for a hell of a show Thanks for a hell of a show, guys Order 66, yo This is Master Silverback, the King of the Apes Calling in to congratulate the Order 66 crew on 100 great episodes Your second birthday, if you will And now, Gorilla Poetry Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, you look like a monkey. And that means you're really handsome like me, and you know, as far as the smell goes, there are better deodorants on the market every day for lower primates. So buck up, little camper. Gorilla Poetry. This is Hellman from the forums. Rumor has it you guys are recording a 100th episode. I wouldn't know because I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. Congratulations, fellas, and well done. Thank you. Hi, this is Staker. Order 66, thank you for encouraging us not to listen for 100 glorious episodes. I have really enjoyed not listening to the Order 66 podcast faithfully. Oh, and TG, on that request, uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't go in. I just impacted on the surface, but uh, blood test is on the way anyway. Thanks, bye. D20 Radio, your gamers' role.
Execute Order 66. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you in part by all of the D20 radio contributors. Gentlemen, ladies, the dice are on the way. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Order 66 podcast. I wish I had something really witty to say, but I don't because, well, it's episode 100, and we've been waiting for this for a long time. So rather than go into something that you won't remember anyway, we'll get to the stuff that you will. First yeah, and that, uh, that's what you just heard. By the way, my name, my name is GM Dave, and uh, that guy you just heard there, that's GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris, and if you are tuning into this podcast for the very first time, you're in for a very special treat, because this is, as Dave has said, the 100th episode of the Order 66 podcast, the only podcast entirely devoted to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. And uh, yeah. we, got a, we got a fun time planned. Oh, we got so many people on, we don't even know where to start. Let's start with Twi'lek Goodness. Why don't we start, yes... With our it's always a good place to start. That's right. Probably the best place to start. That's what Especially I said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what he <laughs> said. Especially if you don't want to sleep on the couch in the evening, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, just saying, yeah. Just saying. And about that bumper. Seems like everybody all of a sudden wants to be TG's baby daddy. I think I think some of it's shock value because, you know, they just want to be, but... We have news, actually, as to who the baby daddy is. I know. I know. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get a chance to get to that. Yeah. we got a couple other guests on uh, at the start of the show to welcome us into, 100, into our centennial. Yes? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, I, I hesitate to mention the first guest because um, the long and short of it is that this guy doesn't know it, but he's the most popular guest we've ever had. And that would be Rex Remus himself. <laughs> Chuck Hurstis. <laughs> oh my god, Chuck Hurstis! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm my own biggest fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, the, he's the most popular guy that ever graced the Order 66. Just ask him. That's, that's right. I'll be more than happy to tell all of you. Yes, indeed. And Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, of course. We, the, the show would not be complete without Chuck and, of course, Sam Whitmer. Who's that? What's up? This guy. Two thumbs. This guy. What? How does that go? <laughs> yeah. And maybe they'd they be full of the force. What? Maybe they'd be full of the force. Oh. So. So. I'm a little bit out of it here. Two thumbs with the force. <laughs> Two thumbs with the force. Yeah. Um, it, I'm a little bit out of it. But I got I to. Gotta, the adrenaline's kicking in. It's time now. It says post. That's okay. what it says. Ready. Post show? Post show? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about right there. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisition. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. 
yes. <laughs> so, what have we got? Have we got anything good to talk about? It's been three yeah. weeks since our last show, you know. Well, dude, yeah, yeah, our absolutely last show. This is not our last show, but we, as we've been alluded to for some time, we do have a big change coming in the show. Uh, something rather drastic is going to be taking place in terms of our our, uh, our hosts. So we will, of course, get to that when we get to that. Uh, but, dude, featured podcast of the week, man. April Fool's done right. Have uh, you know, Truck, Sam, TG, Dave, have you guys had a chance to listen to any of the most recent uh, either Game On or Minus World episodes? Mm, I actually I... did a Game On episode recently. Ah, yeah, I know that yes. they switched hosts. Yes. It, it, was, it was pretty darn funny. Uh, so we got these two shows. We game On, of course, which is devoted to board gaming of all stripes, and The Minus World, which is our general video gaming podcast. And they got into um, April Fool's shenanigans really fierce, as without letting anyone know, they just, the hosts just switched shows for one episode. So um, <laughs> it, was, it was great. Uh, episode 50 of Game On, uh, World Minus One. Uh, the Minus World Boys invaded and talked about board games for a change, but in particular, they spent time talking about those really, really, really sad board games that were birthed from video games. So, like... Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Like Donkey Kong? Like, 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 going way back then? Like, they made a board game for the Mario Brothers. They made a board game for Zelda. That Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, you know, the best part- mm-hmm. if I wanted to play Zelda, I'd read a book. So, you know, shove it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, wow. The best, the best part was Brandon, who does unchecked aggression on Minus World. This rather filthy rant about whatever's pissing him off, video gaming. He took over Cat's role of that's what she said, and in a very sultry, unintelligible voice, uh, did the segment, and it was pretty darn funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, awesome. and you got to see GM Brev do unchecked aggression. Yeah, so like on the most recent episode of the Minus World, uh, WTF or seriously WTF. Uh, uh, Fiddleback and Cat talked about the video games that they love, but simply have never set around the time to finish. And as you alluded to, Dave, Brev came on for a surprising and rather language-heavy contribution to Unchecked Aggression with his infant son, which was uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, somehow I'm not shocked. <laughs> well, if it was Nazi Germany at the end of the war, you have to understand the kids grew up fast then, okay? But right? Yeah. But I can't Back Totally. Yeah. yeah, they do that these days. They're growing up way faster. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Eating like uh, peanuts that go into like cardboard boxes? That's what it no, I, well, I'm actually opening up uh, these mini busts that I got um, here in San Francisco from uh, Lucasfilm. They gave me a bunch of stuff, man. Dude. So I'm opening one right now. See? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm, I'm in San Francisco right now. This is part of the reason why I'm just, I just sound tired as I've been... Uh, working a lot on uh, on Star Wars stuff, so you know. On you guys Star want? Wars stuff, yeah, yeah. You sound yeah. Like, you sound somewhat sultry tonight, so yeah. Mm. Does it work for me, or is it? Do I need to pick up the pace? No, it works. It works for you, dude. Yeah, I mean, hey, it works. San Francisco and not in the Bath Cave, my friend. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I really wish I was in the Bath Cave. I I feel safest to there. I miss the Bath Cave. <laughs> yes. Well, Dave. Uh, I believe you were alluding at the top of the show, we have something special. Yes, for those of you in the chat room, uh, I have no idea how many are actually in the chat, 82 of you in the chat room right now. Um, we have, as I was showing on the on the monitor, the dice are here. The purple Aurora Borealis, beautiful translucent purple with the D20 radio emblazoned on the number six side. 
You can kind of see through them. You can kind of see yes. through them. Yes, you can. They're this purplish kind of um, metallic. It's got some hints of green and gold and lace through there. Be very beautiful dice, and they're going out to everyone who has been a D twenty radio contributor since two thousand nine. Basically, anybody who went red before the first of the year gets dice sent to them, like, right now. Also, give me dice, though. Well, of course, you get dice. Sweet. Yes. Yes, they're Sweet. in the mail right now. Mm-hmm. Are they? Indeed. Yeah, no, they're... They're... Like my shirt. Is my shirt still in the mail? <laughs> See? Bam. Still, you know, been, uh, putting it out there. Been, been waiting on an address there, pal. Yeah, the address. Check your, your email from maybe a year and a half ago, and I think you'll find it. <laughs> Uh, still waiting on an address here, pal. Okay, okay, girls, <laughs> girls, can we can we stop having our little bitch fight and carry on with oh, the show? Oh my goodness! And, and the one woman puts us in place. Uh, yeah, it's my I job as a whole, so. right, Chuck? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes. Essentially, anytime the boys are having any fun, it's your job to intervene and destroy the fun. That's exactly what my job is. Uh-huh. Thanks for. Well, clarifying that. I have a way for you to redeem yourself, and that is to tell us about... I need to redeem... Wait, wait, wait. I need to redeem myself? I have a way for you to reassert yourself. Oh. Which is, uh-huh. which, is, which, is, which is to tell us about the upcoming fun thing that's going to be happening. Oh, hey, wait wait a second. Um, I, in, in preparation for the D20 contributor dice going out, I need everybody to make sure that they go to their PayPal accounts and update their addresses. So... The Ooh. the dice are going to addresses that are showing up in PayPal to us. So if it is wrong, if you have moved in the last four to six months, mm. change it. Otherwise, you will not get mm. your dice. So, all right. Now, TG. TG, go ahead. Over TG, to you. Talk, talk to us, TG. Back to you, TG. I'd love to talk to y'all. Y'all back, need, back y'all need to a woman's influence and some woman talking time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So... April 17th at 3 o'clock. This will be next Saturday. The Order 66 podcast, Radio Free Homelet, minus... Uh, minis. Minis Mayhem, not minus. <laughs> minus whatever. Minus Mayhem, whatever. Rev was on it, right? So miners it's- Mayhem. It's a mining <laughs> podcast for, for coal miners in Pennsylvania. Oh, it's actually yes. their aged uh, teens. <laughs> yeah. I'm not exactly. doing a very good job of redeeming myself am i oh hey hey yeah don't hey look look tg you have to remember you're redeeming yourself for two okay so just slow it down there and <laughs> and uh and just dude, give it a shot dude, she'll reach oh, through the microphone and probably yeah, i'm not kidding <laughs> oh, oh man i hate that <laughs> well well since you're since it's two against one oh, okay, okay. okay. Ah, strangle you Okay, the other podcast will be Game On. They're basically uh, holding an event at the new location of Madness Comics and Games in Plano, Texas. And it's just an evening of gaming and D20 fun and all kinds of good stuff. There'll be quite a few people there. I know we'll obviously be there. Cat will be there hosting different games that are going to get played. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So and, yeah. be there. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Way to it's going to be fun. It will be. I'm going to have. Uh, I'm going to have. What? What am I taking? Ticket to ride and pitch car. Oh, dude! I can't wait for you to set up pitch car. Yes. Oh, and like. Oh, yeah. Look it up online. It's a great game. Um, 
And I know I'm going to be running some Saga. Cat's running a one-shot of Paranoia. And DM David from RFH is going to be running a Living Forgotten Realms module. And then there's going to be like a dozen other board games going on as well. It's going to be insanity. Right. Good. <sighs> yes. Hey, TT. Have yes. you ever had like any dreams that you woke up and there was like a? I've like, had tons bottle? of dreams, dude. <laughs> Do you really want to go down that route? <laughs> that like Quato was yes. hanging out of your belly or something? No. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. Cool. Hey! And... <laughs> hey! What do you know? Now I'm gonna have one like that tonight. Thanks. You put the thought in my head, and it's gonna happen. That's gonna suck. It will suck. It's better than a okay. sarlacc hanging out of there. <laughs> no, but I have had a dream that it was puppies. Don't ask me why. <laughs> How that many? Is, like five? That insults oh. the both of us. Uh, <laughs> you assume so, it's yours. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Ooh. I know that's very true. Well, Dave, do we have any juicy bits of web goodness? Yes, in a further development for Wizards to try and get all the content they've created out before they lose their license, we have more updates for you. Stop lying. Can you believe it? Matthew Grau, um, what did he put out there? A series of web articles, myth-making in Star Wars. Yeah, those were, God, they've been great. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, bringing out uh, Joseph Campbell's monomyth philosophies that help create Star Wars in your own game. Um, So articles 3, 4, and 5 are all up. And uh, finishing up the talk of the archetypes and uh, bringing them into your game, moving them uh, onto discussions about the structure and how you can use it to design your very own games. How about awesome. that? Certainly awesome. And message to spacers. Message to spacers is back. D twenty Radio's own Patrick Stutzman is the Please. genius behind Message to Spacers five and six. Good to be which, with you. Oh, uh, yeah. Which brings us the uh, the bass cl- bass or bass <laughs> bass the, base the bass pro shops. <laughs> The Bass Pro Shop, the base class space station, and the Starfield Z10 Seeker high-speed cargo ship. So basically, if you're looking for a new ship to provide to a small party, um, or a space station that will be a great setting for a good encounter, or a, perhaps, a home, perhaps a home base, uh, the Patrick provides. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, Sam, please help. We've had so far two failed checks of reading the news skill check. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm off. Um, I'm off my game, man. Hardcore. Yeah, I, 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 what news would you like? Dave, I'll give you any news you want. Uh, Tiger Woods uh, cussing on the air uh, during CBS broadcast. No. Okay. Yeah. That hasn't yeah. happened. But you guys can find both these juicy bits of web goodness right now at www.wizards.com slash Star Wars. But you better go in the next 10 days because the site's going to come down. After August, that. sir. August. Oh, okay. Sorry. August. Man, that's, that's what I meant. That's right around Nothing the like lighting a fire under their butt, though. Yes. <laughs> Booty. <laughs> Temperature. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Hey. Lie to him. Tell him ten days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. TG. Hey, when is when is that? Uh, when does um, Unknown Regions come out? Um. Gosh. What is it? This month, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's wait, next. Wait, 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 wait. What is this whole? What is it? This month? Crap, dude. Are you running a podcast <laughs> on this or not? Well, don't sit there you, smoking you... your pipe and say, "Ah, Chuck, what do you think about this, man?" I, I mean, uh, every shred of credibility of these guys is gone at this point. You had some gone. to begin with? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Isn't it Somebody out like the 20th them. or something? Here, here's my... Okay, Dave, you asked for news. I'm going to give you news. I say it's out the 20th. 
Let's April, see if I'm right. I'm seeing in the chat room 22nd, 21st, and the 20th. The 20th. Well, April then, 20th. You know what? I'm close enough. Do you want me to take is, over the news desk? It is, it is April. Will. Yes. Chuck, it, where's it, the mailbag? Another news. Where's the damn mail? The, I'll bring you the mail sack. <laughs> you'll, you'll bring the mail. You know, I have I have another I have another news sounder if you'd like. Sweet. Remember the old one? That was the old one. This just Perfect. did. Perfect. Yeah. This is right. Exactly. Um, awesome. Yes. Hey, how about this just in? A buddy of mine is going to be doing voice directing. Another buddy, a different buddy of mine, is doing voice directing for the Old Republic. This just in. How about Whoa. that? Oh. Let me do some news, man. What do you, what do you, what do you got? Um, awesome. This just in. Awesome. Chuck will be changing employment in the coming weeks. Sell your Walgreens <laughs> now. The man behind the IT prowess of Walgreens is leaving, so sell Walgreens now. Yes. Yeah, sell stock. Pick Buy up CBS. stock in CVS. Can we say that? I think we can. I mean, like I've signed all the paperwork and stuff. So uh, I'm... I'm can I talk about this? Is this like sure, US, man? US you know, experience? I mean, we're going to get into personal stuff anyway later when we get into ask the hosts. Ah, okay, should I save it? No, go ahead. All right, uh, I'm uh, I'm actually moving. Uh, I'm leaving Walgreens. I've uh, been there a long time, but I'm actually moving to VMware um, to be a one of a uh, a group of uh, desktop specialists. They're called nice so, experts in sort like, of VMware like workstation technology. Do you produce like special the wolf, desktops? Right? They sent you where you I, I produce very special desktops. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's actually a really really cool position. Uh, we can you know get into it more later, but uh, really good stuff. Very excited about the opportunity. Really cool. really good stuff. Congratulations, right. mucho, mucho sir. Congrats. Congratulations, Thank Mr. You, gentlemen. Remus. Good work. Yep. My my little updates are just shot a pilot. Uh, did three episodes of the Clone Wars, and and I'm now working on Force Unleashed two more. Force well, we'll talk about it later. Come on, come on, two. move on, guys. Well, okay, two. since I failed horribly in news deskness, TG, would yes. you like to tell us a little bit about some of the upcoming conventions we're going to be experiencing? I know. I would. One maybe of I is, can you know, get near, this. Near uh, well, yeah, and uh, maybe I can get this show back on track once Ooh. again. Yes, I'm having to work. Yeah. Really, y'all are making me work today. What's up with that? The, uh, okay. uh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. You got to remember, TG, you're working. For two. For oh, two. Everything Sam. for two. Dude, you know, you're like, you, you've always been on my good list, but you are wavering, dude. <laughs> I want to be on your good list for two. Oh. <laughs> yes. For two. Just saying. I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that, look, guys. Uh, yeah. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to be sensitive to that. Okay? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're, I, I, you're. I plead. I plead the fifth. This is the same guy that just said when we were doing our skill check plus twenty. He he was the one that just said under his breath, belly circumference plus twenty. I I don't understand where it came from. I didn't say that. That, that was actually that was me. <laughs> yeah, that was him. Different guy. I've I've never been on TG's list, so I had nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> that's a true. That's a fair true statement. Nice. I, I would I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Right TG, talk to us. Yes. All right. All right. ReaperCon. This is the one that you said was near and dear to my heart. Uh I love ReaperCon because I get to paint minis all day long. It's going to be May 20th through the 23rd in Denton, Texas. Uh, Order 66 and Radio Free Homelet will be there running some games. So come out, get your game on, get your paint on. And you can always find out more at www.reapermini.com. 
just for those who don't know how that's spelled, it's R-E-A-P-E-R-M-I-N-I. -E -E I am spelling disabled. <laughs> oh. So I think other people would need to, I would need to hear that. So I'm giving But it no better, I think people. you had Listexia. Listexia! Most likely. Coming yes. soon to a theater near you. Of course. So June 23rd through the 27th in Columbus, Ohio, there's going to be Origins 2010. Now, D20 Radio's own Vader son, just Duncan, he'll be running four games of Saga, Death of the Star of Agnor, Murder on the Executor, and Requiem for the Star of Agnor. So to find out more about Origins, go to Origins Games, that's plural with an S, dot com. Beautiful. Uh -huh. Yep, and then Gen Con, which is so sad. Gen Con's a weekend. Gen Con's a weekend early this year, isn't it? Yeah, it, no, it's two weekends because well, no, yeah, it's, no it's I guess early. it was held in the teens. So Gen Con 2010 is August 5th through 8th in Indianapolis, obviously where it always is. Badge and room registrations have been open for a while, and uh, don't forget the Gygax Memorial Auction when you're there, and you can go to GenCon.com for more details. Cool. Where the West Begins. Where the West Begins. Now, um, Dave, we had a contest, did we not? Yes, we did, as a matter of fact. And this just in, there has been a winner announced. The there, a winner there, was there, announced already? Actually, no. The, the winner has not been announced. I'm sorry. The winner, uh, we've decided on who the winner because... is. However, yes. we will announce that when Christopher West shows up yes Ooh. yes yes and for those not aware we got several entries for the uh christopher west encounter contest each one was outstanding judging was very difficult indeed um but it, it was it was very very close and uh we have first second and third place winners chosen and you will find out who that is at the end of the podcast yes indeed and now we bring you this This is a Holonet News Update. I'm Luke Lowbrow. A new hollow production of Hamlet on Ord Mandel will feature Mentelian Savrips in all the main character roles. Mentelian Savrips have hunched over statures, leathery skin, snake-like heads, and arms long enough to drag on the ground. The director of the production said he got tired of seeing Hamlet, Prince of Denmark, being portrayed by some effeminate young man in pantyhose. The public is clamoring to see a Hamlet that can eat a Jawa alive on stage. In other news, a new datapad was released by the Blumfruit Computer company called the B-Pad. We don't have much to say about how this B-Pad is different from any other datapad on the market, but because the Blumfruit Computer Company released a new product, that's news in and of itself. Let's all take a moment of silence and think about the importance of this new datapad from the Blumfruit Computer Company. I want you all to know I'm totally going to get one just because they look really cool. In other news, the Imperial Army has lamented over the fact that stormtrooper recruitments are down and quotas have not been met. The Army believes this is because word has gotten out that the iconic stormtrooper armor does not actually stop blaster bolts. Furthermore, their iconic helmets limit peripheral vision and may be responsible for thousands of needless stormtrooper deaths. When asked if the Imperial Army was considering a new battle uniform for stormtroopers, a spokesperson said, no, we can't get rid of it. It's just too cool looking. It reminds us of the B pad made by the Blumfruit Computer Company. Unquote. This has been a Holonet News Network update. 
I'm Luke Lowbrow. Hi, this is Admiral Phil, co-host of the All Stop podcast here on the D20 Radio Network, congratulating GM Dave, GM Chris, and TG on 100 episodes of the Order 66 podcast. Congratulations, guys. Now, could you send Dave back to the fleet? He has Vice Admiral duties. And his tribbles miss him. Hello, this is the Sith Princess. Because I'm out conquering the galaxy. Hey, but I took time off to say happy 800th podcast. Bye. Got a bad feeling about this. Well, hey, GM Dave, GM Chris, and TG. This is GM Brev and GM Tony. Minnie's Mayhem, and we just you guys, uh, well, a happy 100th, 100th episode. Blah, can't speak. Uh, 100th episode uh, from us at Minnie's Mayhem to you guys over there at Order 66. And um, Penny, I guess we're gonna have to start hey, listening hey, now, hey, huh? Hang on, yeah. Oh, either that or just continue to not listen for another maybe 100 episodes. I don't know. I'll have to see if I can make the time to listen to something else besides our own podcast. Yeah, no kidding. We listen to that that shows. Yeah, I I guess, let's see, I'm going to have to start listening because when Chris and I go to lunch, which we do every once in a while, I I have to lie and say I've listened and just kind of nod and smile and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Love that part of the episode. But see, it's not like that's something you have to worry about because Chris will just keep talking and talking. Like he would like even he wouldn't even notice that your eyes just glazed over as he's talking about Star Wars Saga Edition or Order sixty six for that matter. Or mathematically correct <laughs> dice. Oh, don't get him started on that. Anyway, guys, congratulations, and uh, here's to the next one hundred episodes, and we'll see you guys real soon. Yay. This is DM Vincent from the Roll for Initiative podcast here on the D20 Radio Network, and I just want to say congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. That's a big feat. Remember, keep it original, keep it old school with AD&D First Edition. Later. Hi, I'm Commodore Gonzo from the All Stop podcast about Star Trek Online. I have no idea why I'm recording a bumper for the 100th episode of the Order 66 podcast. Oh, that's right. They gave me this wheelbarrow full of money. Hey, free wheelbarrow. Awesome. There you go. So we're going to be interspersing a bunch of these 100th episode I got a lot. liners that you guys sent in. Uh, we appreciate it. We've we got like 25 of them, so I'm going to run them in like batches of four or five as we get to various little segments and such. But, uh, yeah. So that brings us up to our... Regular segment, postcards from Commander Cody. God, um, you guys actually got a postcard from this jackass? Well, I didn't. I, I haven't, actually, uh, in quite some time. He's been sending it to uh, TG here lately. Did uh, Did you get one there, TG? I, I did, and it was... I'm a little worried because it was, it was kind of a strange postcard from him this week. Um, its image is that of a picturesque and ancient temple that looks to be Jedi in its design. Um, it's nestled in a green valley, and there, it seems to be very well hidden. Um, it's been recently repaired, and there's images of X-wing fighters flying around it. And um, well, the edges of the postcard are scorched, and it 
and it appears to be stained with blood. Huh. So, yeah, I'm thinking who he was battling. Ghost blood? Their blood. must. It, it has to be, you know? Yeah. But the wording on the postcard reads, The Rebel Alliance welcomes you to our new base. Long live the rebellion. Long live the rebellion! From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. DGM Dive and TG. My friends, things are going wonderfully here. Our new base on Kularan is operational and fully functional. We've gathered several battalions of resistance fighters and a large store of weapons, equipment and vehicles. This sacred base will surely become a stronghold for the Rebellion until we cleanse the galaxy of the evil empire. Training and drills have been going on in earnest and I'm pleased to report my unit is in top condition. When we strike out, the empire won't know what hit up. I'm still concerned that we're far too overexposed here. The Alliance Brass isn't worried, though I am. To be frank, I've got a bad feeling about this. One of our scouting parties hasn't reported back in, and more communications with our contact in the nearby city of Gedrin have been terse. He knows something. He's not telling me. I've expressed my concerns to the commander, but he tells me we've got an ace up our sleeve in case of an incursion. I feel like I'm being left out of the loop, and that's maddening. It's prompted me to do a little research in my downtime. Can't shake the stories of how this planet supposedly disappeared during the Clone Wars, only to reappear later. Travel showed an empty system, and when it reappeared, the inhabitants didn't think anything was amiss. I've been talking with some of the traders and spices in Gedrin, even made a few contacts in one of the local terrorists in Eerstats, and the rumors I'm hearing are disconcerting. Some people talk of an ancient artifact, terrorists called the Dark Staff, some kind of ancient relic of power. They say it was a relic of the old Jedi Wars, and was, possibly still is, here. Many locals blame it for the disappearance of Kularen, but I'll shudder to think. If the Alliance has discovered it, if they think they can control it, I just don't know. All I can do is trust that the Alliance is doing the right thing. For the first time in my life, I feel... Free, chaps. Free. I feel like I'm making my own choices, my own decisions. I left the Empire because I knew it was wrong. But when it gets my training, my breeding, everything I am. But here, now, with the Rebellion, fighting for what I know is right, I feel so much more. I've got to support the Alliance no matter what. And this base, this home for freedom, is a symbol that must be protected. One. Woo! 
Oh, that's something else, man. I tell you what. Hey, hey, TK556, we barbecuing later? Yeah, hey, save a cold one for me. Hey, look at this guy. He looks familiar. Kinda. Got something in his hand. Looks like a postcard. Hey. Hey! Hey, TK556, this is Cody! Commander Cody! Woohoo! I got me a clone! <laughs> and, and a postcard! A postcard from Commander Cody! Hey. Wait a minute. What the heck's going on here? A postcard from Commander Cody? He hello? Hello? We interrupt this transmission for breaking news. The disgraced and controversial hero of the Clone Wars, Commander Cody, is dead. As a doornail. As an operative for the terrorist organization called the Rebel Alliance, Cody had used his position in the 501st Brigade to funnel strategic intelligence to the Rebels via various postcards and audio recordings. Cody was shot dead in an engagement with the Empire's elite Stormtrooper Special Forces. The operating number of the Stormtrooper who successfully killed Cody is TK421. This is Luke Lowbrow for the Holonet News. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Bastard. Uh, 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 honestly, did you not see that coming? I mean, he kept telling everyone where he was. Good God. Shut up, Chris. Just shut up. <laughs> you don't know what it's like? Oh, my God. There's so many people in the chat room that have grown up listening to Commander Cody over the last two years. He's been the I only constant someone's... the only constant and, since episode one. And to think to think that I was actually nice to TK four two one about six months ago. Damn it. You you were you were nice to Wait him. a minute. Wait a second, how nice were you? <laughs> I've got his blood sample. Is that the is that the only DNA material you got from him? No uh, we'll, we'll come to that later. Um yeah. Well, I, I mean, should you reveal? I, th I think I think we should focus on what's important here. A an imperial traitor is dead. Okay, and you know the galaxy is a better place for it. And the sooner we all accept that and agree with it Sitting and understand there, that my point of view is correct, your we'll be okay. pipe, drinking your booze. You're a monster. You're a monster, Chris. Well, I'm not denying any of that, but I'll. Yes, impossible. Uh, I'll stand by it if I need to. If I need to get more villainous, I'll pull off a cheesy British accent. If I need to. <laughs> I hate the stupid bike. <laughs> Damn bike! I hate this bike. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I can ever forgive TK42. Where has he been all this time, anyways? You know, I, apparently you know? Uh, at rifle practice. Just He's saying. been training for the uh, elite special oh, forces of the uh, MCP. Yes. Yep, the warrior lead of the MCP. Hey, guys, guys, listen. I just think we should have a moment of silence for Commander Cody, okay? Right now. I, I agree. Okay, here we go.
Goodness. That's Sorry. about. Yeah, that's it. <clears throat> All right, yep. All right, so that, that draws us into the uh, announcement, basically. If yes, indeed, you knew someone was leaving the show, and it just happens to be Cody. Wait, how would you... Wait, how, how did anyone know that that was going to happen? All right. No comment. Wait, we win on this? We, uh... Dave, yeah, Dave, how the hell did you... I thought you were... Wait a second. Cody's... Oh. We cannot disclose this information oh. at this time as part of the agreement we Wait. made. Um, yeah. That's cold. Both of you guys were in on this, That's weren't just you? Ro- they were, Sam. They are the so, GMs. I'm they should probably know what's going on. Hey, you know, you know what? You yeah. know what? You know what? Suffice it to say, he won't be meeting any more any more Earthling girls at parties. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, so there. Yeah. Well, you know what? So you might you might be raising his child. So there's the irony, right? Yeah. Just like yeah. in Braveheart, huh? Exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Take that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying. Well, oh god. Oh, okay, Dave. Should we get to the meat of this show? I suppose we can, but I just want to say that in place of Cody, we're going to begin a new segment next next time called Tailgating with TK421. That You're letting that bastard back on the show? Yep. It was oh. part of the agreement, actually. Yeah, he murdered one of your That's correspondents. Well, well, we we didn't actually murder him. No. I mean, he, he was sending... Basically, he was sending us his location... And uh, he, he, you know, he trusted us. Well, Holy I know. I, I never made any bones about the fact that I thought he was stupid. I mean, this pretty much proved it. You know, but in order to avoid legal injunction and imprisonment, Dave and I did a few things we weren't exactly proud of. But wait um, a second. Okay, that explains a lot. Yeah. Uh, TG, but, do you know about any of this? No. For two? No. Okay. <laughs> that, neither of us knew about it. She okay. didn't, but the baby did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In fact, it was the baby's idea. Mm-hmm. God. Yep. Watto. Uh, for two. Future Sith Lord. For two. All right, so, yeah, we can, we can like, get into the show. Let's do it. Sort of. Let's do it. Not that we have any real meat to discuss. We just have... Uh, <clears throat> we have guests. We have guests. We have... You know, which in and of, of themselves bring their own meat to the party. Yeah, we do. Well, we we're going to have several guests coming in on and off the show, guys. And uh, we do have some Star Wars stuff to talk about that we will get to with them. But first and foremost, Sam, Chuck, man, how's Diggs? What are you guys working on right now? I mean, you know, you alluded to it earlier. Give us details. Do it up, the Sam. Uh, I'm a, I, I did a, a pilot for CBS and then did... Uh, or, or just previous to that, did three episodes for the Clone Wars, and uh, and I'm back doing some more Force Unleashed too. So it's been uh, it's been busy. Ah, I heard you were going to be on the Young and the Breathless. Um, it's uh, actually uh, <clears throat> right. Yeah, I'm not quite restless yet. Um, you know, you have to snip me first. Are you going to be Doctor? Are, are you we- going to be Doctor Drake Ramore? Yes. Who is that? Okay. But absolutely, totally. <laughs> I'm so confused. So am I, but I'm I I yes. One hundred percent. The chat room says, Yep, CBS, you're doing the new Matlock. <laughs> Actually, Sam's gonna be starring in a remake of uh, Quincy, I believe. <laughs> Murder. 
Or what about a, what about emergency? If you could bring back emergency. Yes. Station 51. Urgency. Station wow. One out of 12. There's there's quite a few. I'm I'm actually I'm actually doing a remake of the Patty Duke show. I'm I'm playing the Patty <laughs> Duke character. Patty? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, but they're cousins, identical cousins, which is weird, you know, because Patty Duke is not in the show. But it's it's a remake, guys. You got to just go with it. We are. I mean, it's yeah, a reimagining sure. of the show. A reimagining of the Patty right. Duke. The reboot of the yeah the Donna Reed show starring Judge Reinhold. What? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, hey, you know, if they're going to redo the Karate Kid with an actual karate master this time, well, well then, yeah, exactly. Know. But it's not karate; it's kung fu this it's time. Kung and they're fu. still calling it Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Make your own movie. Let Pat Morita rest in peace, for God's sakes. Yeah, Arnold, really don't soil his memory. Arnold, seriously, I still think of him as Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. It's true. <laughs> it's son. <laughs> Come on, get to the chopper. Sandefloor! Like that? Arnold. No, as an no. Arnold from Happy Days. Sandefloor. Come on. Wax on, wax on. Kill me, I'm here. Do it. <laughs> oh. Oh. Well, so, okay, so you're busy as hell. Chuck, you're in the process of changing jobs, you said? I I am in the process of of changing jobs. It's been a it's been an interesting couple weeks, um, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good opportunity. Um, Going to be some really cool stuff. There's definitely some travel. Actually, uh, just to throw totally personal stuff out, um, I'm probably going to be Sam in uh, Palo yeah. Alto on May the first through the fourth. I don't know how close that is to you. If you're still going to be out there, but we should figure something out. It's possible. I'm trying to come out here for the orchestral recording sessions. Um, I don't. They might be around then, so let's right. do that. Yeah, Dude, we totally what, need to work them out. All what right. Chuck's job is is he's the wolf. When they have problems, they send him out to solve the problems. Winston Wolf. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's yeah, nice. it's like technology SWAT team. They like call you in when like the regular police just aren't good enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna get a, Are you gonna get a really bad syndicated show out of it? I'm, ho- I'm hoping to. Yes, and then, and then later a movie with Colin Farrell. Ah, gotcha. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, technology nine one one. We have Chuck and Bill and Rajesh. And- <laughs> exactly. What do you call? Look out! How may I help you? <laughs> The desktop has crashed. <laughs> <laughs> PC uh, no hey, letter. Let's let's spread the love a little bit. <laughs> let's let's. So yeah, I got that going on, and then I know some people have been following. Probably the the only other interesting thing I have going on at the moment is uh, is the multi touch table build. Yes. Which okay. Is, this is uh, this is this is badass. Tell us about this. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if. People are familiar. If you've ever seen the Microsoft Surface, that's that's the first really commercial um, implementation I know of 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 the tables, or at least the one that got the most press and, and stuff. The problem is they only sell it to um, you know corporations or or you know business type. They don't sell it to um, consumers. But it's essentially a a table, a tabletop, or you can think of like a coffee table that you can actually interact with. Right? It's a computer. Um, and the interface is right. Everybody like their iPhones and all that stuff. It's a it's a multi-touch 
um, interface, but on the scale of something that's, you know, 30 or 40 inches long, like a, like a full table. So I'm actually building uh, my own version of that. And uh, it's, uh, it's coming along. I'm, I'm getting some, I'm actually getting the, uh, the acrylic top, I think, next week. And uh, yeah, right. doing some other stuff. I don't want to give too much away because I know there are some people who listen to this, Sam, and uh, we don't want them yeah. to know some of the upcoming oh, plans. But right. uh, yeah. but there's some really cool stuff going on. I, I will say this. So I keep a blog um, of the progress of the build. It's actually um, Mindflux, M-I-N-D-F-L-U-X-I-N-C, Mindflux Incorporated, .net. Um, go ahead and, and stop by. And I'll let you in on a little secret. The actual build is much further along than the blog, which is intentional. So that cool. on weekends like this, when I don't do anything, I can still blog about something and make you think that I'm like doing something. <laughs> yeah. See? Uh, but I'm not. What a smart guy. See, I learned that trick in the IT industry. You always, you know, stay two weeks ahead of the development cycle, and then you can just surf the net for one day, you know? Exactly. That's, That's right. badass. So what is that website again? Mindfluck? Mindfluck? <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Good. Flux plural. Flux plural. My bad. My bad. Yes. Mind flux. Gotcha. There's many flux. Many, many of them. Them. Flux I. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. It's enough flux for two. <laughs> <laughs> but more than well, one can handle. <laughs> right. Strong enough for a man, but made for a woman. Die. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, cool. that's that's been taking up a bunch of my a bunch of my time in between going to interviews and and sorting out uh, end dates at work. Gotcha. <laughs> cool. Wow. Cool. So we have a title that's for the it. episode: "Flucked for Two. Flucked. <laughs> Go fluck yourself. Yeah, Go fluck yes. yourself. Okay. Well, all right. So <clears throat> let, let's let's talk about some Star Wars Saga Edition. And because we haven't talked to you guys about this specifically, at least not on the show. All right, lay it on us. What's your response to the cancellation of the line? Okay, okay. I, I Chuck, I'll, let me let me handle this. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> we don't actually play the Star Wars Saga Edition. We never played it. We actually have no idea what you guys are talking about. We've been completely BSing. Chuck, did, uh, it's about time to come clean. Uh, I didn't think you were just going to come right out and say it. What is the Star Wars Saga? I thought that? we were to save that. I didn't. I didn't think you'd yeah. come out and say it. We we have no uh, idea what you're talking about, you know, D20 skill roll. Like, it's all a lie, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just want to say I'm sorry to everyone, I'm, you know. Okay. It's okay. Great. All right. Fantastic. No, On to the show. Uh, Gary Asselford is up next. The, the um, you know, uh, the the cancellation, it, it's a bit of a blow, um, but we are left with, a, a very complete system. Um, it's, we're not really left high and dry. The movies are, are finished, so it's not like there's going to be some movie that comes out that invalidates a bunch of uh, a bunch of rules. I mean, we're in pretty good shape. What do you think, Chuck? I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm going to kind of echo the same feeling. Is yeah, it sucks, but at the same time, I, I think you know, I think you nail it, Sam. Is it's a really good system. Like people didn't stop playing A, D, and D. Uh, when you know future editions that came out, or you know in 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 the dark age, like we can still play this game as it stands for a long, long time to come, and there's still many, many great stories to be told. So, um, I, I you know I'm not happy about it, but I think it's being left in a very good place. Mm. I think it'd be yeah, a lot. I agree. 
I'd be a lot more unhappy about it if like this decision had happened like a year in. Yes. Yeah. 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 Would have been. Yeah, we we wouldn't have had an opportunity to to get all that material. And it's like you guys said, we barely touched on on the Order sixty six podcast. We barely touched on uh, on the material that's that's just already out there. I mean, you you can't yeah. keep up with all the, all the stuff that's out there, and it's that's pretty great. It is good stuff. So yeah. okay, in in response to your earlier jibe, so talk to us about about gaming here, in particular, um, you know. A lot of people are getting sort of Star Wars ennui with the, the announcement of the cancellation of the line, and people are, you know, we're, we're, none of us are going to stop playing, but it's, it's prompted a bit of, of retrospection and introspection from a lot of people I've been talking to recently. I know you guys never have a problem telling us about your games, but uh, <laughs> if you had to, to, to share with us a, a recent or, or near-recent favorite gaming moment from the last couple of years, what would be at the top of your list for Saga Edition? What do you think, man? Got anything? Does um, that put you on the spot? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. That See, it's hard for me to answer because, you know, I, um, as, as the guy who designs all this stuff, you kind of hope they're all, they all have a special place in the, in the player's heart, but in terms of what actually goes over, you never really can tell. Um, what I, do you think, man? I think so. Again, you know, this isn't like an epic moment. I, I, I think some of the uh, some of the listeners when they send stuff in do a much better job of this. Um, but something I've been thinking about and and chime in on this, dude, is during the last session, we really, really, really wanted to get to this point. Right? We were we were like rebuilding this Sith cruiser, trying to get it operational, um, and went through all this trouble to get it like up and online, <laughs> hyperdrive, and we're like running out of time, you know, the clock is ticking, we, we've only got a couple hours, and um, we get this thing fired up, and we're like, you know, and Sam's like, alright, you, you know, do you want to wrap up here, or do you want to push on, and everyone's like, push on! And, and, <laughs> so, and uh, we, we hyperspace, you know, we get this thing up, and we hyperspace into our destination, and Sam's like, alright, make some room, and he, he sets up the game board, and there's like, something just shy of a billion ships that we fly into, just a complete like, hellstorm well, and furthermore, totally I, I, I hit the, uh, the music hardcore and the sound effects. I, I grabbed a bunch of sound effects from some, uh, some LucasArts games. So there's, there's the real sense of, of uh, the shit hitting the fan, and it's, there's almost audio overload. Uh, continue. Yeah, what, yeah, what was your take on that? Because I felt like it was <laughs> my perspective before he goes on. Actually, no, you should tell your side, and I'll tell my side because it's – I, I, yeah, I actually don't have. I mean, I wasn't going to go too much into it. We can we can go on, but just the the sense of sort of dread and dismay of like we should have just let it go. Like we were totally like we gamed for something like thirty hours over the course of like three to four days, um, and we're woefully unprepared. And it it definitely showed in some of the actions. Like we were trying to talk our way out of things. And it was actually going well, and then suddenly somebody just opens up with like turbo laser fire. Just <laughs> no communication, no organization, no coordination. Um, you know, just completely jumped into like something that was way over our heads, and that was how we it's, ended the session. Yeah, we ended the session with the first um, epic space battle that Starship we've had battle. in the game. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, this is this is this game has been going on for many years, and this was the first epic space battle that had ever occurred in this game. So I, I, uh, 
I actually just listened back to the audio on that, Chuck, and it's it's pretty interesting. It's it sounds it it sounds like it went better than when I was running it. When I went was when I was running it, I, I was gauging the exhaustion of you guys. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, I I wondered if if you know if I had failed on some level or if I had uh, thrown too much at you guys or, or but but actually, if you listen to the encounter, it it doesn't last that long. It's actually, I want to say. Twenty or thirty minutes. It fe- yeah, it, it felt agonizing. I, I was someone being oh good, <laughs> yeah. great great for the GM to hear that he put his players through agony. <laughs> <laughs> was that fun for you? Let me let me ask you that. Was it? Did you did you guys? Because you guys keep talking about oh we would have done much better. Because basically what they needed to do is they needed to get into this system that was getting sealed off and blockaded in a big way, and uh, and <clears throat> and and they didn't. You know, the choke point where they were trying to get into the system was was just filled with a glut of ships, and they were able to make it through, but not without taking a lot of damage. And and uh, you know, there were a lot of if I'm going to use video game terminology, there were a lot of optional objectives on the way, and a lot of things that could have been accomplished, a lot of things that were accomplished, a lot of things that maybe weren't accomplished. But they, you know, the the main objective was to just get through it. And get into the system to get from point A in the board to point B in the board to to you know get the ship through. And I, I keep hearing from from the players how um, you know if they were fresh they would have done all these different things. But the thing I keep reminding you guys is like your characters were twice as exhausted as you guys were, and uh, yeah. and the encounter lasted for about thirty minutes of real time. Um, so it wasn't like I kept you there for hours. But what what did you think? Was it did you have any fun? And, and be honest. God's yeah, sake. yeah, and, and we've had that discussion that that everyone was exhausted, but it was it, it was great because yeah, it, right, it was it was very much you were in character whether you wanted to be or not because our characters had pretty much gone through hell um, on on that ship, and like the atmosphere was toxic, people were getting poisoned, people were having hallucinations, and essentially the you know us the players were completely exhausted. We were poisoned and having hallucinations uh, by the time we got to this battle. <laughs> Alcohol um, poisoning, right? Yeah. Um, ah. And no, uh, actually, it wasn't. It wasn't quite that. We no one. It, it wasn't was quite that, destroyed. but it was. It was not good. Um, yeah. But no, yeah. I mean, was it? Was it a good time? Yeah, it was a great battle. I mean, just just the scale of it. Um, I don't think anybody was prepared to be confronted with with something of of that scale. I mean, we're talking like, you know, what like a. 28 by 26 or you know something map and then we extended it just packed with capital ships freighters uh some fighters um and we just had to navigate through we weren't really sure who was going to be friend or foe if we could help people out and um i think there's a lot like you said there's a lot of like it's easy to look back now and go oh, i wish we had done this i wish we had done that but um no the reality is i think we we all love it when things don't necessarily go to plan uh, and they yeah. totally didn't in that in that battle. So it leaves us in an interesting place. Um, it leaves the story in an interesting place. I was completely pissed off about the crappy shields, um, <laughs> and and had my hands full just trying to keep these like three thousand year old shields uh, up against like modern day weapons. Um, but there were some great moments. I think Herc had some some good moments again, uh, and uh, Matt on the uh, on the turbo laser batteries and stuff well they, you know just, there was also there was some interior combat as well there was a they were they had bombers flying by their ship uh when it was when it was finally determined 
that their ship was hostile toward the enemy. Uh, you know, at first everyone was firing on them because they didn't really. Everyone was firing at everyone, and the Republic ships didn't know who they were. The the bad guys didn't know who they were, and then when they finally straightened that out, the bad guys were going after them. Bombers were going after them. They were shooting down space bombs, but eventually there were a few bombs that weren't quite space bombs. I didn't tell them why. They just they were larger. And they were dropping destroyer droids on the hulls of the ship. So there would be these uh, gun bays with these magnetic shields keeping the atmosphere in, with the guns poking out on the side. And at one point, a destroyer droid rolls in through one of those uh, shields, and the, and the Jedi's, the Jedi, uh, Matt's character and, uh, and his Padawan uh, had to deal with that. Which, you know, so there was interior battle, there was space battle on the outside. But the thing is, it ran really fast. It ran really fast. I'm, I'm kind of proud of that part, at least. Yeah, we got and I someone in the chat room threw out the that like space battles just because people aren't terribly familiar with the rules. I think that that was totally true. I mean, luckily we had already been through at least a smaller a, battle, a smaller, smaller one, yeah, to kind of get up the speed. And and Nick, of all of us, absolutely like knew the rules totally down pat. So yeah, the pilot, yeah, that was that was a help. But yeah, I mean, there was added stress of just space combat as as a whole and and dealing with that but yeah i mean we were at a point where things ran smooth it i i can tell you it's funny to hear you say that it was like 20 or 30 minutes it it felt way felt like five hours <laughs> yeah it, it felt way longer than that well see i don't know if that's a good sign chris are you are you relating to me at all when you throw something at the players and you go maybe this wasn't a good time <laughs> like you're looking at yeah, good time and good timing, but it's like, and TG, Dave, you guys can back me up on this. I'll write an encounter and I'll be like, yeah, 20 minutes. Uh-huh. And then I'll be, I'll be running through it and I'll be like, oh, it's only been five or 10 minutes. And how long has it actually been? 40. Like two hours. <laughs> well, but we I can have also audio relate. files. Yeah. I, I was actually surprised as well. It felt longer for me as well, but we, I looked at the audio files and it, it, was, it was not that long. It was, I think it was like 30 or 40 minutes, that encounter. Yeah. I was pretty proud of that. Now, there's been encounters we've been in that have been like that, where we feel like it's dragged on forever, and it's been 20, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is great as a GM to hear that. God, is this done yet? Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Two hours. What? It's like, dude, it's been... There's... um, it's, 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 there was another combat that happened earlier. There was, I did, me and the guys play a lot of Left 4 Dead. So I, uh, Dude, I incorporated. I gotta, get, I gotta get your gamer tech. Yeah, really. Oh, for God's yeah. sakes. We, no, we, do it. Left 4 Dead 2? Yeah, yeah, we, we play all the time. Um, you gotta join us. Um, in fact, I'm trying, <laughs> trying to get Simon Pegg to join us because I, I just want to be able to say that we played. Left for Dead with Shaun of the Dead. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but there was, okay, so so earlier on in the Sith Cruiser, um, there was a lot of, they kept discovering these log entries about what might have happened to these people who were locked aboard this ship. Like the Sith were sealing their followers aboard, you know, aboard ships and in, in crypts and all that, you know, the same way the Egyptians would seal their followers inside with, uh, with the with the pharaoh that they were supposed to guard, and uh, and so there was a whole drama that happened with these people who were left behind to guard the ship, thinking that it would be a generational ship, and that they'd come back and Sith would come back in 150 years and and pick up the descendants of the original followers, and then thousands of years passed. But they're uh, you know, and the way that they dealt with it, so they kept they kept picking up these logs of like telling the story of what happened to these people, 
And then they somehow got whiffed that the crew was still on the ship somehow in some form. Turns out, and I don't, I don't, I shouldn't go into too much detail because I don't think Chuck and them have discovered exactly what happened to these people. But, uh, but the remains of the crew were there, uh, sort of fused together with droid parts. And uh, part of the toxic atmosphere was what was keeping these things together. There was a formulated atmosphere that was uh, helping to, um, to, to, you know, allow these things longevity. And so there was a Left for Dead, uh, a whole Left for Dead encounter when they went to the crew decks, which were sealed off. And, um, and that was one of those things where you start looking at the encounter, you start looking at the amount of bad guys, and you're trying to create a zombie swarm, and you're like, you know... This is going to take for a while. You know, this is going to take yeah. a while. And uh, and as soon as I started feeling like it was running too slowly and it was running uh, a little bit inefficiently, I um, I, I really I, I didn't really fudge stuff as I as I kind of um, improvised a rule set right then and there. Chuck, did you notice that I did this? That I completely shifted the way we were running that encounter halfway through? Yeah, yeah, and and that it became more about. Um, uh, weapons fire and damage had more to do with how far you were pushing the hordes back away from you uh, rather than dealing actual damage to swarms of enemies. Um, it no longer became important because they kept pouring out through holes in the decks and everything. So it was more about eventually when they were getting overwhelmed, um, a few of the main, you know, maybe the, you know, the specials, the, you know, the tank or the, the special zombies had actual hit points, but the rest of them were literally, I was just keeping track of how far you were pushing them back with your with your blaster fire, and and right. it became this running treat, uh, which was really interesting. But it was the, something that yeah, I literally it, came up with at the time. It was a really great, the, there was a really great moment, and it. it's one of those unspoken things where like it, it just turned around in your head as a as a player of like we're not going to win this, and and you just start like looking for the exit, um, and like one person goes and. You know, nobody had talked about it, but one person sort of retreats, someone else retreats, and then all of a sudden, everybody's just trying to get the hell out of there. Um, it was it was a really nice, really nice turning point, point. Um, and there was some great stuff on the escape, sort of igniting the. Um, was it what was uh was it like a gas or something that we we ignited? Uh, there very were much there were the some for dead vein of burning the zombies. <laughs> Yeah, there were industrial. There were all kinds of uh, um, environmental hazards and power conduits and droid charge stations and they realized that they could, you know, there was a there was an enemy droid in one of the charge stations. They blasted it, blew up the charge station, saw that it created this huge ball of flame. So they real they started using those. They started leading the, the hordes into that room and blowing up the charge stations around them, which which was a really good call. They started they were doing a lot of really smart things, but the fun thing about it was a lot of this was uh, improvised on my on my part. I won't tell you what was improvised and what wasn't Chuck because it's the it's the best way to go though. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, when you, when you have these huge, massive combats, and you start realizing, wow, this is going to take a while. It suddenly, if anything occurs to you as as any any ways you can cheat and make it run faster, that's always better. I I definitely. Hey, so so speaking of cheating and making things run faster. <laughs> Four two, right? Yeah. So about the show now, what is y'all's favorite moments from the Order sixty six podcast? <laughs> that segue there. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, whenever you have that guy Chuck Hurstis on, I, I uh-huh. just think it is. Oh yeah. my God, Chuck Hurstis! Oh, oh my God! God. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's my oh, favorite okay. guest. Oh, what about? Um, do you drink his milkshake? No, not to, you know, not to to um, kiss anyone's ass too much. But whenever Rodney Thompson is on, it's it's pretty awesome. You know, that guy is um, incredibly intelligent. That guy's really smart and cool. Chuck, what do you got? Uh, I was actually going to say the same thing. <laughs> um, the <laughs> podcast I've listened to with with Rodney, just because of the the depth and. Um, I mean, if you're into the game, that's that's a guy to talk to, um, and you know, and obviously any episode that that uh, me and Sam are on is my favorite. Of course, yeah, it's a real standout yeah. episode. Uh, here's, for us. here's what I'll say. You know what? You know what my favorite part is going to be. Uh, we are having our next session at the end of May. Correct. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it'll be the show after that when we come back and tell you about how things went. <laughs> Poor guys. This is, this yes. is predictive favorite parts of the Order 66 yeah. podcast. Nice. So somewhere around episode 107, you guys will have your favorite part. Yes, in June. Right. That will be my favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. I love having Rodney on. I love having Rodney on too, and I'm actually I'm 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 sad because he's he's he is unable to join us tonight. He had a, he had a prior commitment. Um, yes. But, but we'll not only for his for his gaming, you know, his his, his design knowledge, but for his uh, knowledge of the breadth and depth of Star Wars canon, cool. and, and his knowledge of the human heart. Let's be honest, guys. Let's be honest. That's and true. human anatomy in general. Yes, yeah, yeah. so he's, he's got a vast. You can, you can kill a man with a toothpick. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Um, but it's it's been a hell of a hundred episodes. You guys have done. Uh, incredibly good work um you guys organize a good i mean i I wouldn't know where to begin to organize a podcast like this so you know much congratulations to you um they they started in a cigar shop so there's a starting place for you if you want to that's it's a great place to start anything is in a cigar shop it absolutely is how does that work (laughs) it is that's is that like the bat room the bathroom what the bath bath cave yeah the bath cave yeah Yep, that's where that's where planning in earnest began for the Order sixty six podcast. The idea was actually hatched in a fifth floor cubicle at our office. Yes, and then really? we went to the cigar shop that night and started planning. Yes, I see. It works. Yeah, I mean, awesome. I'll, I'll throw my hat in there too. You guys have come a, a very long way from from episode one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn! Wow. That wasn't that wasn't meant to be bad. Yeah, I'd like some kung pao chicken. <laughs> Like, you know, y'all are okay now. We can sort of find some nice things that y'all have done on your show, but it is much better than episode one. I mean, wow, you that do? was just shit. <laughs> wow, wow. Why are you ripping on him so much, TV? What, what's up yeah. with that? I, because she wasn't on episode one. Yeah. I, I was merely trying to say that it's a it's an awesome show and, and has come a long way. Not in a, bad, there turning in a bad, in a good way. My God. That's insane. <laughs> I, I honestly did listen from the very beginning, though. That's you know, I uh, I was. Dude, I, I, think uh, we, I think we got our first communication from you after episode eight, and you said you've been listening for some time. Really, eight? Yeah, that early. Uh, I don't remember. I was about to say that was about the time we got a communication from Rodney. That's about the time that I got hair on my. Never mind. Never mind, guys. Whatever. Yeah, Shut yeah, up. yeah. Shut I up. still I still remember the first time that you sent an email to Chris, and he was like. Uh-huh. You're involved in what capacity? Well, in the capacity yeah. that I played Darth Vader's secret apprentice. 
<laughs> oh, that's Sam. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, was like, it was like the email said Sam Whitworth, and, and you were like, you know, hey, as someone who, who the hell is that? No, 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 no. I was like, as someone who contributed to the Star Wars universe on the upcoming Force Unleashed video game, you know, hey, how's it going? And and I'm like, okay. I, so first thing I did was I pulled up Google. And I was like, Sam Whitworth, Star Wars Force Unleashed. And I looked at the page and I went, no, no, that's no, not it's, him. It's got to be like a like like a sound technician or somebody who shares the same name, some geek and. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, being all diplomatic. Wow, that's in what capacity did you contribute? <laughs> Speaking like, of uh, sound technician, I wanted to ask you guys, and I'm going to ask you right here on air. Um, proxy, my buddy David. Proxy, yeah, my buddy David Collins um, uh, would love to stop by and say hi and stuff. He's not an he's not an RPG guy, but he knows a hell of a lot about Star Wars since you know he dude, makes. It love to stuff. have him. Absolutely, dude. Yeah, as long as as long as he can talk like proxy. Yeah, right. There it is. Yeah, he'll. Uh, I'll, I'll ask him to do that for you. Yeah, guys. right. But he's he's, um, <laughs> he's a really cool guy, and uh, I think you guys will like uh, having him on the show. Yeah, that'd be yeah. awesome. Well, what you know, what you guys got to do for me though is we have to convert him because he's got this weird fear of uh, of role playing games, and it it stems from seeing a bunch of kids play it badly in high school. You know oh, how that goes. Yeah, yeah of course. You know you're, and then you open the doors and it's, you enter the caves of, the caves of chaos. It's caves of chaos, dude. Shut, <laughs> you know, like the, the, are, there any, the, are there any girls there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. If there are. Want to do them? Exactly. <laughs> but you know, we all did that, right? We were we were all in sixth grade or something like that, and ended oh. up. Impregnating an entire town while drunk and killing everyone. I seduced the priestess. No? Okay, impregnating an entire town for two. There. Can you relate to that, DG? No? <laughs> you mean an Just entire saying. town impregnating me? Never. Oh. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, in light of that. What, what favorite oh. moments it takes the wait, wait, I have a question for you guys. What, what favorite moments have you guys had on your podcast? Um, Come on! Kung Pao Chicken! Not so easy, Not so easy is it? When the table getting, is yeah, getting, getting the bumper, Getting the bumper from Rodney Thompson. I, I had a giant erection with a cheeseburger on the end of it. What <laughs> 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 somebody had for dinner that night. <laughs> That's right. Um, oh. Dude, it was, the dog. Yeah, that, that was, was the that, dog. that was that was really cool. It was like, but that, that's back when you're like, oh, these developers, you know, they have no idea who we are. We plebeians, you know, they live on the they live on Olympus with Zeus, and they fire lightning bolts at chickens for fun, and and it's like, you know, wow, this is a real individual. It was really cool, and you know, yada yada yada. That was that was really cool. Um, uh, Winning dude, the any for me. Any's dude, the any's was great. Yeah. Hey, by the way, I'm looking at the chat room, and and I just want to clarify, like. You know, some of us played well in high school and some of us played not so well. But what I'm just saying is David, my buddy David, just saw a bunch of people play it not well. It looks not fun because there are people who don't, you know, do it as well. Totally. And then I think that he was molested by them, right? Yeah, and then that happened. Right. I mean, that's going to put a stamp on it. That'll put a crimp on anything, yeah. Yeah, totally. But, I mean, come on, TJ, you know what I'm talking about. When someone doesn't do it as well, just don't want to do it with them. Yeah. Exactly, it, it's, yeah. and sometimes it just spoils the whole doing it in general. You never want to do it again. Well, like let's say the, the first well. time you, you do it, if you do it with someone who doesn't know what they're doing and you do it a lot with them 
and that's your first experience with that, then you kind of think that doing it sucks, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so, you know. What's really cool yeah. is if you do it and it's great, and then you do it and it's not, you never forget that it was great. In fact, so then you're willing forever, to always go back. Yeah. Yeah, you always go after yeah, you, it and try and try it again because you, you want keep, the great. Yeah. So the important thing is is to make sure your first time do of it. doing it yep. is yep. good. And no. in his case, See, it wasn't. Not so there's a complex rehabilitation program. Exactly. But this is See. why this is why I think me and Chuck should we should go and do an outreach program with local high schools to do it well, uh, just from the the get go, from the ground floor, right, Chuck? Dude, totally. You know? and, and and I mean, here's the thing: we really want to address is there's not enough girls in gaming. So we really want to get out that's, and shoot yeah. with a lot of high school girls. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. right. If, I would they, say. if we can get them doing it from an early age, by the time that they get to be like, you know, in their 20s, they're going to be like, do it masters. They're going to be really saying? good at doing it. Yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. absolutely. Doing and I mean, it's, it's just to give back to the community. Exactly. It's noble. Exactly. It's noble. It I'm, I'm, cho- I'm choked up. 21 Hop Street. What? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, um, speaking. You guys, uh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go on, I gotta, I gotta bring this up. Hold on. Did okay. you guys hear about this? This, this is a while back. There was a guy who looked a little bit like uh, young Ralph Macchio. He was like, he, he was okay. He was like thirty-five, but he looked much, much younger, and he shaved really close. And and he was living. He, I think, had, was out of. He, I think he. I don't know if he was out of prison, but the two guys he was living with. Were um, were fresh out of prison. He told them that he was fourteen, and they, these two guys and this this thirty five year old who said he was fourteen, had uh, relations. Okay, they had a relationship, and then here's the best part, right? They tried to enroll this thirty five year old guy in high school so he could essentially pull high school guys and girls into their little twisted sex den, right? So when the school discovered, um, which didn't take them that long, that the 14-year-old was actually 35, <laughs> you know, they, lots of legal trouble and the police came and blah, blah. But the best part of the story is the, the two older guys who were having sex with the 35-year-old guy felt betrayed <laughs> that he wasn't, in fact, 14. Oh, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you lied to us, which is like... Yeah, and and for that I, you're not also getting this, uh, you know, sex with a minor tacked onto your crimes, dickhead. <laughs> but just saying. Wow, just putting it out there. Did you you hear? I thought it was a wonderful story, a parable, if you will. No. <laughs> they, they felt betrayed, yet their legal problems were not nearly as serious because he wasn't 14. I love that. But but uh, you know, okay, so I'm sorry. The one thing that I can't get around is in the face he may look 14, but a 35-year-old yeah. man elsewhere is going to look, look 35 years old or where at least older than 14. Where are you? Where? Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what are you talking about? Not with proper waxing. What are you talking about, Krista? Are, are you experienced with 14-year-old boys? Yeah, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. Hey, yeah. you know. I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Once TG, yeah. always TG. I'm just saying. I was 14 once. Okay. 
of them. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, in, in lieu of 14-year-olds and, and sexual miscreants, would you guys be up for a Star Wars question? Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Wonderful segue. Dave, smooth. <laughs> Dave, would you... Perfect. So smooth. Would you, would you hit us up, Dave, with so the deep smooth. question for this interview? Okay. Deep questions from Isanel. No, this is from Isanel, 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 Isotoner. <laughs> I'm going to go with Isotoner. <clears throat> okay. WTF. Who says, I have been listening to the show for quite a while. Haven't heard all of them, but I am catching up. And find it both relatively enjoyable and extremely helpful. I've been running a saga game for a little bit of time, and I find myself learning as I go, as we do, as all of us do. I have previous experience as a DM with 1st and 2nd edition AD&D, but I'm finding that not all of that experience translates well into running a Star Wars saga game. For example, I found that the dungeon crawl style adventure works well with D&D, but not so well in Star Wars. <laughs> you think? <laughs> so, here's my question. What are some of the significant differences you find between game mastering the two systems, or more generally, since I don't know how much experience you may have had with D&D, what are some of the aspects of Star Wars Saga that make running a Saga game different and unique as compared to other systems? Good question. That is pretty good. I mean, well, he hit it right off the top with the uh, with the uh, dungeon crawl thing. You know, you're not running around looting everything you kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's one of the big differences. And so, okay, well then let's let's take let's take off the bat. I mean, all all take off the bat. Let's take that that's off the bat. All, all, no, four you, all four of you guys. Seriously, yeah. all, all four of you guys. What are, what, is, what are the major play style differences that differentiate this system from others? And Sam, Chuck, I know you guys have had some old school D and D experience, and uh, Dave and TG, you've had third edition D and D experience and prior Star Wars edition experience. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? What what makes Saga unique? What what do you got to know? What, what's different? Well, Star Wars is. Um... For one thing, it's it's uh, sort of a mythological story about good versus evil, and and it takes place in a more or less civilized universe. So you know, the, the looting the pants of someone you just shot is not necessarily civilized and or heroic, and and doesn't really fit. Uh, whereas D and D, there is a definite greed element, where part of the whole point of slaughtering, you know, the the monsters that you come across is. To take what they have and make it yours. Kill things, take yes. their stuff. Yep. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And and that being sort of a self perpetuating cycle, you know, like I, I now have this monster's things, but I want more things. And so I will destroy more, you know? That's everything. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that well, true? and part of that I mean, has to do with like deeper than that. Well, doesn't yeah, I, does... I, I would distill it down to something even simpler than that and is is I find D and D right far more combat centric and i definitely yes. find it, at least our saga games to be far more just story and and character driven um with combat as a as a nice you know crescendo um to to the story or, or various points in the story um but but i find that the combat is often secondary to some of the other right some of the other elements of the game which typically involve storytelling and character development yeah I, I was yeah. going to say some of that dungeon crawl mentality comes from the items. You know, you don't have a 
you don't have a plus one lightsaber of greater force use, you know, in the game. True. And someone I talked to was was saying um, that he, one of the biggest problems he had with Star Wars uh, role playing is he felt that there should be items that enhance your statistics, like in D and D. And I I just I told him how wrong he was. That, like, see, that's what leads to your dungeon crawl mentality of picking up every saber and whatever that you're. Oh, let's see about this gun. Ooh, it's a plus two whatever to greater proficiency uh, with whatever. I don't care. But well, you know. up your detect I, I magic see, I, see, I think the, the big difference is more in, in the setting, and I think Sam started to kind of hit on that. You're looking at fantasy versus sci-fi. Yeah. Sci-fi is more rooted in reality. Okay, it's still fiction, and it's into the future, but it's put in the kind of context that makes it seem more realistic, and as a result, you try to play as if you're an actual person going through that. Whereas when you're playing D&D, it's fantasy. Anything can happen. And it's very, it's much more broad and open. And so in order to kind of get some kind of satisfaction out of that, I think players have to be more combat-oriented with D&D. Whereas, because it's, Star Wars is already defined as what the world is, um, yeah, strong. You don't cannon. have to. Yeah, you right. don't have cool. to focus on that. You play within those boundaries, and therefore you're able to do more character development and focus on that aspect of it instead of trying to create this world or create this item or create this well, it's, fantasy character. You know, it's you know, and it's not to say that in D and D you can't have a really deep, engaging story with with right. amazing character development. You totally can. Right. It's just that. Right. In D&D, you look down at your waist and there's this sword strapped to your side and you're like, well, I kind of, you know, you're going to slice someone open eventually, you know? Whereas uh, Star Wars, um, it's, it's, you can relate it more to the world that we live in uh, because there are a lot of parallels. Um, It's, 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 it's just two different things. It's, uh, it's same, but different. Same, but uh, different. Yeah. Uh, different but same. No, no, different but different. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> nothing. Um, but uh, it's yeah. Star Wars is um, I'm yeah. It's 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 a far more structured, civilized environment to say your average D and D game where you know you go to a tavern and eventually you know if someone gets stabbed in the throat, and eh, it's, it's not as big a deal as if you go into a a bar in Coruscant and say, gun someone down, yeah. Nick. <laughs> we have... We, we, well, you we mean have the guy you're trying to pick his pocket? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Not saying that happened, but it almost happened. It just almost saying. happened. Yeah. See, I think, I think we have more of a frame of reference in Star Wars as far as how our characters are supposed to behave. Whereas mm-hmm. D&D, it's, it's something that happened in the past, but it didn't really happen. Because it's fantasy. Star Wars is so, it's strange to say, it's so real for so many of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've seen a hell of a lot of it. I mean, we've seen six movies and we've seen the Clone Wars. We, a lot of us have read books, comic books, whatever. It's played video games. We're, we're pretty clear on how that universe works. Um, right. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I still would put Star Wars under, under the sort of fantasy setting with the, with the sci-fi accoutrement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would. Oh, but, yeah. 
It's still. Now, my question would be if if it were reversed, if we grew up as kids with Lord of the Rings having been the preeminent franchise for movies, books, all that, and then Star Wars just recently coming out, would then D&D play more real in our mind than um, sci-fi? Uh, you would, well, there wouldn't be D&D. There would be Lord of the Rings. It would be its own setting. And nobody well, that's would sort of what happened. People, people forget you would go into into subways in 1975, 1974, and people would scroll. You know, Frodo lives on a wall or something like that. I mean, it yeah, was pretty popular. So it's like you know, D and D essentially was heavily uh, influenced by all those things: the Robert E. Howard, pulp, um, Conan stories, Lord of the Rings, all that stuff. Um, it's just that you know, Star Wars is cooler. Just yeah, saying. yeah, I would agree. <laughs> no, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I, I mean, if the system of Lord of the Rings, the role playing game, was was similar, um, then it would be, and and I think it would, because even Lord of the Rings, there were there were you know magical weapons or you know swords that essentially you know I, I don't want to say right. It's not like they gave the plus one, but. Um, you know, swords and weapons that have influence, armor that that had influence or was you know nearly magical. Um, yeah. it, so if if you adhere to that, it, I, I think you get back to the you know gear of adventuring plus ten um, <laughs> mentality that that you're going to be seeking those items, right? You're you're seeking yeah. um, that sort of main focus. Yeah. yeah, one of the main focuses. And but even yeah. even if you look at the great fantasy stories. If you look at Howard, if you look at Tolkien, items, the cool, cool, the, the, the fat loots that you pick up, it's not something you're continually striving to replace and make better and this and that. It's in, in those iconic fantasy stories and in Star Wars, if you happen to have some awesome piece of gear, it's something that you have pretty much your entire career, and it helps define who you are, um, such as a lightsaber. That's fair. Or, yeah. or Han's DL forty four. Okay, right. um, you know, or you know, Sting. Okay, Frodo never upgraded swords. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I mean, did you know? Yeah, gee, Aragorn upgraded swords, but he had a plain old sword before that. Uh, right. you know, stuff like that. It's just I, I don't know. It Star Wars in particular, but but saga specifically never seems to have been about. You, you, the the items you have do not define your character, and that cannot be said of current and prior editions of Dungeons and Dragons. To well, and that's the thing, you know. Answer your question, that, And with the whole thing about items you have not being central to your character, I mean, that's if you watch the first Star Wars movie, that's one of the central themes. You know, uh, Luke's uh, Luke switches up his targeting computer before he takes the shot. R two D two gets blown up, so he doesn't even have his mechanical friend to help him. It's it's literally about his uh, his instincts and his capabilities, and so you know, you, unavoidably, the game that's designed after that, it's very very character based, very much um, what you know who you are and what you can do, rather than uh, you know getting some magic weapon. But you know that does thing. Even even Conan though, he wasn't running around with a lot of magical equipment. 
Um, you know, I think I think the here's the thing, the the loot heavy stuff. I think sort of, well, where where did that originate? I mean, D and D, and then it was was pumped up after that by World of Warcraft, and then pumped up, you know, and then that influenced. I think D&D. I think you can. Well, it, it, honestly, before that, man, I mean, D and D was was on, off its rocker on that, and you, I mean, guys like. Um, Ari Salvatore and uh, you know Sal- Salvatore and uh, Weiss and Hickman, the Dragonlance novels. They really also you know when some of the more popular fantasy settings out there, both in um, both in uh, uh, literature and, and in the gaming world, um, sort of proposited that ideal. That's what you got. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there there you go. Now let me throw let me throw this at you. Throw it. Um. Okay, uh, is- Isanel, to, to get things more into the weeds of your specific question, if we're going to talk about mechanical differences here, um, I think you will find that Saga is unique and that it is an extremely me- uh, uh, cinematic system where things can tend to be a little more abstract and there's a lot of – the game assumes you're going to have a lot of moments of what I call the Lucas sc- screen wipe, you know, where you yeah. know, it's – you're like, ah, and you're there. Whereas D and D, especially if you're from the Tolkien mythos, it's like you know, yes. And chapter three through five, we traveled to Isengard for seven weeks, and we had dinner, and then we, had, da, 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 you know, and it, it's kind of like that. If you look at like, especially like AD and D, it mm-hmm. it was a real simulationist system. I mean, they had tables in original D and D and stuff like that for everything, for everything you did. Um, the GM had a lot of power, but it was very. I don't know. I don't. I don't think it was a cinematic in terms of how the rules allowed you to be a storyteller. What do you guys think about that? Um, that's a very good point. Um, it's. I personally think that if you apply some of the rules of uh, good storytelling and, and filmmaking to any role playing game, I think it's a good idea. I mean, who really wants to? Um, you really wants to get into the finer points of um, hunting and gathering, um, and have that be the bulk of your of your gaming for like an hour or two, you know? Or it, it's it's Chuck. What's your take? I, I mean, again, generally, I think we're saying this, the same thing, but um, I, I I tend to I, I what I was going to say before is there's also more, and, and I know it's changed a little bit with with forty, but um, there's more of this skill check. There's more opportunity to resolve conflicts um, in, I think, just creative and or non-combative ways. And, and um, to your point, Sam, like, you know, hunting and gathering for food and whatever, like, that is just essentially not present um, in Star Wars. I mean, it can be. Obviously, you know, you can factor that in where we were running right. out of rush and stuff, but well, yeah, your your characters. Your existence. We left off the last game with you guys essentially out of out of food, you know. So that's right. going to be one of the main focuses. But, but it's a, that it's, is it's, something that you might make a television episode about, or that you would that you would you know add into that part of the movie. The part that's where what they, I was going to say that that's a plot point more than a yes. than an ever present um, concern of you know having a cleric who can you know make bread. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or five cubic feet of uh, of food and water. <laughs> of food and water, yes. A big cube of food and water. Um, um but it, it there's just you know again the word and 
it was thrown out, and I think that that sums it up as cinematic. There's definitely that to me is is one of the big differences. Um, well, you know what it is is you you basically okay something that that was said at LucasArts uh, that we were I was I was playing through certain areas of the game and and um, and there was this discussion behind me as because I was one of the first people they'd seen try out some of these levels right and and they're going to go do their focus tests and they're going to have people play it and stuff like that but. A lot of these guys hadn't seen anyone actually go through the, some of these levels. And uh, there was a big discussion behind me, and I started getting involved in it between challenging the player and rewarding the player for playing, right? Rewarding the player not so much like giving him all this stuff, but like rewarding them saying like, hey, are you having fun? Um, if you look at an early edition of Dungeons & Dragons, the number one rule is be fair, you know, whereas I think the number one rule that, that we've all kind of come to these days, especially with Star Wars, is be fun. Um, if if your players enjoy um, the uh, the minutia of of uh, micromanaging a small government or fixing a starship piece by piece, if they're into that kind of thing and you can make that engaging, then do it. Um, otherwise, gloss over it. And and you know hit on certain things, but only when you're when you're sure you have a fun way of presenting it. Um, you know, I, I think I have a fun way of presenting the fact that these guys are starving, and uh, you know that's that's a very it's, important. It's hilarious. A good time was had by all. That's right. That's right. You know, ask ask uh, anyone in the developing nations. But um, basically, you 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 got to ask yourself. I mean, these. These simu- it, it's not about creating an accurate sim of the world. That's another thing they were talking about when we were looking at the DMM, the Euphoria, the uh, all the physics in in, in Force Unleashed Two. And it's like, yeah, it it we have to remember this. You know, we were we were all talking about it. And it's like it's not the technology isn't here to show people, wow, look how accurately we uh, we simulated this fictional world that doesn't exist. You know, it's not about that. It's about you know, does this technology here make sense? Um, it is essentially they were talking about certain things where, like, does it make sense to have this piece of technology in place here? Is there a fun payoff for having it here? If not, strip it out. You know, right. and it's the same thing with uh, with RPGs. I mean, um, having a table that tells you how fast you starve or what kind of starship consumables you need that's useful if there's some real tension built into that. Then it's then it's good to have a consistent rule there. Otherwise, forget about it and move on to the next fun part. Um, that's that's my take on it. It you seems know, like um, it seems like that there was um, Chuck said something earlier. You, if you if it would be interesting to watch as either a movie or as you know a TV show in a series of shows, then that might yeah. be something. So if it's a plot device for a yeah. single TV well, series, TV show, then that's something that you can do. Otherwise, eh, yeah. there's rules it's, to say you don't need it. Well, like, for example, you know, when I when I first designed that zombie encounter I was telling you guys about, you know, I, I really did work out um, how they could get through it or how many zombies they could take down, what the zombies' hit points were, all this stuff, right? But at the end of the day, once they started kind of retreating a little bit, I, and 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 I was realizing how fast the encounter was going relative to all the characters that I had to run, it became clear to me that that what was fun about this was the fact that they were overwhelmed, and you know how was I going to create a challenge out of that? And it was really okay. Well, 
it's, it's their movement versus the movement they can take away from the guys that are chasing them. And, uh, and there was a whole strategy involved in that. And, and they were working it out real fast. And that ended up being all the rules we needed to make it fun. I could have added layer upon layer, you know, track the hit points for these guys, that guy's, oh, you blew away this, this swarm, so the swarm behind it is now coming up to take its place. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I could do all that. But it was faster to completely streamline it and boil it down to its barest essentials, which ended up being fun. Um, you know, Chuck, in that space battle, all those minis, you know, I didn't necessarily have, um, you know, rules for exactly what was there. Um, really, a lot of those things were, you know, were showing you uh, essentially topography. Like, uh, you know, the ships were, as Rodney Thompson has put it, um, terrain. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? set pieces. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you were going to fly through a, a section that had a little fighter piece, well, then guess what? There were a swarm of fighters there. You know, if you were, and and then we would we would concentrate on that. But I wasn't concerned with moving all the pieces every round. It would have taken forever. It's it's just about like gauging your players, uh, engage, you know, gauging your players' morale, gauging how you know how they're responding to things, and shifting the rules around and keeping it moving so that it is fun. Because it is Star Wars. There's an expectation for it to be fast paced. That's true. That's very true. Excellent point. Yeah. Cool. Well, gentlemen, I think that's a good answer. And with that, I think we're going to have to bring our little visit to a close. Yes. 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 Well, damn it. Guys, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your lives and your gaming wisdom with us, as always. Thank you for being you. And, and TG, thank you for being <laughs> pregnant. Oh, Dave, no. thank you for the dice, for when you send them, if you send them. Wrapped this whole bullshit. Of, what's, oh, yeah, yeah, and the T-shirt. You know, love that. You realize that Dave actually handed me the T-shirt because uh, someone was... Just kind of refused. Oh yeah, that's send. right. When he when he went out to Cali, that's right. I gave it to him to take it with him. Yeah. That's right. So he does have and his T-shirt. And I'm still he was, waiting on your address. He was just yanking your chain, but yeah, I yeah. did. I, I I put it exactly. in his hand outside of cage. Uh, outside of Grumman's. And I'm still waiting for an address. Yep. <laughs> While he was getting his hands like in the concrete at the same time. Yeah, that's Ba-ba. true. Bravo. Well, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh no! Oh no! Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Hello, this is Tarong Jedi, and just this once, I will listen to the Order 66 podcast. This is Cyril, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, even after 100 episodes. Happy two years, guys. Here's to 100 more. I don't know about 100 more, but anyway, there they go. Sam, Chuck, uh, just... Grace the airwaves for episode 100 yet again. And now, more than capable replacements have arrived. Reinforcements, if you will. We speak, of course, of the famous Gary Asselford and Gary Sarley Esquire. (laughs) MD. MD. What's up, Gary's? Hey. Not much. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. I, I uh, um, yeah, yeah. I speak for the... me too. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Well, no, we were we're uh, 
we're, we had one name, one we had the same everything. That's how it went. No, um, actually, this is a this is something that that uh, I haven't encountered in a while. Uh, see, my dad is also named Gary, and, uh, and so the whole time I was growing up, that would happen where you'd have two Garys in the room, and it never happens anywhere else. So this is only the second situation where I've ever had <laughs> someone so we, uh, someone so else we need, we need to bring your dad on the podcast so we can have the three. Garys. Oh, that'd be great. Okay, Gary. No, not you, Gary. 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 What are you Gary. doing? Gary. Gary. Yeah. Okay, so so which one of y'all is Gary Asselford and which one of you is Gary Sarley? So we can get an idea of whose voice matches who. So Gary Asselford. That's me. I'm I'm Gary Asselford. Okay. And I'm Gary, Gary. Sarley. Yeah. And please do not take offense. I'm probably going to refer to you guys by your last names if that's okay. I was, I was just about to suggest that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool, guys. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Order 66 podcast. Thank you for being on. Yeah, Thanks for having us. Yes, the chat room says we're getting entirely garyed away. <laughs> yeah. You see, we have to have you both back on for a future episode, just you two, and we can entitle the episode Getting Garyed Away. Yep. <laughs> see, that would be brilliant. Well, okay, guys, for Pete's sake, as we, as we asked Sam and Chuck, how's Diggs? What's going on with you guys? How are you, and what are you working on right now? Asselford, what's, what's up with you? Oh, just living the high life in uh, Massachusetts now. Um, not really working on anything but work. You know, 38 Studios keeps me pretty busy. Oh, bad. yeah. Massive so, are, is, is this the episode you're going to tell us all about the super secret project you're working on? Nope. No. <sighs> See. Dang no. it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the glory of a we'll, give, well, we'll, we'll give you one more chance. <laughs> <laughs> the next time we have you on. Somehow. <laughs> oh, okay. And then, and well, then what? Le, well, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll say we're sorry. And and, you yeah, and then, you, and then you'll say, uh, let me think about it. No. See, that's it. Easy. But, well, but Sarley, the, uh, you've been a pretty busy guy too, yeah? Uh, yeah, I've been... Um, uh, I've been doing my uh, my E twenty project lately, and uh, um, uh, we got we actually uh, hit our uh, we actually uh, beat our funding goal by uh, quite a bit uh, um, last month, and uh, so I've been working on uh, on uh, uh, doing the next uh, revision of the of a of a little um, uh, E twenty light document, which kind of you know it's, uh, the idea is that once it's done, it gives a a good background for anybody who's uh, um, you know it's like a, a free download for somebody who's completely you know new to the game just to learn how it works and it also gives a good guideline and test bed for you know the uh, all the playtesters to play around with as we're you know building the system uh, up yeah. yeah so that's been that's been keeping me very busy lately uh, so it, it it shows unbelievable promise the uh, I'm, I've, I've been really surprised how well you can actually get a, that large a group of people to work together it's a uh, it's a uh, um, <laughs> the, the, it's, inter- it, the interwebs are a wonderful thing, as we can attest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it can. It's the kind of thing that I mean. I was like, really, honestly, kind of like, oh crap, this could be horrible. <laughs> and with like, because you've you've seen message boards, you know how they can get, and you you never know what you're gonna uh, what you're gonna get out of it. But yeah, it's been um, just amazing level of cooperation and, and input. It's it's been it's been really humbling. It makes me feel like, you know, all the time I put into the game design is like, yeah, everybody in here is you know, has as much potential as I ever did. So <laughs> when can when can fans expect I mean do you know yet, when can fans expect to see the finalized version? Uh the uh the E twenty light thing, um I'm I really want to have a finalized version of that uh before 
before the summer, if at all possible. I'd like to get it like by the end of May, um, and we're gonna start doing you know like uh, our you know senior patron conference calls and stuff to to try to hammer it details and stuff. Um, but uh, but the first time the that the that the the majority of the main rule system will be ready to run uh i'm gonna have it as a as an event that it pr- that premieres at, at gen con and uh um uh so that'll be the first time that you would actually see the whole thing at once um and uh by the time we get to the um but yeah by the time we get to the the actual uh printed book that would be it you know at the very end of the year um and uh you know and obviously this is a project of scope and and means of assembly that i don't think anybody's ever tried before so it, yeah. it might turn out to go slower or faster than than what previous experience tells me so i, I so I, I don't know what what uh what, what weird uh um um uh problems we're running across along the way that's very true wow well okay so again there's a series of questions we're asking our guests as they come on for this episode and um i really I, i've talked to uh I think both of you via uh, email and and uh, and ask for it. I know you and I have had a, a, a phone call about it, but um, I'll go ahead and ask: What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, what is your response to the cancellation of the saga line? Which one of us? <laughs> uh, let's start with Asselford. <laughs> um, since you unmuted yeah. your mic and everything. <laughs> Well, you could say I, I wept for about a week and then uh, dried my tears. Um, freelancing has been really tough for me since I got into the computer industry, you know, computer gaming, working on that stuff, because you go to work and you're creative all day, and then you come home and the last thing you really want to do is sit down and be creative some more, especially when you have two kids and a wife and cats. Those cats, yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll do it for you. And they 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 vomit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Ours do it at night. You can be lying in bed staring at the ceiling and you hear this. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> and so many people just turned off the podcast right now. <laughs> so forgive so, me. Continue, please. So with with all my Day, you know, my my real life obligations. The freelancing was kind of going by the wayside anyway. Um, it was always kind of. I was always trying to figure out: should I continue? Should I stop? And Star Wars, you know, the line going out of going away kind of made that decision for me. That doesn't mean I'm not going to freelance anymore. It doesn't mean I'm not going to try to get an occasional contract here and there. But Star Wars was one of the ones that I always wanted to work on. Uh, Ever since, heck, ever since it was D6 and being able to contribute, I think, to seven of the books for Saga has been a dream come true. So, you know, chalked it up to one dream accomplished. And if there's a chance to write for Star Wars in the future, I probably would try to take it. But right now, I think I'm I'm probably better served focusing on family, focusing on work, focusing on real life. Real life is less fun, but it does pay the bills. Unfortunately. Now, Sarley, I mean, obviously, dude, I mean, aside from the freelancing, I mean, you are running a successful business, uh, GM Sarley Games, off of, you know, ostensibly Star Wars minis, which, of course, the, <laughs> the line is ending there, too. Um, t- talk to us a bit. I mean, what were your reactions when you found out, and what, what are plans for the future? What, talk to us. 
Uh, well, I, I honestly can't say I was even the tiniest bit surprised because, uh, um, you know, there. I mean, I'm almost all of us that kind of, kind of got the idea that yeah, they might be ending things soon because they're just, you know, just kind of a general uh, drop off in tempo of like. Uh, support and stuff like that, um, but uh, uh, you know, so so it 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 didn't really catch me off guard uh, or surprise me that much, and I didn't have as much of a reaction as I would have thought. Uh, mostly because I had <laughs> kind of been thinking as if it was going to happen since at least the summer before, uh-huh. and uh, and um, um, yeah, I, honestly, I think I think it was when I was at uh, uh, Gen Con last year, and you know, in, you know, they didn't have any Star Wars events or anything, and there's uh, uh, until until they and then they late added uh, uh, that uh, what was it that murder on the executor uh, yeah. scenario it was, yeah it was it yeah. was a good it was a good module but it was added late I mean yeah it and it was added only after you know people were like what the hell you know yeah. and um, um, and that kind of told me I was like yeah I'm pretty sure they're they're gonna let the the license go and uh, that was um, and that was that was one of the things that was in the back of my mind when I started thinking about what ultimately became the uh, the E20 project. I mean, that's that's kind of I was like, well, if they're going to let it go, I'd, I'd you know like to have something to do. <laughs> and uh, and and there and there and there were there were you know a whole lot of things with Saga that that you know where we uh, you know didn't well I think we didn't get it quite right you know and you know it's it came really close to being what we wanted it to be and I think that if we had uh, a little bit, uh, just a little bit of extra, you know, benefit of hindsight, we could, we could have made it, you know, just absolutely outstanding. And it was, as it is, about one degree off of that. And so I'm like, oh, almost. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so, you know, that, that's that's one of the things I like about E20. It's that on, the, on the one hand, I mean, I, I obviously can't make it like a direct extension of Saga, or else I have like, you know, Bounty Hunter show up at my door. Um yes. Lucas, and uh, Lucas will show up with bounty hunters yeah. on on uh, tauntauns, and then they'll slice you open and talk about how it smells worse on the inside. Uh, yeah, well, or or I'll I'll you know you'll have uh, over at a uh, Skywalker Ranch, you'll have you know me hung in carbonite right next to the Jar Jar Binks yes. carbonite yes. thing, and uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously it can't be a direct extension; it has to be you know sufficiently you know original and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but still, it's. It's starting from the same premise that ultimately I want a game that will let me play Star Wars exactly the way I want to play Star Wars, and and uh, so it it lets me uh, you know kind of use the the benefit of the past few years of all the time you guys have been playing to you know um, to draw on that experience and and uh, you know make the game better, try to identify the things that didn't work quite right, and and uh, yeah, so so the, with the with the with the game ending, it it for me it it. It kind of became, you know, you know, opening a new door for me because it like let me know that okay, definitely we're doing this E20 thing. That's what I'm doing now, um, and so it so it, it was is kind of nice to have, kind of in a weird way. There was you know that that closure kind of helped me you know know it was definitely time to move forward. So I, I, I guess it, I guess it worked out. Yeah. Well, okay. In, in that vein, uh, Gary and and and, and Gary um, <laughs> of the. Of the couple other questions we kind of wanted to delve into, you guys, I'd like you to to, to dredge back into your mists of memory. And speaking of the current Saga Edition game, you know the the, the license is coming to an end. The no, 
no one's going to stop playing it. That's just not going to happen. But as we said earlier with, with Sam and Chuck, you know, people I'm talking to are getting this sense of ennui. They're, they're like, you know, oh, man, remember, remember when, remember when. Do me a favor and dredge into the depths of your mind and think of a, a recent or not too far distant uh, saga play memory that you've experienced that's just uber cool. What is, what is a, a highlight moment uh, from Saga Edition for you, uh, Asselford? Well, you know how often, how many times I've actually played Saga as a player? <laughs> well, do you GM quite a bit? I, I do GM quite a bit. I haven't GM'd much since, well, I've actually started GMing again recently. Um, but there have been hiccups in my gaming hobby that have kept me from, uh, from playing a lot as, as much as I want to. But the most recent player memory I have is back when you were running GM Chris, when you were running Murder right. on the Ex- Executor back at uh, Gen Con last year. Really? Mm. What what memory was that be? Well, it's it's one of the final so, encounters. I mean, this is this, this is going to be spoiler time if anybody has never played this adventure. Spoiler alert! Know. Turn off the podcast for the next ten minutes. <laughs> but you had um, we were in the the docking bay of the Executor, and the Rebel guy disguised as a bounty hunter, I believe. Mm-hmm. comes on board with his his nutty little cohorts and there was a fight you remember this we had a fight with the guy yes and being the droid expert in the group i wasn't exactly a combat monster <laughs> and no. my idea my idea was to outflank him and run into his ship and close the door so that he couldn't get away and he was in heavy armor and i was not so i beat him <laughs> and i got up <laughs> And I slammed the control to close the door just as he got there. And so he hit the control to open the door, and I slammed the control to close the door. And <laughs> meanwhile, uh, somehow hacked the panel so that he couldn't open it. I locked That's it real right. good. That's right. And I got a massive critical on the locking attempt. And he, I guess he ran behind a crate and ate a suicide pill or something. But <laughs> I, th- I thought it was really funny at the time, you know, that you can... That I could get away with that. That was hilarious. It's one of those things. It's like, okay, the the the, the poindexter of, of the party, ostensibly, the the droid technician, the weakest guy, the guy who can't attack for much, he's very weak, low defenses, low hit points, is going to solo and run into this ship. I remember that. I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> it was like, how can this character shine? Oh, that's how he can shine. Okay. <laughs> I recall. Yes. Very nice. Yeah, that was my, that's my, my one memory. The current, <laughs> the, the current saga campaign I'm running has only been going for, oh, about a game and a half. So okay. we, don't really, we don't really have much in the way of, um, you know, memories just yet. But I'm sure with this, with this group, it's going to get kind of interesting pretty quick. Sarley, do you have a favorite saga memory? Um, most memorable would be the game I played with you at Gen Con last year. Oh my god, this is turning into... <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, no, that I'm that's embarrassed. Burned in, that's burned in my, in my mind, and I have nightmares about it. Um, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, um, how many, how many natural ones did I end up rolling at the end of the day? Wasn't it seven? Well, uh, no, it was eight. Eight, eight, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was playing, I was playing a, uh, um, the, uh, uh, what was it, a Rodian sniper? I can't remember. Yeah, you were Grill Guta, the Rodian sniper. Yeah, and I got to kick ass about 
once. Once. And- <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn at point blank range. That's right. Yeah. No, but he, now for uh, and it was that is hands down the most memorable thing, and it's also the most recent time I actually played the game as a player. Uh, and uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it was just ridiculous. It's after about the third time, it's like you got to be kidding me. Um, but yeah, I, I uh, what was it like the fifth time or something? I picked up the die and I said. <laughs> I was like, oh, screw this. I like toss it away from us, you know, at the, you know, just kind of at a random wall. We're at a, you know, we're, we're in the, we're in a, uh, um, in a, uh, at the tables downstairs in the embassy suites. And then a couple minutes later, I looked down at my foot. The, uh, the die hit the wall, bounced off something, and rolled back to me. It was at my foot, it was following me. It was and then it was the mummy's curse die, basically. <laughs> yes, that was what I knew. It was curse, curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, D twenty, uh, I command thee, rise from your grave. I, now the, the the best part, it was like because I had to leave right before the game ended. I I couldn't stay for the last encounter because I'd like to get up really early early the next day, um, and uh, uh, um, the I remember like on my very last attack. I was like, okay, die. And I pick up the die and I'm talking to him. I'm like, if you don't, you know, do something right now, I'm going to take you home and crush you into powder, then melt the powder, then burn it, and then bury it. And that 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 is what I, and then I, and then I I will urinate on your grave. That is what I will do, die. And, and so after basically threatening the die like a madman, it rolls a 19. Yes. It was teasing me. It knew. It knew it had to hit, or else it was going to be destroyed. But it refused to roll a twenty. Um, <laughs> anyway, so that's my uh, that's my best memory. Nice. <laughs> nice. So, speaking of memories, what is your favorite Order sixty six memory of all the different podcasts that you haven't listened to? Because I assume you haven't listened to them. Um, Alsoford. Well, the memory goes back to when I first became aware of the Order 66 podcast. And I'm sure Chris oh, no, remembers this as well. No, 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 no. <laughs> a friend of mine got in touch with me. He said, Yeah, I heard them mentioning you on the Order 66 podcast. And I don't remember what episode it was, but uh, apparently it was, it was something about me having a rules dispute with Rodney. <laughs> and at this point, I'd, you know, oh, God, I'd, I'd I remember been freelancing. This. I've been freelancing for a while, and I, I, I thought to myself, when was the last time I had a rules dispute with Rodney about anything? And I couldn't remember for the life of me, so I listened to the podcast, and it was just this really brief thing where Chris mentions Gary Alstaford and Rodney Thompson and, and this rules thing, and I said, this, they, they must have me mistaken for somebody. <laughs> so I got in touch with Chris, and it turns out that they actually meant GM Sarley. They didn't mean Gary Alstaford. <laughs> but, of course, being the opportunist that Chris is, he said, do you want to come on the podcast? I said, sure. <laughs> sure. You sound so excited, too. <laughs> well, Sarley, this is back when you were Wizard of the Hut, and it was like, like you had made a ruling on, on vital transfer self-healing, and Rodney said, no, it doesn't work that way. And you're like, yes, it does. And then, no, it doesn't. However, that worked out. And I had mentioned it on the podcast, and in my show notes, I had just written Gary. That's all I wrote was Gary. <laughs> And and it was one of those brain farts because literally it was like the sixth episode and it was one of those brain fart moments and I was like, um, uh, oh god, G- Gary, oh god, 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 which Gary is it? Which Gary is it? And and at the time <laughs> there there were only two books out, two, which was the Core Rule book and Starships, and that was it. And I had Starships in front of me, 
And I saw Gary Asselford's name on it, and I said, oh, it must be Gary Asselford. That must be it. I must not be crazy. And <laughs> about halfway through the show, it actually clicked in my head. I'm like, it was Sarley. God, dragon, dragon, Sarley. Hey, you know what? No one will ever notice. We got seven subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, and, that's funny. I actually, I actually remember that particular uh, uh, thing. Uh, uh, yeah, we... Uh, especially when things first came out, I th- there were a lot of uh, places where there were missed cues of just because um, uh, there, there's like a whole set, you know, segment in the middle of the main rulebook's development where Rodney and like Owen weren't uh, working on it at all, you know, for uh, several months. It was it was just me and Chris Perkins, and so a lot of things changed a lot by the time Rodney's hot again, and so there were like little things where it's like, oh wait, no, we changed this, and you know, and then th- and then other things changed even more after it went out of my hands because then Chris did the final editing pass, and this would have been like when Rodney had just started at, at, at Wizards, and so he he would have you know also been helping at the very end. So there were like all these places of like us having horribly fragmented information about what was going on and we, were, and we ended up going no wait we changed this to do this oh crap we did you know and then we'd like end up straightening it out over email or a phone call or whatever <laughs> um and uh um but yeah we, we had we had a lot of that at the beginning and I, I also think something that definitely caused at least some confusion was that um although he could never mention it at the time uh they obviously had been doing uh you know, all the development for a fourth edition. And there are a lot of little places where things are just slightly different, just enough different to mess you up. You know, (laughs) they're just similar enough to make you think of the other one, you know? And, uh, yeah, so there were, there were definitely places like that. Um, but yeah, those were, Oh, those were the days. So what, (laughs) what's one of your favorite moments from the podcast from order 66 podcast? Oh, geez. Uh, It's you the know, Kung Pao chicken, isn't it? The Kung Pao yes. chicken? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I think probably just my my favorite memory was just the very first time I was on. It was just the fact that it was the first time I ever did a podcast. I guess this was uh, episode 66, I think. I think uh, so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, there was nothing like particularly distinctive about it, but again, there was, it had a great example, like there being a rules question and I said, oh, well, I do it this way. And then Rodney, who happened to be on the same segment with me, was like, well, no, we do it this way. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, the thing that's funny about it is me and Rodney have like worked together since I guess it was like 2000 or something when we started working together at, uh, uh, SWRBG network. I mean, it was ages ago. And so we've known each other like it feels like since the dawn of time, and we've been working together, you know, just so much. It's just it's just it's just ridiculous how many times you you uh, end up uh, having a no. We want to do it this way. No, this way. Well, here's and we just sit there and we. I have no idea how many you know like cell phone minutes I burned talking to him on the phone during development and stuff. Okay, let's try this. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, um, it, it, it's it, it's it was it was you know definitely one of the most fun years of my life. Um, anyway, but yeah, that's I guess I guess that's one of the things about that episode that you know sticks out to me was that it was just oh yes this again oh, the, I, uh, this is you know I look forward to this <laughs> I've, I've missed this Rodney tell me I'm wrong again <laughs> no it's it's great um, anyway yeah that that's probably my, my best memory was, I I know that's really lame but it was just hey it was my first time on so <laughs> very nice. Well, okay. Well, if you two gentlemen are up for it, we do have a deep question for you. 
um, <clears throat> uh, we had a, a, a poster post something up on the boards that um, is is a very a very interesting question um, that I think your expertise might apply to. Uh, so, TG, why don't you hit us up from this question from Darth Draconis? I would absolutely love to hit you up with that. Ex- I know you do. I know you would. Uh-huh. I don't have I don't me. Whoa, Skypeness. <laughs> See, she still my computer is. I'm still here. Can you not hear me? No, I can hear you fine. It's just your you Skype had a nice little hiccup there. Yeah. I, I told, like I said, my computer's being a turd. But it, when I start complaining about it publicly, it then decides that it's going to work again. So uh, I will hit you up with the question from Darth Draconis. Okay, so I just ran another session of my game just last night, and I thought it was pretty funny. But I felt like I might have created a little drama with the way that I executed this. I had a new player join the game, a fallen Jedi that joined the Bounty Hunters Guild so he can hunt down Jedi convince them to give up their lightsabers, then warn them to go into hiding. By doing this, he collects the bounty on their heads, and they are assumed dead, so they are free to move on undetected. After a harrowing session in which the party and the new players tried to kill each other, and the new player has been captured but alive after he surrenders, everyone wants to hand him over to locals to deal with him or kill him outright. Right, but the party Jedi, as strict by the code Jedi, will not kill an unarmed person. This is where the session ended. My players expressed concern that if he was just any other NPC enemy, they would have just killed him outright and not bothered taking him prisoner. But because he is a PC character, they feel obligated to go along with it, even though they feel their characters would be strongly against that. I am worried I created a problem with my players because the game didn't go how I anticipated it would, but I didn't want to be the GM that demands the new and old players become automatic allies or puts words into their mouths for the sake of making everyone friends. However, I think the best course of action is to let the players roleplay the situation themselves and for me to not intervene in any way, shape, or form. Was I wrong to create this scenario? Is it a bit late to go back? And I hate to be a GM who demands any sort of retcon. I don't know what that means, retcon. Has anyone else (laughs) ever had a situation like this where trying to introduce a new character, no one seems to trust trust anyone and a battle ensues as a result? This is a a very interesting question. And um, I guess it kind of leads to a a heart of discussion um, regarding a couple of things, bringing new players into the group and ways to do that in, in a fun way without it being too railroady or, uh, you know, automatic. But at the same time, is there a way out for this particular player? Um, Asselford, what, what are your thoughts on this, man? Do, do you think this, this GM could have done anything differently? How might he rectify the situation? Um, what, what are your thoughts, man? Well, it's a, it's a tough situation, but... I think what it ultimately comes down to is he needs to talk to the players outside the game, maybe even before the next game, and spell out his concerns. I mean, after all, you're all getting together to have fun. You're all getting together to to play a game. So there's no reason for anybody to have any kind of hard feelings. I mean, this is this is supposed to be a hobby. This isn't supposed to be uh, modern politics. Um, <laughs> 
or tea parties or you know any of that. It's well, let's get together, let's have a good time. Now, if it starts, so to, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> oh, that's part of it. Yeah, part of it. Um, the other part of it is that if he doesn't want to retcon anything, he doesn't have to. If he wants to let the players role play it out and see where they take it, that's fine too. Introducing new characters, new players to games. Sometimes you have to, as players, take a little bit of, um, well, you have to take it easy, first of all. We used to have what was called a PC glow. And when the players would run into somebody who was a new player or a new character, they, you could kind of say, well, he's got a PC glow to him, which indicates that he's another player. And it was kind of an out-of-character thing. You know, it wasn't really in, care, in, the, in the spirit of the game, but as far as having a little bit of flexibility as players, we can say, hey, it's another player. It's another player character. We want this to go smoothly. We want to have a good time. We're all here for the same thing. So um, let's just have fun. If it's not fun for this player to be turned over to the local authorities and executed for what he's been doing, eh, oh. then he needs to speak up about that. The GM needs to talk to him about that as well as the rest of the group and, and come to a a consensus that is mutually agreeable to everybody. Otherwise, I mean, I've seen groups break up for really stupid shit before. Yeah. Um, and it's not worth it. It really isn't, especially if they're they're having some modicum of fun. And if, if it comes down to it and he needs to bring a new character in, and you know, that's fine. If he's really attached to this character, then they're gonna need to there's gonna need to be some give and take. Mm. I, I agree. Sarley, thoughts? Um, okay, first of all, let me make sure I got the uh, uh, scenario right here. Uh, the person that they uh, uh, weren't uh, going to the, – the person at the end they weren't going to kill, that was a uh, NPC that the PC Jedi was trying to let free, right? No, I, no actually. It was, so, so they have a new player join the group, right? For, yeah. ro- for role-playing reasons, the new player is a bounty hunter, former yes. Jedi, who – uh, ends up attacking the party. Um, he's got benevolent intentions, but in the end, the party subdues this other PC and and you know has him prisoner. So, okay. And the and the party already has a Jedi in it, or does not? Yes, yes. The part the party has an actual on the run Jedi by the books. And we we did paraphrase a lot of this. This is this is a Dark Times campaign. Okay. So um, you know. The, the okay. Yeah, was... I was I was confused about how many Jedi were present and which ones they were. Um, gotcha. All right. Yeah, that's actually what I thought was I thought might have been going on, but then I wasn't sure if there was one Jedi or two or what. Um, okay. Um, the most important thing that every player has to keep in mind, and this is something that I I, I remember is uh, that they wrote into the uh, the fourth edition D and D uh, uh, of Masters guide. It was that. Uh, it's everyone's job to make the game fun. You know, it's not, that's not, the GM isn't there to entertain you. He's not, you know, a, a, a dancing monkey. That's not, you know, he's, he is running the game, but he's not the only person hey, in charge. Speak for yourself. I'm a dancing monkey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he's not just a dancing monkey, as it is. <laughs> um, I'm more of a dancing bear myself. I'm just like, no. um, but yes, I, I, as much as the GM puts into entertaining, the player's, you have to keep in mind is that hey we're all here for the for the purpose of having fun and having a good game and um and so you know it's that if something happens it's, it's basically it's basically there's a certain amount of metagaming that is 
um, not only appropriate, but you should actually encourage when it comes down to the point of, uh, dude, you're kind of messing up the game. You know? Now, um, that's to the point I'm making. Where, where, and this is great. Where do you really draw the line between role-playing and metagaming? And the, character- moment it, the moment it stops being fun, that's mm. where you draw that line. But here's, here's the key. is that if, you, if you are good at role-playing and at having the metagame voice just kind of you know, in the back of your head, what you do is that you, um, you basically come up with a plausible way that, that your character would do what you know as a player we really kind of need to do. You know, it's instead of instead of being like, oh, my character would only do this. You say, well, under what circumstance might my character not do that? And then you go fishing for it. (laughs) And and that's the thing. And and, and there's nothing wrong with that because you're actually playing the character. It's more that you as a player know, okay, we're not supposed to kill each other. So I have to find a reason not to. All right. Well, I wouldn't kill you if let's see if you put your gun down or something or whatever the hell thing happens to be going on in a given situation. Um, and, uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, it's basically the player has to be aware of the fact that there are other people present who are trying to have fun too, and don't mess it up for them. Um, and, uh, uh, and the one thing that the, that, the, well, one of many things the GM can do to help encourage that is that when you reach one of those kind of gray areas where it's like, okay, a character played one way that would be perfectly within character could completely derail everything and spoil the entire game for everyone. Um, or playing that character a slightly different way, which is still within character, but just a different take on it um, or a different decision, uh, you know, would be okay. Then the DM can do things to kind of, you know, help, you know, encourage things in that direction. It can be just, you know, either subtle hints or, or uh, uh, like one of my own tools that I'll use that I'm trying to, um, frame choices without the PCs necessarily knowing that I'm trying to carefully keep them from doing something stupid is uh, uh, I will, I will say, well, okay, well basically you could do a or B and I, you know, intentionally omit C, D and E, which will blow everything up. Um, you know, <laughs> and the thing is, and if one of them says, Hey, couldn't we try C? I said, yeah, you could try C. And, you know, and then I might, and then I, and then I kind of slip into this thing where I'm not really acting like the DM, I'm acting like I'm one of the players. It's like, huh, but let's see, that might do this. <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's because it, I've played alongside all these people for so long, you know, it's, I kind of slip into the player role and brainstorm with them. You know, without acting like I'm the you know omniscient purveyor of all knowledge, I just act like I'm one of them. You know, and so it's between the between framing choices in a way that you know it's uh, that will make them you know at least be more likely to pick one of the ones that would you know help go in the direction you needed to go, and uh, just otherwise just providing you know very you know, mild encouragement that way. That's usually enough to keep a game on track. It's that as long as the players aren't going out of their way to screw things up <laughs> and, and as long as they're, they're also thinking in terms of, you know, it, 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 once they start thinking in terms of, okay, I can be a real, you know, hard ass bounty hunter who, you know, you know, always takes them back dead or whatever. And yet reconsider that from time to time, you know, that doesn't mean you're a different person or not playing your character. It, it means that sometimes you, you might do something else. Means you're not a. You're, it means you're not a one-dimensional it, character. Exactly, because you're not a one-dimensional character. You're not a robot. You're not just a pure stimulus response. You know, it's like it's like you know there was something odd about this guy. 
why would a Jedi attack us? And why was he seemingly doing X, Y, and Z or whatever the hell? And then basically your character is like, there are some unanswered questions here. We better keep him alive and find out what's going on. And there's, and that's the thing. You, no matter how much of a hard ass you are, you can justify keeping somebody. I was like, yeah, we better question this guy, you know, or whatever. And that's and that's the key. Um, I mean, really, the only person who just well, well, we normally kill them. It's like, are you actually playing a a, a psychopath, or you know, <laughs> um, right. it's that unless you you know, literally are a serial killer, it's like, well, we're supposed to kill them and wear their head as a hat. Of course, <laughs> you know, um, uh, <laughs> unless you're that far gone, your character really, you know, I mean, frankly, a character like that would not survive in that kind of character for very long in a no. typical game. Yeah, because no. they, they would, they would you know, yeah, they would they die in the first adventure when the you know player insists on doing something ridiculous, you know. But it's um, like on the on the opposite end, like from third edition, we're all familiar with the the paladin syndrome. Okay. Uh, lawful stupid, basically, where it's you, you always have that player that you fear is going to pick a paladin because they're going to quote unquote role play their character to the point of destroying the entire game and the party dynamic and making it no fun for anyone. The ability to not play a one dimensional character to understand that there's shades of gray uh, can you know. Yeah, well, on, on paladin syndrome, uh, I I actually my very first character I actually played in D anD D was a paladin, and uh, um, and uh, and the, so I'm I'm familiar with the syndrome. But here's the thing: is that uh, I mean, you can tell obviously I'm something of a rules lawyer, um, but that's also just you? kind of <laughs> no. Yeah, imagine that you sit around writing this stuff. Yeah, um, but uh, um, but I'm not a mean spirited rules lawyer. That's the key. Uh, I don't do it for the purpose of like undermining the game or exploiting you know rules. It's just the fact that I know them. You know, but it's the same thing when it comes to things like the Paladin's Code. It's like you can play a Paladin and be true to the code. It's more that just. To allow some room for yourself to interpret things in, you know, in a way that fits whatever the hell's going on that minute. And it's like only, I mean, it's like you know, it's it's like yeah, you're a paladin. There's no way in the world they're going to be saying, well, okay, uh, so I'll fi- hang on, give me a minute. I'll think of a good way to, to justify killing the orphans. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, they seem to be diseased, so we're actually saving everybody else now. Um, and uh, it, it, it's. As long, as long as it's not to the point where it's like, okay, that's just absurd. This character would never do anything like this. Um, you can usually find a way to just, you know, find a way to, to, that fit, that your character can interpret things that would be, you know, that would go with, you know, party unity. And it's that basically when somebody plays the lawful stupid uh, uh, archetype, number one, I find most of those people have no idea what lawful good actually is because <laughs> – I mean, I actually, I actually know a lot of people in my real life that if I were to give them an alignment, that would be it. And yeah. they're not like that. You know, yeah. that's not what that means. It doesn't mean you're stupid and you know, and just oh, well, we have to do this now. You know, it's like that's not what that means. Um, but it, it's it's usually the player either is not very. Um, they, they number one don't don't know what that's supposed to mean, but number two they they um, aren't. Uh, being very creative about it, essentially. I mean, you know, playing lawful stupid is just as, you know, uncreative and one-dimensional and dumb as it is to play a. I'm a raving psychopath who kills everything in sight. You know, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just yeah. as limited and not role-playing. And that's the thing you, that the that that's an issue with the player needing to you know kind of become a better role player. When now, you're young, Charlie, you know, yeah, go ahead. And earlier, you made an interesting point. Um, 
about, because I, I think one of the concerns from this guy's question is how does he help motivate the players to act a certain way without railroading them? And obviously I've had rants of my own about railroading in the past. Um, but you made a really good point in that you presented situations, you printed, presented options to them. But I think what, what was most important about what you said is that you present the consequences of those actions. Um, and that, that seems to be a pretty useful way of keeping them from being railroaded. Um, Asselford, what do you think about that? Like, how do you, how do you motivate your players to go in the, the, the direction that you would like the game to go without making them feel like they're railroaded? You have to give an illusion of choice. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, no, that's, yeah. That's not, that's not to say that they don't have a choice. Every player always has a choice, whether it's sticking with the party, going along with the adventure, or deciding to go down to the local cantina, get drunk, uh, pick up a prostitute, and head back to a brothel or whatever. You know, if that's what that player wants to do, that's fine to a certain extent, as long as it doesn't infringe on the fun of the rest of the group. If the rest of the group wants to go along with the adventure, and this guy wants, he wants to go sleep off his Corellian ale in a brothel somewhere, fine. He's going to be sleeping it off while they go out and do the adventure. Um, uh, railroading's a tough line, but as a GM, you should always have contingency plans. You should always try to plan ahead somewhat, and be ready for whatever the players can throw at you because players are an interesting breed. They never quite do what they're supposed to do, which is not to say they never do what they're supposed to do, but they will come up with the most harebrained schemes. Uh, they'll want to hide inside. <laughs> they want to hide inside a a food droid so that they can infiltrate into a hospital wing to get to their target. <laughs> You know, yeah. that's just the way the players are. And so as a GM, you have to be able to, to be flexible and roll with that. As far as getting your players to do what you need them to do, sometimes it works to, I don't know. I'm just one of those kind of guys who's, I've gotten to the point where I want to talk to my players when things get out of hand. I want to shut things down, especially when emotions are getting heated. Mm-hmm. I don't know that emotions are getting heated in this case, but the minute somebody begins to be unhappy or begins to feel a negative feeling towards another player, that's when it's time to shut everything off and talk about it as real people and not as our characters. Yes. Okay, we're going to continue this session next time. Um, well, you don't even necessarily have to continue next time. If, if you can cool everybody down long yeah. enough so that you can go back to playing, that's fine. I mean, it depends on how early in the evening it is. If it's pretty close to, you know, quitting time anyway, well, fine. Um, what do you think you about... Hmm. What do you think about this? Like, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking about um, Draconis' specific problem. And, you know, he's in a situation... Um, he's in a situation where he's got a player that is potentially not going to be accepted by this group because obviously they're extremely heavy into the role-playing aspect and it's important to them to quote-unquote not break character. I think a solution to him might reside in a couple areas because he says he's got another session coming up. What do you guys think about the idea? I I think of ways that we see in the Star Wars films of groups of people coming together that have disparate goals. Um, 
shared enemies, extremely common, um, but also aside from shared enemies, shared goals. So, I mean, could you see, uh, you know, for example, I mean, if, if, if I was GMing this, I just wanted to go way off the cuff and solve this problem. Well, guess what? Next session, bam, the Empire lands. And, oh, yeah, they figured out that their little, this new player, this bounty hunter is actually an ex-Jedi, and they really want to take him in and along with the rest of the party. And, you know, at this point, they're having to work together in order to survive. That could, you know, perhaps cement a bond of trust. Um, I mean, how do you feel about, I mean, I, I mean, some people would call that railroading. You know, you're you're intentionally fixing the plot structure to ensure that there's party cohesion. But is that a bad thing? Is it railroading? And what are positive ways that can be done? It's not necessarily railroading. Well, I mean, it, I guess it kind of is. But it's, I mean, have, saying that that's railroading is like saying that any event that the DM comes up with during the game right. is railroading. <laughs> Uh, in, in the particular, in this particular instance, it's quite possible that the Empire could show up and say, "Hey, we know this guy's a failed Jedi. We know, uh, we want him." Or they could, they could, maybe one of these Jedi that he, quote unquote, killed and went off into hiding has been caught, and so now they know this guy's been playing them for a dupe this whole time, and now they're back to get their money. I mean, it could be a hut consortium. It could be anything, and merely by being associated with him, the rest of the group is guilty, as well. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, there's a, that's that's one way to do it, and it it does throw them all into a situation where they have to work together in order to survive. They can't necessarily give him up just to save their own skins. Now, the other thing that struck me with his situation is perhaps a common goal. If this guy has been, um, you know, if, if this new player has been working as a uh, a bounty hunter whose intention is to find Jedi and convince them basically to go into hiding and just take their lightsabers so he can claim the bounty. Would it be out of line for a GM to say introduce some random NPC, maybe uh, the maybe a former friend or master of uh, the PC Jedi that's currently in the party, and you know maybe saying, hey, you know by the way, if you you know if you doubt my intentions. Uh, I rescued, you know, your friend just a short time ago, and he's here in hiding on this planet, and I can show him to you. And in fact, the Empire's coming now to come capture him because they figured out who I am, and we need to go save him together. Um, you know, are things like that too contrived? Um, you know, Sarley, thoughts? Um, there's a. Uh, uh... Uh, frankly, I mean, that's uh, if you if you really think about what a role playing game is, um, the whole thing is already pretty contrived. So you actually have a lot more, um, a lot more room in. I mean, because I mean, think about it, your adventuring party, really, you go out and get yourself killed. You know, um, uh, you know, you're all at a bar. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so you have a longer leash on that than you think you do. I mean, you, you, the the GMs. Uh, instinct, I think, is a lot of time to feel like you, oh, well, that would be just off the wall or whatever. But the fact is that it's a living universe. Remember that. It's a living universe. There's other things going on and it's not at all contrived for something else to, you know, intrude on a situation. Like, in this particular um, case, the immediate problem is make sure that the the players have some reason not to immediately kill him, right? Um, that's all you need. Once you have that, you can you can find a, a way to make them decide to work together. You know, by inventing a common a common threat or putting them in a situation where he's the only one that can save them or something. Um, and uh, I mean, the fa- the very fact that he's a Jedi and you have one other Jedi. I mean, um, 
imagine some scenario where, uh, I don't know, where the other Jedi, for one reason or another, either isn't in the room or is unable or doesn't have a particular force power, but this other one does. Your, your captive does. He's like, dude, seriously, I can fix that, you know. And, <laughs> and you know, in, in other words, give him, give him a chance to basically prove that he's actually trying to help them or trying to have no, he actually is having, uh, you know, noble, you know, intentions and such um you know it's it, it just come up with uh come up with scenarios that let that happen on its own and uh frankly in this particular case all your all the players usually need i mean unless the players are unless a player is really being deliberately difficult is an excuse give them just an excuse not to kill them an excuse not to turn them in immediately and then let them hang out together for two or three days and over the course of just random adventuring uh, Stockholm syndrome sets in and they're all friends and <laughs> I mean they become used to working with each other and, and you know something will come up even if you don't go out of your way to contrive something just ordinary events will eventually give them something where this guy can help with this you well, know it's, or, not, it's not like we don't see this in Star Wars all the time I mean yeah. It happens all the time. I mean, it, it's I mean, from from Lando Calrissian to you know Juhani joining you know uh, Revan's party to uh, you know I mean it, it just you you always see it, and I think that it it lends itself to a certain flavor to the game, and I think I think it should be it's embraced. the it's the redemption the redemption theme that is like exactly. so central to Star Wars, and so having that kind of thing where somebody who seems like a foe at the beginning become an ally, it's very central to how, what makes Star Wars feel like Star Wars. And so all you need is just enough of a pause to let it sit so that they don't, you know, immediately kill the person you're trying to redeem. And something will come up. Something, some, some, I mean, it's that if something doesn't come up on its own, you'll invent something that seems plausible or whatever. I mean, and if, if worse comes to worse, take a, take a short break. I mean, if it's the end of the night, you know, you've got another week or whatever before your next game. You have time to think it over, and for that matter, to talk to players, you know, individually out of out of uh, uh, you know out of character if you need to, uh, and say, hey, dude, uh, what, what would your character do about blah or whatever? I mean, you can even talk about it like that in terms of hypothetically what would make this okay for your guy, you know, yeah. and that's okay. I mean, it's it's okay to do that outside of a game because well, it's you still to want every yeah, and and. And uh, yeah, it, it doesn't all have to be at the table. You know, it's it's cool to do that over email. You know, b- between games, and then you, then the player actually feels, you know, I, at least I found they feel more invested in the next game. Like, oh yeah, here's that thing I get to you know, participate in. You know, and they know it was just for them. You know, and exactly. you know, so they, and, and 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 it's like that that amount of meta game knowledge actually can sometimes make things a lot more fun you know <laughs> um, it, it's just like it's just like the metagame knowledge of, of knowing that you're about to get to the big you know um, uh, uh, climactic encounter you know this is the big fight yay you know um, even though you realistically most of the time you know it's kind of like well we don't know if there's a bigger guy right behind him or you know in the next room right. over there could be a legion of stormtroopers you know um, you don't know if this is actually going to be the big thing but you as a player know oh here it is you know um, so, that, yeah. It adds it adds a lot, and and I guess I guess as as a final thought, it, metagaming is not necessarily a bad thing. And you know, Asselford, to your point, I think it's I mean, and you could agree with me or not. I, I think it is incumbent upon the GM to read the emotional states of the players and to to act appropriately on that and shut things down and remind people that hey, we're just playing a game here when it's necessary. 
So, very cool. And, and a great question and, and a good story. Thank you, Director Countess, for sharing that. Well, Gary's, um, I, think, I think we're coming to an end of this particular segment. I want to I thank you both for taking the time to come on and yammer with us uh, for the last 45 minutes uh, and being a part of episode 100. You know, we really appreciate you both. Thank you for the hard work you have done and continue to do. And uh, thank you for, for being here with us. Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure. Hey, not, not a problem. I, uh, I always enjoy coming on. All, all, you guys are both always welcome. Um, so once again, thank you both. And uh, with that, I think we're going to move into uh, Fragments from the Rim. Yes, indeed. Fragments from the Rim. Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim. How may we be of service to you today? Hi, this is Alex. And Trevor. This is segment number 46 of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen two talents from the Galaxy of Intrigue. They're noble talents from the Revolutionary Talent Tree. The first one is on page 22. It's entitled, Make an Example. Whenever you hit with an attack and deal enough damage to exceed a target's damage threshold, that target takes a minus five penalty to, to attack rolls against you until the end of your next turn. This is a mind-affecting effect. This is a pretty good talent with some rather nice effects. The problem, of course, being that you actually have to do enough damage to exceed the damage threshold, and you have to hit, and you're a noble. But it does have a rather nice benefit. Minus five penalty attack is fairly significant. Though that's not why I'm particularly interested in this talent. I like the next talent, which has make an example as a prerequisite. That's on page 21 from the same talent tree, entitled For the Cause. It says, Whenever you or an ally within six squares of you takes damage that exceeds that character's damage threshold, you and all allies within six squares of you gain a plus two bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls until the end of your next turn. That's a rather nice ability. One of the things that I look at when I'm looking at feats and talents to find out if they're going to be really effective is how frequently are they going to be used. Are you going to have someone in your party be hit at least once in combat in which their damage threshold gets exceeded? Well, there's a good chance of that happening. Yeah, you have to be within six squares, but plus two bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls for everyone within six squares of you is nothing to sneer at. Over to you, Trevor. Today, I'm going to talk about Reconnaissance Actions Talent from the Reconnaissance Talent Tree for Scouts on page 25 of the Clone Wars Campaign Guide. The prerequisite for this is Reconnaissance Team Leader, which means that you have at least one follower. It's one of those talents I like because it has multiple uses. Again, you may use any one of the following actions once per encounter. The first one is forward scouting. As a standard action, you may make a melee or ranged attack against a target in range. For each of your followers armed with a ranged weapon who has line of sight to your target, you can grant an ally a plus two insight bonus on attack rolls against your target until the beginning of your next turn. Thus, if you have multiple arm followers with line of sight to the target, you can grant the plus two bonus to multiple allies. And that's a really neat idea because being a scout, your idea is to spot the enemy and point them out for other people to take the actions that need to happen. So you and your scouting team basically are providing that functionality. The second one is group sniping. As a standard action, you can make a melee or range attack against a target in range. For each of your followers armed with a ranged weapon who has line of sight to your target, 
You and each of your followers gain a plus one circumstance bonus to stealth checks until the end of your next turn. This is a really nice idea because it's working with the idea that when more than one person is shooting at a target, it creates distraction or misdirection and allows you to better hide. So the whole idea of being able to shoot, hide, move, that kind of idea, you get a bonus to that because the guy you're shooting at is kind of you know being shot at by various hidden enemies. And the third option is sweep the area. As a standard action, you can make a melee or ranged attack against a target in range. For each of your followers armed with a ranged weapon who has line of sight to your target, you and each of your followers gains a plus one circumstance bonus on perception checks until the end of your next turn. And as as with the first action in this, it has to go back to the idea of the scout being uh, the person whose job it is is to find a hidden spot and find the guys who are on the other team who are hidden. And And this, again, working as a team you're basically sweeping an area and finding all the hidden bad guys so that they can't do these things to you. Anyways, if you have any questions or comments, please uh, send Alex or I an email at order66 underscore fragments at rogers.com. And until next time, have fun gaming. Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. Hello, GM Dave, GM Chris, and TG. This is Rikoshi. Just wanted to say sex in advance for what I'm sure is going to be a Spectacular 100th episode, and here's to 100 more to come. This is Brian, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Yes, really, I don't sit around on my days and listen to four or five episodes just to catch up to 100. No, no, really, I don't, I don't, I don't! Uh, this is Grandpa Kenobi. As a centenarian myself... I want to congratulate the Order 66 podcast for being 100 years old. 100 episodes, Dad, not 100 years old. They're just over two years old. Shut up, you young whippersnapper. I'll force slam you into next week. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, 100 years old. I'd say you could attribute that to clean living, taking your vitamins, and not getting angry. But we both know that'd be bullshit. So congratulations, old men. Oh, and by the way, live long enough to spend your kids' inheritance. It's worked for me. Hey, this is Darth Obi-Wan. Congratulations, guys, on your 100th podcast. May you make it to 200, if you want. I mean, after all, nobody's listening anyways. Thank you, Alex and Trevor, very much. Another brilliant Fragments from the Rim. And now... For the finality of our finale, finality, finale, for the grand finale, finality better. The grand finale of our show. We have our final guest of the evening, Mr. Christopher West, Map Maker, Map Maker, make me a map. Hey, whoosh! Hello, folks. The crowd goes wild. I love that he provides his own sound effects. That's pretty awesome. That's even better. (laughs) No, no, that wasn't me, really. Hey, hey, don't look now, but we are up to 295 people in the chat room. Oh my goodness! I'm getting oh, stage fright. We're just it's about. Be, it's because you're coming on, buddy. That's it. We're That's the only reason. just about ready to hit uh, 300. That's going to be awesome, fantastic. Okay, well, well, Dave, for for Pete's sake, before we get into talking to Chris, I know listeners have probably been waiting for some time now. We've got Chris here. Do yes, we, want to talk we about have the mastery contest. We have the announcement that we should have made off the top of the show, but we delayed in deference to the venerable Mr. West. Oh, no, now I'm sounding old. Therefore, <laughs> well, that's because you are, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm kidding. Snapper. 
Kidding, kidding, kidding. Let's have a let's have a quick refresher of what this contest was for those who may be listening. When did when did we start this? This was uh, I believe what, we started this. Yeah, back in in uh, early March. No, I'm sorry, early February. Was it, it that long? Okay, yeah. So this was like yeah. early February, where um, uh, Chris West, who uh, uh, obviously founder and 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 master cartographer extraordinaire of MapsOfMastery.com. Um, provided us with a good amount of, uh, what would you say, Dave? Schwag? Uh, yes, much schwag. Much, much schwag. And we, we decided to take that schwag and make it the focal point of a contest uh, that would not only allow us to showcase your amazing design skills, Gamer Nation, but also uh, help us showcase some of, uh, some of the great maps coming out of Maps of Mastery. And so uh, the... The... Uh, gosh... What's what's the map called, Chris? Are you calling it the Forsaken Lands map? Yeah, I tried to come up with a title that encompassed both sides. So it's a desert on one and a swamp on the other, and they're both you know, Forsaken Lands. Gotcha. So the contest w- that we that was come up with was basically to to take one side of this map and create an encounter around it. And we had several requirements, and uh, we were going to judge. And Dave, tell us about the prizes that are to be won for this particular contest. What is our third place winner going to win? Um, I honestly don't remember, but... Um, I'm, I'm I, think pre- I, I think I, I have it in the show notes. I'm right pretty sure that the third place... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. I'm pretty sure the third place guy got these, I'm um, holding in front of the camera, um, map tiles. Yes. And, That's uh, what I thought. Yes, and so you can like overlay these on lots of things, and they're actually they're really cool, and so you can use them in your campaign as you see fit. Indeed, that was third place. Uh, second place was going to get or is going to get a poster, a map poster, which is not the one I have in my hand, but this one. This one is a mass transit map, double sided. With a shipping center on one side and the Exodus class heavy cruiser on the other side. Nice map. Thank you very much. Yes, indeed. And the first place winner gets not only the Desert Sanctum and Swamp Cave map that we built this campaign around, but they get an autographed print of the Aluminum Falcon map as well. And you can see here where Christopher West has signed it and says, she's got it where it counts. Ooh, I love it when a woman says that to me. (laughs) That's what I said when I met TG. I've got it where it counts, (laughs) She's got it Leave it to you guys to make something uh, Han Solo said sound dirty. Oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, oh, wait. I don't know if they have needed much. feeling about this, yes. Yes. So, no, go ahead. Yeah, 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 jinx! Black, black, no tap backs. Stepping, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Drink. You know, we hardly ever do that anymore. We hardly I know, ever do that anymore. You see, it's fitting for the 100th episode. <laughs> I know. That's all I'm saying. First episode ever. The, for the 100th episode, we go back to where we began. Stepping all over Excellent. each other. First episode ever. Yeah. Did so, I ever tell you guys the story of uh, how I came to do that Millennium Falcon map? I can't remember if we covered that last time I was on or not. Dude, no, tell us. No, yeah, please. Um, that was back in the days of Star Wars Gamer Magazine. You guys remember that? Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it, made, <laughs> yes. it made my little gamer weenie go crazy. My mother uh, sold all my copies at a garage sale. Oh, dude. That's rough. 
Well, I back in those days, I was uh, doing some work for Wizards, and I I took it in my head to reconcile all the different maps of the Falcon that people have made over the years because you know people have made partial maps of the Falcon based on the parts you see in the movie, and lots of different people have created lots of different ideas about what the rest of the ship looks like. So I tried to take all the ones that had appeared in the uh, the early role-playing games, like from West End Games and so on, and some of the newer stuff and the incredible cross-sections, I used that one quite heavily, and put those together into a deck plan of the Falcon that would be, in my mind, official. And I wanted, because I was doing uh, Starship articles for Star Wars Gamer at the time, I wanted to make that into one of them. Now, I didn't think that Lucasfilm would actually go for that, because I always thought that was uh, George Lucas's baby, and that that ship was so iconic to Star Wars that they wouldn't let, you know, Joe Cartographer from down the street, you know, fiddle with it. Um, but I, I sent it in, and the uh, magazine staff showed interest, and at some point they asked me to do a an article to go with it. So I came up with, I think, a seven-page article called Secrets of the Falcon, and I did with the backstory of the Falcon what I did with the map. I took all these little nuggets of information that have been published over the years and put those together. And I thought, there's no way this will ever see print. And I was shocked when Lucasfilm approved it with no changes whatsoever. Now, mind you, I had made up little things about the Falcon in this thing. <laughs> I'd filled in the gaps, and they approved it without any problem. So that is how it became official that the Falcon spent time in an orbital scrapyard around Narshada uh, and various other little details about how it came to, together from... Uh, the YT 1300 uh, passenger and freight designations, which I also designed for that article. And so that, that was my little contribution to Star Wars canon. Dude, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So that's the story. I could say I knew you win. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I didn't know you win. Damn it. Yes. So we got in, uh, how many entries did we get in? I think it was like... 37 uh, entries. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Uh, oh, I think we it was got in, I think we got in about a dozen entries. Yeah, something like that. Twelve or fourteen, roughly. Um, and, and they were all the good, job, except for two of them that were, sucked. Yeah, two of them sucked bad. Ugh, oh God. Um, the and all was, those poor people who submitted are going to be sitting at home. Was mine the one that sucked? Was mine the one that sucked? I don't was know. That, was that mine? No, no. They they were all. They I were thought they were all, all good. good. Yes, they were all good. The one that I mean, sucked they were varying was varying degrees of good. Yeah, the the one that really sucked to me was the one that put uh, the Rancor and Sol and Sarlacc together on the Swamp Caves map. And yes, the, and they had them dance the waltz. That was very uh, yeah. That was really really weird. Very anti. But you got to give them you know bonus points. Kudos for putting up that YouTube video of that put together. That was nice. That was impressive. It was very impressive. It was actually, very yeah. very yeah. It was. And how did they how did they creative. get it inside the Wow Guild? I wasn't sure about that. You know, but hey, I, I don't. We're remember. not supposed to ask that. Yeah. I know. Don't ask, don't tell. That's what they've said. So yeah. Dave, myself, and Mr. West uh, judged these. Um, we were going to have some more judges like Sam and Chuck and TG. <coughs> Who? I didn't hear that last one. TG. Yeah. TG. They kind of, they kind of <coughs> flipped out. Sorry, I had something caught in my throat. TG. Yeah, they kind, they kind it's of okay. Moving on. <laughs> Moving well, on. We figured, we figured, you know, with the three of us, we would be just fine. And we actually had a rather scientific method for scoring. Um, and I'd like to say judging was extremely close. Uh, we all three scored the, each of the encounters, and each submission could be awarded a combined total between the three of us um, of 60 points for creativity, how creative and original the encounter was, 
Uh, 60 points for playability, whether it was playable or not, how broken it was, how easy it was to run, how easy it was to play. And a total of 60 points for map integration. How well did you utilize the features of the map that you chose to use? And that was also a very big point. I got to say, I was really impressed by the variety that we got across these Dude, different I spectrums. Some were really great in one area and not in others, and but together, a lot of them, so much good stuff. Yeah, there, there were some fantastic things there. Um, I was totally impressed. But for, so basically, the highest you could get a score on was would be 180 points for an absolutely perfect encounter. Right. So theoretically, though, that wasn't going to happen. Right. I don't think anybody got quite a perfect score on mine, although some were really close. Some of them were really, really good. So but you guys could, you know, grade on a curve. Yeah, we could have, but we didn't. So that's just the way it goes. And we go to the judges' cards. <laughs> I got booted, didn't I? No, you're there, uh, dude. You went silent for a sec. You went silent yeah. for a second, but you're fine. Things things kind of got 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 wonky. Sorry about that. Uh, um, if you just like re-engage your video, that would be awesome. But no, for, for, hey, you know what? Uh, if you can, uh, yeah, it, it's re-engaged. Oh well, sorry, I just killed it. Now I'm restarting it. Well, fine. Cue fine. the Benny Hill music. <laughs> so okay, contest winners. Um, I was going to say, Chris, it would be appropriate if you announced it, but you don't really have the show notes. You don't know the aggregate scores, do you? That's true. The I do not know the winner of this contest. I'm very eager to hear. Okay, well, um, should we let TG announce, Dave? Sure. Okay. Those dulcet tones would be wonderful for this. I'm not getting any video from you, by the way, Chris. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. So we'll start with the second place loser. No, I mean, third place person. Third place winner, right? Okay. <laughs> Third place got a total of 148 points. They were 12 points away from being perfect. Well, that wow. would be Krista Mathematics. The rest of us would say 32 points, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, I was thinking 160. <laughs> okay. See what I mean? A curve. See? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Come we on. graded on a curve. <laughs> Grading on a curve. That's right. Uh, this person w- wrote... The Rescue on Indoor, Stephen Crowley, who is uh, Lefties Will Rule on the forums. Ah, good one. Dude, this was a great module. This was almost a module, seriously. Yeah, it does. It reads like a small adventure. Um, It was was great. Uh, I I liked it. Hey, Dave, what was it? The Rescue on Indoor? Yeah. Uh, it Yeah. It was The Rescue on Indoor is what it was. Okay, well, like a short synopsis of it. Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. It was it okay. So it's like the it was really great. the 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 swamp caves map. It wasn't it wasn't actually a swamp. It was like the uh, just a swampy area of the planet Endor where the Ewoks were. Mm-hmm. And and it was just it was incredibly creative. And the PCs were caught in a scenario where they ran across uh, an Ewok tribesman and got caught up in a a little encounter to. Um, uh, to what some was local it? drama. It was it was local drama, but they were also trying to rescue, uh, or excuse me, not rescue, but capture someone, uh, a thief who had stolen a bunch of dark side artifacts. Zorn right. Rehi. Now that I'm and going that's back right. into it, yep. and um, it, it was surprisingly well done with a lot of great elements. 
and uh, it was also beautifully put together. Um, it's clear he, you know, he, he took the extra mile and getting together lots of references, and uh, it was just creative. I gave it top marks on creativity. Extremely good. Yes. Likewise. So congratulations, Stephen Crowley. You will be receiving uh, a, a copy of Map Tiles. Wahoo. Indeed. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so listening to this, you must send us your address so we can, like, send some stuff to you. This is true. This must is true. send yeah. stuff to you. Now. Must, must send stuff to you. Do not wait for So that leads us in to second place winner. The second place winner. Yeah, and y'all weren't kidding when you said it was close. So Mm-mm. third place had 149 points. Second place... One point. I, I'm sorry. Third place had 148. Second place had 149. He won one by one more point. point. Yeah. Wow. This is Nick Watanabe. 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 Indeed. Which is Watanabe. 2K on the forums. <laughs> Watanabe. I'm not saying it right, but that's okay. Watanabe. Look at that. He's celebrating in the chat room. He's celebrating in the chat room. Congratulations, man. He wrote The Resurrection of Darth Herlevin. 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 I'm all in the wrong place today. This this was a really cool um, a really cool map, and it was it was uh, a cool encounter, and it was done on the Desert Sanctum map. Um, and gosh, it was just, this was, this was pretty much almost an entire module. I mean, Nick Long. went all out. Yeah. Big time, man. A lot I mean, of tactical was, options were, were yeah. detailed in this one. It was good that stuff. Was what imp- that was what impressed me the most was oodles and oodles and oodles of tactical options. He took the time to really explore different tactical options and mounds of skill checks that mm-hmm. could be made. Um, to provide tactical options based on the terrain and the encounter, it was phenomenal. To, to, yeah, to it, mention the fact that he brought in a lot of Star Wars lore. Yeah, and he didn't just uh, stick to you know the cover and things. He he used the blue energy fields, the doors on that map, and uh, used them to define the limits of a dark side power effect. I thought that was really cool. Yes, very very interesting. Um, so very well done. Congratulations, Nick. Good you job, be, Nick. You'll be receiving well uh, the. Mass Transit Map. The Mass Transit Map. Yay. Yes, very, very good. Much <laughs> uh, <laughs> First place. First place. Oh, da, 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 152 points. And he got now, two this bonus goes to your baby, right? It did manage to make an entry from the womb. Well, no. Actually, well, because my baby's considered a minor... The winner of this is TG for writing the pretty pageant on Indoor. Oh, okay. Yes, where Ewoks competed for uh, the hand of Luke Skywalker. Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so who who really won this? I I can't wait to hear this. Three points. It was very close. The Return of Naga Sada. Sada. Sato. <laughs> Doug Jindy Bragg is the winner. First place. Yay! Yeah. And this, this was, was another awesome one. This was this was like creepy good. Like mm-hmm. I really I really want to run this bad. Uh like really 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 bad. Uh the, what what I found most awesome about it was the mechanic where uh the 
in the center of the uh, the temple, this was another desert sanctum map. In the center of the temple, you have a group of Sith cultists that are trying to resurrect Nagasato, this ancient Sith lord. And mm-hmm. the longer the PCs take, the, the closer, closer they, they get, come yeah. to resurrecting him, the more powerful he gets. Yeah, right. Um, like, like more destiny points, force points. That's all defined by how long it takes you to to prevent his rise or or yes, not. Yes, and and you've got a group, and so you've got another group of threats that are actually trying to prevent you from getting there to allow him to rise. And yeah. you know, if you do really well, you can actually succeed, and he won't rise. Um, and if you don't, you actually have to fight him as the boss, and that's <laughs> right. Yeah, right. And now mm-hmm. it was this. Was it this? I get confused. This one or the other one that had it as an optional? That if even if you got there before he was ready to rise, you could still rise him as an optional if the PC. Yeah, was it still. was an optional uh, optional extra encounter that was tougher than the rest of it. Right. Yeah. So if they cakewalked it, you you had the option. Yeah. Well, this I, was I really also a really that. good example of a way to work a skill challenge into the encounter because. Yes. Uh, it's potentially just a big fight, but it also gave characters with persuading skills and other types of uh, non-combat things a way to contribute and have an actual effect on the fight if it does come to that. Yes. So that really, uh, really impressed me. It, it was it was extremely impressive. I I was I was totally totally blown away by by these these three modules. All the yeah. modules in the entries we got were absolutely fantastic. Everyone did a marvelous job. Yes, um, indeed. And and can I just add I thought it was really interesting that the top 2 both involved resurrection schemes <laughs> on the same map. So that and and neither one of them became like a cliched kind of thing that you might expect from from a resurrection scene. You know, it's been done in in expanded universe stuff, you know, to death, but both of these took a fresh approach to it, and, and they were yes. different enough that, you know, you can separate them both in your mind and look at them both as two very different encounters. Yep. Yes. And I mean, that's fascinating to me. I mean, I was expecting, like, oh, wow, another resurrection scheme. But no, no. When you read the module, it's like, wow, this is really good. So now, mm-hmm. now comes the bonus. For those of you Reds that are, well, one, going to be getting dice soon. Uh, the D20 Ooh, Radio dice. contributors will be getting in your email boxes very soon. The three that were the winners. Excellent. And we will share that with our D20 radio contributors. You guys can run these uh, campaign. I'm sorry, these encounters as you see fit. And then uh, at a later date, we'll, uh, we'll send out the additional modules that were sent in uh, to those contributors first. And then uh, after a while, we'll put it out on the uh, download side for everybody. But, uh, Everyone will get access to this yep. eventually, but the perks of being a D20 radio contributor... You get uh, first crack. Of course. Kudos to you guys. Yeah. yeah so, so congratulations very, very to good. everyone. Yep. And Chris, thank you for putting up your maps for this contest, dude. This was a lot of fun. Hey, no problem, man. I didn't know what you guys had in mind uh, when I sent these out to you. And you guys came up with a really cool contest on the fly, like right on the air while you were talking about it. And I just could not be happier. Thank you guys for running this. Of course. It's fantastic. It was fantastic. So very cool. Well, okay, man. Are, are you are you comfortable talking about yourself for a little bit? Oh, me? No, never. Yeah, I've got a <laughs> gigantic ego. You know, go right ahead. <laughs> what would well, you like to know? Well, as we asked our other guests, how's Diggs, man? What do you what What are you doing? What are you working on right now? Well, I've been working on a variety of different things, and it seems like once I get one underway, I've come up with another idea that just seems much cooler. So. I've changed my plans for the next poster maps a couple of different times. 
And I've got tons of sketches that I have lined up waiting to work on, but I cranked out a map from start to finish in a couple of days just recently. Oh, I lost your video feed. You guys hear me? Yeah, no, yes. we, we yeah. got you. We got you. It's just that you stream. You stream gacked. You stream died. <laughs> Through a shoe? Ah. Okay, well, anyway, uh, where was I? You, uh, you were talking about working on <laughs> one thing you were starting, and then you got an idea for another, and yeah. Okay, and the map I'm working on is, and it's really cool. <laughs> uh, no, no, seriously, it's a uh, like a cargo docks. It's partly inspired by an episode of the Clone Wars recently, where the the this Senate investigation went down to this this cargo area, and uh, they were poking around looking for clues. And uh, I just thought it would be a really useful kind of place to play out any kind of encounter. So I've put together a sci-fi uh, uh, cargo docks map that lines up with um, a couple of different things. Uh, the uh, off-world shipping center map from, from my first poster. It lines up with the train station from the Clone Wars starter set. And I'm working on another map that connects to these for the flip side of this one which will be a passenger boarding station, and together all of these will be able to be tiled out or laid out in a row to build a, uh, like an epic scale uh, miniatures uh, you know, layout where you can play through the battle in a seamless environment where the textures from one map you know, run right into the next one. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying that. I'm just throwing that out there. That'd be really freaking cool. Cool. Oh. I, I'm glad you approve. I've got a couple other things that I had on the agenda. Uh, there's a mining facility that I want to get out and a couple other things. But uh, this idea just kind of took hold. Uh, there's a guy that uh, does a lot of community work with the Star Wars miniatures uh, playing community. Uh, he needed something for Gen Con for an epic battle there. And that just got me thinking about this. So uh, once an idea comes to me, I just kind of have to roll with it. And that's what came out. Okay, now I can't recall if it was the last time you were with us or whether it was when you were guesting most recently on Minnie's Mayhem, but you'd mentioned the idea of coming up with some uh, clear yes. game tiles. I don't have any news on that because the printer that I work with doesn't have the right kind of machine to print those, so we have to work through, like, I guess it would be a fourth party, you know, if they're the third party to my business. So uh, still waiting for the specifics. And frankly, this poster uh, kind of took hold of my creative resources, and I've just been pouring everything into this because I want to get this one out fairly soon. And I, I'm going to do like a pre-order system where people can uh, pre-order the map, and then once we reach a certain threshold, the money will be available for me to pay to print the map so that there's no chance of taking a loss on the project. So. Gotcha. I'm, I'm hoping that similar to Sarley's E20 system. Yeah, he he suggested the Kickstarter thing, and that's uh, currently the front runner for the option. If I end up doing that, so. But yeah, those clear tiles are still on the agenda, and I still want to do them. But I have to find out if they're cost uh, reasonable. I guess you could call it. So we shall see. Hopefully, by Gen Con, those will be available if they're ever going to be. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, okay, man. So. We've, I know we talked to you about this shortly after it happened, but it, you know we've had a, we've all had a couple months to have this sink in now. What are your thoughts on the cancellation of the line, man? Um, sadness, desolate, desperation. Uh, I, I really, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of joking, but kind of not because it really does sadden me to, to lose that game. I, um, especially since I just 
I can't say I found it because I worked on the books for so long, but I, I first got my group to start a campaign last summer and we've followed it through ever since. And now we're at kind of a splitting point in our campaign and it kind of mirrors the feeling that I have towards the, the end of the game. I'm going to miss it. And I, I know they, they've got a lot of stuff out there. There's so much material out there that I will never want for new material, except I do want more material, <laughs> if that makes any sense. I'd like to see the game continue to thrive and bring in new players. And now that Wizards of the Coast is out of that game, it's, it's going to be harder for the community to, to you know, get new players into the fold. And we're all going to have to work you know, extra hard to do that. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Hmm. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's the books are already getting uh, somewhat hard to find, like Starships of the Galaxy. Uh, my mother, I just talked to her uh, a couple of days ago. She was in a bookstore down in Florida, and she found a copy of Starships of the Galaxy there. And whoa, uh, she I, she was talking to, uh, to me about this the next day, and I said. I had to narrow it down because when she's talking about my work, she's not exactly keen on the details of what books are what. And I've worked on several editions of the game and so on. So I wasn't entirely positive she was talking about Starships of the Galaxy. But I told her, you know, what the title would be. And if if that is the book she found, that she could pick that up and sell it on eBay for a lot more than she spent on it. Um, So she went back to the store on a special trip. I didn't ask her to, but she did. She went back to the store, got it, bought it. Confirmed that it was, in fact, the Starships of the Galaxy book. And when they come by next, uh, about two weeks from now, she's going to drop it off. And uh, it's just her gift to me. So now I have to decide what I'm going to do with it. So I'm, I'm thinking about signing it and putting it up on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I would do that, but not for another year or two. You think it'll go up more in that time? Really, you think... Not don't strike while the iron's hot and wait, wait for it, wait for well, it. Well, you got a point. It'll go one of two ways: either it'll be a massive collectible item, or people will want it now before the game starts to fade. Who knows? And if there's the also the chance that two years from now, everyone who plays this game uh, will be Chris. Who? What? What are mm-hmm. you talking about? Why? Why? Why would I want this signed? <laughs> yeah, this is very true. So that, that's a good point. So yeah. I've already got my copy, and it is well loved, and. Uh, will continue to be loved in my game if I get it going again. Um, which It's kind of funny that you mentioned this, and it ties back into the way my campaign has been going, because we reached a kind of a key decision point in my Saga Edition game. There are two main Jedi characters, and each wants to take the group, in a, the, the campaign really, in a, a slightly different direction. One wants to stay true to Jedi ideals and... Uh, find out what's what caused the Order 66 and get to the bottom of that and find the other Jedi. And the other one is taking the more practical, uh, try to live like uh, smugglers or scoundrels or bounty hunters and blend in. And we've got a pretty big group with a, a wide cast of characters. And we're reaching a point where it seems like that group might be splitting. So your question earlier in, in this episode actually uh, got me thinking about that. And I, I wished I had that question because... Uh, I wanted to put it back to you guys and, and see what you guys thought about that. How do you best handle that? Because I've got a couple of ideas, but I'm not sure what way they're going to take it. And for the time being, we actually just paused the game at uh, sort of a cliffhanger where they're standing around in the ship 
and the decision is there in front of them. They haven't made it, and we we just kind of you know did the timeout uh, symbol and said, okay, we'll leave it there. <laughs> so they're still at that decision point and will be until they decide what they want to do when they play again. Well, see, this this is tough, man. And I mean, listen, it depends on your group. If listen, G- Gary, <laughs> G- G- both of them, Gary, Gary <laughs> made good made made good points. When he said that, you know, what matters is it's it's about the fun, okay? Right. If it stops being fun, who gives a shit? It's not worth playing, okay? Exactly. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, man. If if your group is going to get more enjoyment out of their character ending, like, okay, Dave, TG, do you remember when Jake, uh, one one of my one of my players in my alt U game, was going to move to California, and he had his last session with us. And mm-hmm. he, he knew he was going to leave. And it was to a point where his character could quite probably die intentionally for something he seriously believed in. And for him, that was perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, TG, Kat's character in, uh, in Brev's KOTOR game right now <laughs> uh, ha- ha- had a situation just last session where she made an in-character decision that Kat thought would, she was, this is stupid. I shouldn't be doing this, but it's what the character would do. And basically stayed on board of an exploding ship to try and save a family member. Um, and the ship exploded. <laughs> Very heroic. And she got sucked out into the vacuum of space, uh, unconscious. And at the start of the next session, we had uh, a very tough skill challenge to try and save her life. And if we failed, she would have died. And Brev made no bones about that. Um, Very cool. Way to ratchet up the tension for a skill challenge. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about, I mean, I, I see what you're, you're, you're trying to get at, but Chris, what I think he's trying to ask is you have players that are wanting to take the game in two different directions. Precisely. So, but my, my point is that in those examples, we are blessed with people who are willing to make it fun because of the role playing for them mm-hmm. that that's it that's the most fun aspect i think when it comes down to your specific group that's really the question you need to ask if they're right. willing to if they're willing to split the party apart over this and that's what's fun for them mm-hmm. then i think it's worth it even if it results in one or two players leaving the group right well that's actually part of the problem that we have here is the players enjoy playing together so there's no question about it if when we come back to Star Wars, because everybody agrees that we'd like to do more Star Wars, um, we have a couple of decisions to make. It's not just whether the group splits, but if it splits, which direction does the campaign take? And I put the the idea to them that if the cast is split more or less down the middle and you've got half of the characters going one way and half the other. And now, mind you, some of these players have a couple of different PC options in the group. Uh, there's one guy who's playing a Bothan uh, sharpshooter, uh, a sniper-type character that he just brought in, but he, until that point, was playing a droid. So I just ruled that the droid is disabled. It was heavily beat up in that last fight, uh, the thing with the, the cargo truck and the Tusken Raiders and all that. Um, so that droid is still sitting there as a, a player option. And if we split the campaign into two groups, he could send those characters to separate groups. And the idea I put before the the players is that we could take turns. We could play a month with Group A, and they could follow their adventure. And then we could switch off and go back to the other part of the party and role play through their next adventure and see where 
excuse me, see where these two paths take them. Because the one player, the one Jedi, has a couple of dark side points, and um, that character has, uh, they don't exactly play by the rules. And they right. have no problem working with criminal types. The, the problem that brought them to this uh, splitting point is that they took a job from a crime lord, uh, sorry, a crime lord, to recover uh, like a drayage fee from a corrupt port official. And they ended up doing this, but there was a lot of contention within the group whether this crossed a line that the Jedi shouldn't cross. So the Jawa Jedi wants to be more of a traditionalist and stick with the Jedi training and, and follow that you know, whole plot line of uh, you know, the fall of the Jedi and find out what happened and try to put it back together. And the other one just wants to live in the underworld and, and you know, go into hiding. So if they do that, those two campaigns could go in two very different directions. And I think it would be interesting to see how it plays out. If the, the slightly more corrupt group goes deeper into the dark side, they could become the villains in the other group's campaign where eventually these two split paths in the campaign come back together and are at odds. Dude, you're, think, reading, my, you're reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of potential stuff there. There's a website out there. It's a blog called Game Green, and they have a section there called Evil GM Tricks. And one of them is, okay, so your party's a little bored. They're a little staid um, with, with the game. What you do is you say, hey, guys, you know what? Next week, come by and make totally different characters, okay? And here's the guidelines. Go, okay? And they make their characters, mm-hmm. and they come. And as they start playing, they're a group of bounty hunters or you know mercenaries or whatever. And as they're going through... They realize that they're playing in the world that their normal characters live in and that they're actually being hired to hunt and track down their, their primary PC <laughs> characters. Okay? Excellent. And, you know, you, you take it pretty far and then let them get to the point where they know where the PCs are going to be. They've tracked them down. Let them set up some elaborate ambush. Okay? Right. I mean, really get into it and then end the session. And when the next game starts up, put them back in their PC's body. <laughs> but with the knowledge that they have, that metagame right. knowledge, and take over the other characters as NPCs and see if they can find a way out of it. Now that is uh, really awesome, but you, you have to trust your players to have the chance really to pull have to off trust something your players, like that. And they have to trust you as a GM. And mm-hmm. honestly, Chris, to, to answer your question, I think that's the answer to your question. If you're going to do this, it's going to require a good amount of group trust. Right. And time, because in order to play out two separate adventures, when you only meet, you know, a couple of times a week, uh, sorry, a couple of times a month, like, oh, a week, that would be wonderful. I remember those days. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a couple of times a month uh, to play out two separate scenarios and get them that far along, that involves a lot of campaign uh, game time. Uh-huh. So that's something else that they're going to have to consider. And I, I, I made this decision even harder for them by saying, okay, we're at this point where you're thinking about splitting, um, and we're going we're gonna to cut the campaign here for the night and possibly for a month or two while we try other games. We're going to try out a little Pathfinder. And I said, okay, you get a, uh, a hail through the comm system, and I just left it at that, basically. Okay, they, they, they're standing around. They're arguing. They've, they've got this uh, decision point, and then suddenly they get a comm signal through the computer – what is it? And it's going to be something totally, you know, that could potentially send them in a unified direction if they want to. But if they don't want it, it could just be, you know, a prank call or whatever. 
Right. So they, 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 the players really have control of their, their character's fate here. They can decide to stay together, to split, and I'll, I'll work it, you know, whichever way they want to go. Wow. Well, this leads into another discussion, I guess. Obviously, you're GMing quite a bit and playing, and you know, GMing more than you're playing. But right here in the in the past few years, have you had a favorite moment as a GM or a player in Saga Edition? Oh gosh, um, hmm. But it seems to change every week. Uh, you know, every time we play, <laughs> I've got a new favorite moment. Uh, this last time, I can't really come up with one from that particular episode. Uh, I think it's still got to be uh, – you asked me a similar question last year, mm-hmm. and it was the time the Jawa got blown out the airlock. Uh, <laughs> there was this whole boarding scene where the, the uh, Trade Federation had this cruiser that was boarding their Exodus-class heavy courier. And the, the PCs were all gathered in the cargo bays to repel the boarding parties, and – the enemy ship cut a hole in the hull that they were going to come in through, but one of the Jedi used uh, uh, force power to keep that, uh, that metal piece in place. So he, he was putting all of his force behind that, and he made a, an awesome use-the-force check. Um, but then the, the Jawa wanted to go out, so he opened it just long enough for the Jawa to scoot out into space without a spacesuit, and... It, it was quite a uh, an interesting little thing. I still don't know exactly how the Jawa survived, but it, it was close. Uh, he managed to propel himself through space into the other airlock because that ship had backed off and left a gap there at this point. And I still don't know exactly how that happened, but the Jawa single-handedly got into the other ship, uh, closed the airlock, cut away in, and then single-handedly took out uh, probably a dozen battle droids and a destroyer droid, and it, it was just chaos. But uh, that was a very memorable, nice. me- memorable moment, and I'll have to keep thinking about that one. Very nice. Awesome. So, um, a baby. speaking of favorites, what's uh, your favorite D20 um, Order 66 radio podcast moment? Well, the last time he was on, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, honestly, I think I, I would have to say the one where you guys uh, read through my little uh, report about the, the cargo tiles and how they uh, changed up that game with the, the Tuscan Raider <laughs> ambush and all that. Because, I mean, I wasn't on for that, but I, I heard uh, GM Chris read through that and you guys were talking about it. and um, that, that was a highlight for me. It was the way we you made turned an episode that out of it. Yeah, I made that into a whole episode and... and um, that was quite an honor, so thank you guys for that. No, nope. it was a good story, deserving of discussion. Of course, no problem. <laughs> we do our best. Of course, that's no problem. So. Very cool. Oh, actually, that cargo truck that uh, got that whole thing started is going to be featured in the cargo uh, cargo docks map. It's it's put in one of the corners there. Eventually, I'll, I'll, I'll publish it as a separate tile itself, so that people can do the same thing. But uh, for God, now, I want tiles so bad, Chris. <laughs> for now, it's it's an element in my next poster map. It'll be up there in the corner, and you'll see the interior of the ship that's got a couple doors open, and, and characters can move inside and outside of the uh, the cargo truck. Yep. Cool. All right, so we have a question for you. Actually, okay. Posed by Hero of Time Beta. Bring this, it on. This will this will deep question. The deep deep question. 
Deep questions from Hero of Time Beta. Wow, that was eerie. It was, actually. That was my gone voice. Okay. So he says, uh, one of my friends started a saga campaign, and it's been going well. Two of the players are brothers. Now, a little while ago, one of them came to our GM and said he'd given him, he would give him $50 to kill his brother's character. <laughs> we wow. were shocked, to say the least. Oh, my gosh. How old? <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, the GM. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. Obviously, the GM had no intention of doing such a thing, but we thought we'd have a little fun with it. The next session, neither of the brothers were there, so their characters were NPC'd. At this point, the GM tells the rest of us about the $50 offer. The session took place on this undiscovered planet that had no sun, where all life forms were bioluminescent. Oh, and it was also full of rancors. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it was! See, this just goes to prove that no problem too great or too small uh, to be solved by a rancor. No no problem is too great or too small. Rancors can fix everything. Indeed. We've decided to tell both brothers after the session that the character did in fact die on account of being eaten. While it was unfortunate that we led one of the two to believe his character died, it was worth it the next week when the GM revealed after getting the $50... He did not kill off the character. The look on their face was priceless. A couple, a couple of days later, the GM gave the money back because we knew that was the best way to handle it. It was a good laugh, and there were no hard feelings between either party. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I think, uh, the, I think that the player needed to be taught a lesson, but probably not in the way we handled it. I suggested to my GM that he should pull the player aside and say, look, taking your money wasn't the best way to handle it, but now you know that what you tried to do is uncalled for and inappropriate. I know you guys like to give each other a hard time because you're brothers, but keep it away from the gaming table. And (laughs) he knows that many, um, many people in the gaming community, and then us, obviously, will have some interesting insights on this, and he wanted to know what we had to say, so... Yeah. God. When wow. sibling rivalries go bad. <laughs> wow. That's that's a remarkable breakdown when in trust when when you get players paying to kill the other players' characters. That's uh, I would have held uh, out for a little more than fifty bucks, but you know. Yeah. See now, I the the, the sinister GM and me would be tempted to say, okay. I'll take the money and kill your brother's character. Oh, by the way, your character died at the same time. Right. That's what. I, that's that's exactly what <laughs> I would have done. Save his brother. Yeah. I would have killed uh, them both. Um, or taking it to the other brother and say, "Hey, he's offering me fifty bucks to to kill off your character. What's your counter offer?" <laughs> uh, oh, that's that's pretty good. Oh, okay, this this begs a good question. Okay. What things are inappropriate at the table? At what point in time do do player difficulties, and in this case, you know, familial jibes, mm-hmm. start to impinge on the gameplay and on the group dynamic? That, that's uh, a really good question. Um, 
none of my players are siblings, so that one you know takes it to a, a place that I can't really address specifically. But uh, we've been playing together for a good oh gosh, let's see, fifteen years, I think. Wow. So the 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 two the two Jedi that I mentioned earlier, the, they're players. Um, and I have been together longer than the rest of the group. We, we uh, expanded over the last couple of years to bring in a couple other players. Ow, cat just drove its claws in my leg. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A uh, little segue there. Uh, anyway, yeah, we, we've been playing together for a long time, but we're, we're not exactly brothers. There's still a lot of uh, uh, player tension, I guess, between the two because they have different... I was going to say different play styles, but they might just be too similar, frankly. Um, they're, they, they're both uh, uh, power gamers in, in slightly different ways, I guess. But, you know, we've had our share of, of in-game tensions that, that expand into the, you know, between players. But I think that's a little bit different from what this person is talking about. So, yeah. Um, Honestly, the best way to handle it, you know, frankly, would be to just say, I'm sorry, I can't take your money for that, that, that. Um, can't do it. Take your 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 issues elsewhere. But you know that's just me. Okay. So then, what if you have a genuine? Obviously, th- this is a little tongue in cheek, and it's, it's brothers being brothers. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, TG. I know you you can kind of back me up on this here because we've experienced it with our early gaming groups. But oftentimes, you have close friends that experience personal difficulties in their friendship, and that will often bleed into the table. Yeah. Um, how? What are some of the best ways to handle that? How can how can a GM deal with it in a tactful way that doesn't impact the game? TPK. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rancors and TPKs. They they similarly have a, an ability to end problems like this. Bioluminescent rancors. Bioluminescent rancors. That's right. Asteroid falls. Everyone dies. <laughs> rancors from Pandora. <laughs> So that's the big question. I mean, how do we how do we adjudicate that? How do we how do we deal with it? You know, and Chris, your suggestion of you know having the GM kind of take things out of context, I, I think that's really the, the number one way to do it. But I guess the deeper question is, and, and we've we've alluded to this before in the show, it is not your responsibility as the GM to be a counselor, right? It is not your responsibility as the GM to be a therapist or um, a mediator or to do anything but run a Farkin game. That, that's pretty much it. Um, mm-hmm. And at, at the point you're trying to mediate external disputes between players, that ain't your job. Right. It's not your job. And, th- and neither one of them or one of them or neither of them should be at the table at all. Bottom right. line. We, we actually had this problem in my campaign recently. Uh, well, leading up to this uh, splitting point that they're at now. Uh, the two players had very different ideas of where the, they saw the campaign going, like I described earlier. And their argument began out of game. You know, the players were sitting on opposite ends of the table debating this in somewhat less than uh, friendly terms. You know, they, they, they both were not pulling any punches when it came to their opinions here, and they're both very strong-willed individuals. So I actually, for the first time, really, had myself in a situation where the whole gaming group, our group of players, could have split up over this this spat. Um, 
So it, it was it was pretty tense for a little bit, and all over what direction this campaign was going to go, because the the Jawa Jedi's player insisted that the other one was being untrue to the Jedi Order and and um, you know should be you know killed for having these dark side points. It was going kind of over the top there, and the other one was responding in kind, and this out of game tension. Uh, it was it was like a meta situation where they're arguing the points of view of their characters, but they're doing it to each other's faces as players, which was very odd. And if if you haven't actually seen that happen, it, it's it's kind of hard to to see the way the the game world and the real friendship kind of mixes and tears at the edges there when when two players with very strong wills go head to head. But um, what the way I dealt with it was by constantly saying, okay, what does your character say? Now, I didn't take this to the extreme that I could have because the one player is playing a Jawa and he can only communicate with the rest of the group through his protocol droid. And I thought that would be freaking hilarious if, if we actually you know took it to that level. But they weren't in the mood for hilarious, so I didn't press my luck. Huh. Um, but I just kept saying, okay, what does your character say about this? And back and forth as they would um, – keep going at it and, and escalating the conversation back to the player level, I keep saying, okay, your character says what, and how does your character react? And eventually, they got the argument phased into a completely in-game argument, where they were talking as their characters, and one player went off, and, and it was really a beautiful bit of role-playing. It was the most intense person-to-person role-playing that our group has ever seen, I think, as one player waxed philosophical about the Jedi Order and really pulled a bunch of crap out of his ass. <laughs> but he, he did it in such a way that it was in character and it fit the game and it really set the tone for that encounter. And it wasn't an encounter with villains or bad guys. It was an encounter between two PCs. Right. And it, it almost played out like a skill challenge between the two players in a way. See, that's epic. Epic. Yeah, yeah it was something. I... God, I wish I wish we could experience game moments like that more often. All of us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was very... intense because it started as a real world emotion, and they actually put that emotion into their character dialogue for the first time. Wow. See, ah, I love it. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your wisdom, sir. And uh, well, I, think I try for what it's worth. A... Yes. Yes. I think it's time to move this episode towards a bit of a close, maybe towards post-show. Yes, Dave? Post-show? Post-show. And, uh, Chris, if you'd like to stick around for post-show, we'd absolutely love to have you. I'd be happy to. Ah, well, it has been almost four hours. And I'm tired, but happy. Indeed. Indeed. TG, are you still alive and breathing with us? Barely. <laughs> I was expecting crickets. <laughs> Bad. Oh. Chris, thank you for your time and coming on, helping us with this amazing contest and everything you continue to do for this community. Uh, well, thank you to you, GM Chris, and GM Dave, and Twi'lek Goodness. You guys have an astounding production here, and I am really honored to be on this podcast, so thank you so much for having me. Oh. And congratulations on 100 episodes. That's, that's epic. Oh, you have entered epic levels. Oh. <laughs> so nice, man. He's a nice man. I love it. Oh. 
Well, Gamer Nation, thank you so much for tuning in to our 100th epic episode. We have many, many more to come. So, with that, this is GM Chris wishing you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice. Roll it! May they be full of the force. Hello, this is Sarissa. I'm with my regiment, or is it battalion, somewhere fighting the Clone Wars and taking a few moments to wish you a happy 100th episode. May the Force be with you always. This is John Stevens, a.k.a. Donovan Morningfire on the forums, and congratulations to GM Chris and GM Dave on reaching the 100th episode of the Any Award-winning Order 66 podcast. And here's to another episode that nobody listens to. G'day Cobbers, this is Jim of The Land Down Under, wishing my mates at the Order 66 podcast a great 100th episode. Because as you all know, I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. And Commander Cody, mate, watch out. I'm a real Imperial loyalist. Long live the Empire! See? See what happens? D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content on this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Hello, Gamer Nation. My name is Chris Devine, a.k.a. Scoundrel1978, and I am a cantina rat. Congratulations to GM Dave and GM Chris on 100 episodes of entertainment, inspiration, and gaming goodness. This is Frequent from Atlanta, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Yeah, come on. This is Luke Lowbrow for the evening update of the Holonet News Network, your first source for imperial propaganda. Today a labor crisis was averted in the core worlds. The parents group, Mothers Against Wookiee Nudity, known as MON, successfully passed an ordinance on 15 core planets that required all Wookiees working in space docks to wear shorts, kilts, lava-lava skirts, or lederhosen to ensure no children travelers are ever exposed to unregulated Wookiee anatomy. Are you a Jawa that wastes your day away sitting on the streets of Mos Eisley? Are you a Jawa that's been shooed away from admiring a nice lance beater by some feminine golden droid with a British accent? Are you the Jawa that never gets to fire the ion pistol? Has your sandcrawler been attacked by Tusken Raiders who didn't even bother to ride their Bantha single file to hide their numbers? Do you know of any Jawas that have had to suffer the indignity of being deprived of proper Jawa burial, and instead, their remains were used to stoke a campfire lit by some feminine golden droid with a British accent? In entertainment news, the Anti-Gungan Defamation League was dealt a significant blow in their ongoing lawsuit against the producers of the box office holofilm hit, Boyo, Where's Misa Cloud Car? 
The Hollow film chronicles the zany adventures of two lovable teen Gungans who wake up from a night of partying on Bespin and can't remember where they parked their airspeeder. The anti-Gungan defamation league argued that the Hollow film portrayed Gungans as foolish, dim-witted, simpleton imbeciles. The producers' legal defense team successfully counter-argued that there is, in fact, no other practical way to depict Gungans other than foolish, dim-witted, simpleton imbeciles. Today, the galaxy mourns the loss of one of its most prolific and influential composers, Figrin Dan of the band called The Modal Nodes. Figrin was found in his penthouse suite of his Moss Eisley Hotel, dead and in the nude. Tatooine authorities have ruled that his death was a drug-induced suicide, which ended in asphyxiation in his own vomit. The toxicology report indicated that his system was soaked with 11 variants of spice drugs, toxic levels of alcohol, and mind-boggling quantities of pixie sticks candy. The family has requested a second autopsy report because of reports that Figurin Dan had also sustained 27 knife punctures, 14 blaster wounds, and burns from four grenades that were detonated at the scene. The Tatooine Police Authority believes that evidence is purely circumstantial. They maintain that those attacks probably happened after the actual time of death. Crime scene investigators hold that those attacks were probably committed by Figrin's many creditors or passerby hotel patrons who were just fed up with all the noise created by his constant partying. We'll teach you that the way you vigorously rub your grubby paws on everything really creeps everybody out. That kind of behavior can hurt you in a job interview. Tonight's headline, Lord Vader's Facebook account has been hacked. The Imperial Security Bureau is conducting an investigation into an unauthorized data breach of Lord Vader's Facebook account. According to news sources, Vader has exchanged numerous flirtatious messages with several Zeltron exotic dancers. It is believed that most of the Dark Lord's Facebook friends are Imperial officers who have accepted Vader's friend requests out of fear of being choked to death. Apparently, Vader has not demonstrated the ability to operate an effective criminal enterprise in the Mafia Wars game, nor has he been able to establish an efficient agricultural operation in Farmville. The hackers were able to post a number of fake status updates, some of which included, quote, I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and wild. Also posted was, the length of my Super Star Destroyer is compensating for a piece of my anatomy that was burned off on Mustafar. If all of you little busybodies need to know, the fact is that all Wookiees with proper hygiene must own two separate hairbrushes. One brush is for normal grooming. The second brush is for use in the restroom. When Wookiees must brush the hair on their hindquarters in a direction that avoids unwanted contact with the toilet bowl water. More importantly, this brushing reduces the likelihood of the Wookiee's hair coming into contact with any passing biological waste products. Exposure to the proverbial Wookiee dingleberry is more than enough to ruin your dinner party. It may stunt the growth of your unborn children. Figurin Dan is survived by his wife Nancy, three children, 47 mistresses, and 23 out-of-wedlock children. This has been a Holonet News Network update. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program, the holodrama called The Twi'lek Vixens Whose Mouth Always Said No, But Her Tentacles Said Yes.
know, as much as I enjoy Rundgren, I kind of miss the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> well, now just why saying. do you say that? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so, are you saying that you want to change? You I wanna... don't know, man. It's a hundred episodes. You know, we've had some changes go. We've lost a cast member. TG, TG's still in the morning over that, aren't you, TG? I'm not talking to y'all two about that. Y'all are traitors. I'm, I'm still stunned by that myself. It, it is it is a stunning turn of events, yes. I think you did it out of jealousy. Uh, okay. You were afraid. Uh, he, threatened, he threatened the fact that he could possibly be your baby's father. and you're, you're You know what? Well, you know what? Now he threatens me no more. So what's up? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Are you going to do this to all the possible baby daddies? Uh, line them up on the podcast to exterminate them one by one? Probably not. I'm just saying, that'd be a lot of exterminating. Would be. <laughs> all the possibilities. Order 66.6. There you go. Okay, so we have something special planned for post-show for episode 100. Yes, this was your brainchild. I thought it was brilliant. Tell us about it. Who are you talking to? You! <laughs> oh, that. Okay. <clears throat> yes, uh, I put a thread up uh, about uh, four or five days ago asking people to ask the hosts. And just stuff. You know, anything. Uh, Nothing was outside the realm of possibility as far as I was concerned. And so the Gamer Nation has come to bear with several questions. Quite a few. And that is one word for it. The mighty Chris West has agreed to read these for us. Oh, nice. I I have indeed. Now, Now, there's a lot of stuff here, and this is uncharted territory for you gentlemen, is it not? Yeah, very much so. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm. You know that's out there. You've been warned. This is so. kind of. You know what? You, you, and I, w- I want to throw credit where credit is due here. Do you know where I got the inspiration for this idea? Where? Ask the BCGs. Oh, that's right. Ask the Bruce City Gamers. That's right. Yep. And it was stuff like you know how many licks does it take to get the center of a Tootsie Pop? Stuff like that. Anything. Eighty-two. Doctor Norbert like sends in like. Half this crap that's really funny. That's right, that's right. Well, Mr. West, if you would please honor us by telling us who is asking the question and uh, what question might it be. <laughs> ask Sean, yeah, ask the schwoo. Well. That's what it used to be. It used to be ask the schwoo. The ask first the three questions come from Cat. That should come as no surprise to anyone familiar with the website. And we're going to get the controversy started right off the bat. GM Chris, GM Dave, Tweet Like Goodness, what is your favorite episode of Order 66? <laughs> now don't hold back. <sighs> the f- episode episode 30 is it 37? The list? The list is my favorite episode of Order 66. Really? I believe it is probably the single biggest contribution we've given to the Gamer Nation. Or I've given to the Gamer Nation, I don't know. Nonsense. That was me. <laughs> 
That, that, that's it, period. End of sentence. Dave? If, if everyone followed the list, things would be better. If everyone followed the list. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I honestly don't know. Um, that's there okay. was. Me, foul, dragon. <laughs> one, one of my favorite episodes actually was when it was the worst show ever. And uh. that was because we hodgepodge and cobbled it together with, uh, if I remember right, Jake was on it, Rodney was on it. Um, I, I don't remember who else was on it, but it was it was cobbled together at the last second, and it was just a, it was fun. It was it was a fun episode. It, it was a fun little episode, but you know, and then which which one was the one that was so epic? I don't know the numbers. Um, it it set the it set the record for the longest show ever. And it was um, four hours and something, wasn't it? Yeah. It would have been a Sam show. It had to be a Sam show. It had to be a Sam show, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. My shows with uh or our shows with Rodney, with Sam, you know, with uh, with you obviously, with the shows that have guests on them tend to be my more favorite episodes. Now, wasn't that episode the the four hour one, the one where at the end uh GM Chris and T G made their uh Pregnancy announcement? I, I think so. It might have been. Which, which episode? I don't know. But it was in the post show, and I, I remember that's the first time I actually was heard on, on your fine podcast as I came on to congratulate you two. That's right. Yeah, I don't remember, so, quite honestly, which so, one it was. So, it was Dave, the, that's a good choice. You can pick that one because I was in it. Oh, yeah, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> TG? Oh... I don't know. It's hard to. Say. Goodness, I don't know. I don't ever listen, frankly. So <laughs> unless I'm on, <laughs> um, yeah, that's funnier to me than anybody else, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm actually looking at the list to try to help me out here. There was the "Don't be in, don't be a dick." DBAD. That was pretty episode. good. That episode was good episode. Seven. It was fun, and I think we'd kind of relaxed and kind of gotten into a groove, and everything was smooth. And for me, the episodes where everybody is on, and we don't miss a beat, and we don't stumble around, and the topic is engaging, and it's still funny. What podcast have you been listening from- to? Yeah, I, 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 yeah. My, my thoughts exactly. For me, yeah, for me as a player, because I'm not, I'm not the rules guru, obviously, um, and I'm not too into the crunch. I can get into the crunch, but it's got to be more theorized crunch and not the numbers crunch, which is ironic because I deal with numbers all day at work. Um, so I need it to be entertaining in order to be engaging the whole time. So if it is, if it's an entertaining show. Lots of fun. So Sam shows are, whenever he's on, are, are pretty fun. Although he does like to talk a lot. So <laughs> I gotta agree. Yeah, I love hearing about their games. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I. You know, honestly, la- the last show that we did, where we did the skill challenge, I feel like that was a really neat thing to do. I really cool. enjoyed doing that. Yeah, that was and fun. To, to help people visualize how to go through a skill challenge a specific mm-hmm. and, way. And I, I, think I that can was tell really you the, the, the outcry from that was so huge. We will be doing more episodes like that. 
Excellent. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I'd like to hear more, you know, in-game snippets from you folks and how you deal with certain things that come up in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. ready for the second question? Question number two. Bring question it. Question number two. What is your favorite color? No, sorry, no. Video <laughs> game. What is your favorite video game ever? Yes, just one, Cat says. For me, it's easy. I, I don't okay. know why I go back. I go back about... Oh, I have to set my Wayback Machine for about four or five years ago to uh, SOCOM 2. Great game. Mm. And this was only because I I so enjoyed, this was uh, the advent of the online gaming, and, and I was a, I was a, way back when I was a beta tester for uh, the Xbox Live, so we were on Xbox Live a good six months before anybody else had it. And... The funny thing is, the second place for me is a, is a little game that they gave all the beta testers as a thank you that never got released to the public. And it was online RC car racing. And it yeah! was so freaking fun. Yeah. Oh. Cool. TG? Revolt. That's what it was called. Revolt. Me? Um, turret defense. No. Catan. No. Crap. Honestly, mine is Diablo. Because, wow. yeah, and this is why. It's because that was my gateway into RPGs. And Chris is the one that introduced me to it. And I remember being in high school, and there was these punk-ass kids that sat next to me in English and spent their whole time talking about how kick-ass they were at Diablo. And all I could think back in high school was, y'all are devil worshippers. Honestly. <laughs> Ooh, get away from me. Yeah, at the time, that was a big deal for me. And then I got into college about three years later. Chris um, introduced me, and him and his roommate were playing it fairly consistently, or they'd gotten back into playing it, and asked me to, you know, showed it to me one day, and I was like, hey, this looks kind of fun and strategic and a game that I would actually enjoy. Started playing it, yeah, I got hooked. And then that led me into actually playing role-playing games from there. Because he was like, hey, you know, playing D20, you know, playing D&D is very much like playing Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> that was the sales pitch he gave me at the time. <laughs> so, and it worked. Worked. It worked. Awesome. Yeah, so Diablo was my gateway drug to RPGs. GM Chris, did we get yours yet? No. No, I don't know what to answer. <laughs> I don't have a one game only thing. Uh, Halo, come on, Halo. You um, play that game. Yeah. I listen, the original Halo was kind of my crack. I absolutely loved it. But honestly, before that, um my obsession with StarCraft probably paled Halo. Uh, uh see I played StarCraft on my own in high school. I enjoyed that. So StarCraft I've got some favorites that go way back to, you, you know. know Dude, yeah. but StarCraft, um... Which is uh, releasing a new one? Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Uh, KOTOR, the original. Mm. Yeah. And most recently, Mass Effect Mass Effect 1. You're breaking the rules, because Kat said only one. Yeah, well, yeah, screw the since rules! when did they listen to Kat? <laughs> you can't handle the truth! You want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Oh, you're going to piss off Kat. Same. I'm not protecting That's you That's not this advisable. Time. No. Yeah, I'd, if I were to throw one out here, I'd have to go way back. Uh, I don't know if I would say this is still my favorite, but an early favorite was the old X-Wing game. Do you oh, guys go back that yes. far? Oh, yes, X-Wing versus yeah. Tie Fighter, dude. 
I I remember rewriting my config.sys so that I could run that game on my old computer. Mm-hmm. And Tie Fighter as well. Those those were fun just because it I gave you the sense of yeah. being in a Star Wars cockpit flying cock- a spaceship. Yes, yes. The full three D experience. That. Yeah, I absolutely. I'd love, love to see those remade. Oh. That would be fun. Yeah, it will be. It's called Star Trek: The uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic. You know, I think it's only a matter of time before we actually get to a place where we have 3D gaming, you know, like Avatar movie type st- 3D on video games on a console. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I know it can be done already, but when yeah. that becomes mainstream, that's when they should remake X-Wing and TIE Fighter. So yeah. you can put on the 3D glasses and be in, you know, an X-Wing cockpit. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So next question. Next question. What other RPGs would you like to play or wish you could play more often? I've got a long list, so Dave. <laughs> um, I Pathfinder sounds cool to me. Cthulhu Tech sounds cool to me, although I've never played either one. Um, you've played three five though, so you've probably played Pathfinder more yeah, or less. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a huge D and D fan, so I would probably take Cthulhu Tech first. Uh, besides. I'd like to I'd like to take a crack at D twenty modern, mm. just because it looks cool. I did a lot of maps for that game too. Actually, we we've been using them in a game that I've been running uh, as like a one shot in between Star Wars games. Uh, we did a, a zombie thing. I made a storyteller system zombie game, and we used some of those old D twenty modern maps. Cool, awesome. That was fun. Yeah. TG. Um, Spirit of the Century, I'd like to try that again. Uh, the first time it was, because it was so different, everyone I think felt a little awkward about it. Um, I'd like, I would like to try Made, since Cat bought it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fun, especially with Cat. Uh, mm. And I'd like to try Cthulhu Tech because it got so many awards last year. Yeah, you know it's got to be a good system. I've heard nothing but good, and the the guys that make that made it, they're they're great. They're awesome. So they got great personalities, and I mean, if you got great person, certainly you can create a good game, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, no kidding. Indeed. Chris, try um, and limit your list to the top three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, that's okay. Well, that changes week to week, but currently, uh, oh. top of the list, Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Dude, ah, I totally forgot yeah. about Mouse Guard. Totally forgot about uh, Mouse I'd like to try that. I really want to play Mouse Guard. Uh, really, 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 really bad. Um, Spirit of the Century is up there, and currently on the list um, is a game I'm holding up in front of the camera right now. Uh, it is available from Firefly Games, which is firefly-games.com. Uh, $20 will get you the book and the PDF. Oh, that's right, dude. And oh, the that's cave, awesome. Yeah. The it's a 45-page rule book, and the game is called Og, Unearthed Edition. And this is a reimagining of the original Og, which came out a couple decades ago, and it is a slapstick role-playing game, totally tongue-in-cheek, funny, non-serious, where all the players are cavemen. And not historically accurate <laughs> cavemen. We're talking like Flintstones cavemen where there's Tyrannosaurus as Rex is walking around. Well, Brilliant. The, me- the mechanics are terribly simple. It's one die roll resolution for the most part. But the most creative part of this is that 
in the game, your clan only knows 18 words. That's it. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean you know 18 words. You can only speak like four to six. Unless you're an eloquent caveman, then you can speak a few more. Um, and the rule is you, there is no table talk. If you communicate with another player at the table um, or if you communicate with an NPC, you may only speak the words you can speak accompanied with hand gestures and grunts. Um, maybe you can draw some stick figures if you have the appropriate drawing ability. Um, and the words are like you, me, rock, water, fire, stick, hairy, bang, sleep, smelly, small, big, <laughs> cave, food, thing, shiny, go, and verisimilitude. Um, <laughs> really? Wow. <laughs> um, and it's just it's just absolutely hilarious. I really really want to play it, and it looks like it's the the wonderful um, wonderful game for a one shot. Uh, Robin D. Laws, uh, kind of a, a RPG writer alum, uh, wrote this Unearthed Edition. And um, yeah, it, seriously, it's like fire, Firefly Dash Games dot com. It's fantastic. I really want to play it. Cool. There you go. Ooh, me read next question. <laughs> oh yes, you, you go bang! <laughs> Everybody got theirs in there, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Vladius writes, "Describe your political views, maybe." Oh, see, now that's an that, that's one of those that we've always said was off topic. But mm-hmm. I will tell you that we need to go back to uh, hangings on the courthouse lawn. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? What party is that? The Og party? I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> he I'll, says that might ruin it. I'm not sure. So, okay, let's ruin it. I'll tell you that I'm conservative in most things, but liberal in others. So <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would not ever uh, align myself with one party or another. Uh, I think both parties are cracked. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, sorry. Um, I, I'm a good mix of, like, social liberalism and reactionary leave me the fuck alone. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in, in societal programs and at the same time I would like to own guns and execute people that deserve it. Yeah. See, that's um, me. So, <laughs> um, I sing a similar tune. I, I'm a, I'm more liberal when it comes to federal government and, I tend to be more conservative when it comes to state and local government, which is awesome that I live in Texas because talk about conservative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So there you go. Perfect. And now that you've all shared your political views, 75% of your readers have dropped. Oh, <laughs> that sucks right there. Damn it. Wow. Okay, Vladius also asks, how do you feel about the prequels? What are some obvious improvements that could have been done in your opinion? That's almost Did, more controversial don't, a question. Don't, don't have George Lucas write and direct them. Okay. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm sorry. I'm, no, you know what? You know what? <laughs> they should have had a better person, um, a better actor for Anakin. If they would have picked both. Holy cow! Both. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, <laughs> especially the young one, but the the old one too. They the acting, they just they should have they should have picked a better cast director, frankly, yeah. because well, the the acting was just 
I felt exactly the same way through episodes one and two, but when I got to episode three, it's like they they turned on a light and I saw why they cast that guy. Well, through two, I guess I should say, because he wasn't in one. But when I saw him as the evil Anakin, Darth Vader... I yeah. Thought, okay. He's got the look right. The intensity in the eyes and the, the you know the wicked glare. Yeah. Okay. He did that well. It's just a shame that he couldn't do the nuances of the romance along the way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I can uh, see that. Um, but, but like, okay, like Obi Wan's like, dude, you you and McGregor's performance as Obi Wan was flawless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really good. From from one to three. I so, very. Consistent. I I. I had a problem with how he sometimes would pull off humor. It made it sound sometimes he would make it sound a little forced or contrived, but that was the only it was the only thing that I had with it. Otherwise, I thought it was great. Um, I always I, I think I, I but I, I agree, Dave. I don't know why I was thinking the other I was thinking the other day, oh, I, I remember what, I was flying in from Birmingham and the and the landing was really bumpy. It was really windy. And we stopped, and all I could think about, and I even said it to the guy next to me, another happy landing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another happy landing. Um, but, like, awesome. listen, I mean, the thing is, like, uh, Harrison Ford said it during the filming of, uh, of I think it was either episode four or episode five. He, he turned to Lucas, apparently infamously on the set, and said, you can write this shit, George, but you can't, you know, you can't act it. You can't read it. Um, in other words, you go, wow, this looks great when you're writing it, but this is corny and cheesy and sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> people don't actually speak that way. People don't speak this way. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Lucas is a brilliant visionary and a wonderful storyteller, but that does not make mm-hmm. him a good screenwriter. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could just, like you said, the switch went off in, in episode three for you. I think the switch went off everywhere, episode three. Yeah. That That was... You look at one, two, and three, and three was just so vastly Stand-up. different, yeah. and it just stood out in how good it was and held my attention. And I didn't have any problems with that film at all. One and two, meh, but I love three. Yeah, Natalie yep. Natalie Portman's kind of uh, no, never mind. <laughs> she's not on she's, your list, is she? Yeah, but she's like a thirteenth level vegan. She doesn't eat anything that casts a shadow. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, she's not. She's not on my list. Unless, I mean, she's one of those that just looks way better from behind. Oh, yeah. she is a, a good actress. I, I gotta say, yeah, <laughs> she is a g- good actress. Uh huh. In some things, yeah. Oh heavens! All right, so moving on. Questions. More questions. Yes, there are lots more questions. Uh, Darth Prefect asks, uh, let's see, yeah, Darth Prefect asks, what is your favorite Star Wars eras, sick, to run or play campaigns in and why? What's your favorite Star Wars era and why? Dave? I'm going to go Clone Wars because I like the combat and the units. Easy. Um, I'm going to say... Um, whichever one my GM can make it the most fun. Honestly, I really, I don't have a preference. Although it's it's it would be harder if my GM made me play a Jedi during a time when the like Jedi the dark are times. supposed. Yeah. Yeah. 
That would suck, and I wouldn't want to do that because that's just too difficult. <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> no, um, yeah. As long as my GM can make it fun, I don't care what time it is. If I have to choose a canon era, uh, Dark Times. Um, if I have to, uh, mostly because I, I think it's the most interesting era to play a Jedi or a Force user in. I think <laughs> the setting puts a lot of natural restrictions on what could otherwise be a lot of broke-tasticness. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's just an interesting time in the galaxy. Um, if I if I didn't have to go canon, I would say my own alternate universe time. Frame. Of course, <laughs> saw that coming. So yeah. Anyway, excellent. Okay. Well, and if you not, could not, add... not even rebellion era though. I'm talking about dark times in the chat room. They're saying rebellion era. I'm saying no. I'm, I'm talking not rebellion, but actual dark times pre rebellion. If you could add any one thing to Star Wars canon, what would that be? Me. Tweet that goodness. <laughs> um, wow. Um, you better agree there for the sake of your marriage. Yes, I would like to add <laughs> Tweet that goodness into Star Wars canon. Excellent. Um, I would have liked to have seen... The Bog. <laughs> the Borg? <laughs> the Bog. I would like to have seen more of whatever Yoda's race is. I would like to have seen the home planet and the species. Good answer. Yeah, I kind of like that. That's that's a that's something that's always seemed to be missing for me. Uh, but adding the Star Wars canon. <clears throat> oh gosh, I really, don't, I really, I, I haven't never thought about it. To tell you the truth, <laughs> uh, okay. although although the the death of Commander Cody was really epic, so I would add that to canon. It was. Yeah, I, I think, think TG, really... TG got booted. Dave, you want to add her back? Oh, yeah. That's no fun. <laughs> and so as soon as she as soon as she comes back, uh, we will add her distinctiveness to our own. Add her distinctiveness to my to our own. What Resistance shall be futile. Yeah, really. Okay, so what's our next question? Okay, if you could remove something from Star Wars canon, what would that be? Jar Jar Binks. Special note for GM Chris, you cannot pick the Yuuzhan Vong. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> um, uh, screw the question, the Yuuzhan Vong. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, the, the, the Vong. Oh, wait, Honestly. you know what? I just remembered. Add anything to Star Wars canon? Mm-hmm. Or yep. Wookiee Jedi? There Wookie is a Wookiee Jedi. There's, I know. I said that, one that, in canon. That's why I said one more. That's why I said yeah. more. Okay. The yeah. movies need more Wookiee Jedi. They need a Wookiee Jedi. Um, I mean, I know Lobaka later, but, you know. You know, they need an E.T. Jedi, too. I mean, ever since they put E.T. in in the Senate, I, I'd like to see an E.T. Jedi. That's very true. No, no. It, without Vong, though, yeah. Take out Jar Jar. Bottom line. Not, not Gungans. I like Gungans. I just don't like Jar Jar. Yeah. Misa. That's all I got to say. TG? Mm, no. I don't know if I know enough about canon to be able to make a call on that. There's nothing that really annoys me about anything. I actually like the Yuuzhan Vong. I think their story behind them is actually kind of cool. So I'll probably get persecuted for saying that. Just say Jar Jar. No, I'm not going to say Jar Jar. <laughs> I liked them. Yeah, oh obviously God, you did. you're going to hate me now, but I liked him. Okay. 
All right, fine. I can't think of anything. No. All right. The purple lightsaber. Like, really? What? Really? No, Mace Windu. He gets because of, yeah. He asked. Nobody else asked. I right. know. That's but true. Ugh, so lame. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. So then they had to change canon so that way they can make sure that you can have any color lightsaber you really want. And Ah, <laughs> uh, stupid. You're all wrong. It's the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> sorry, Lumpy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Oh, spammer in the chat. Now, uh, now uh, right, Oh my, that is a scammer. Yeah. Uh, sp- yeah, whatever. That's right, I got him. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You you led into this very nice good segue. If you were a Jedi, what color would your lightsaber be? Purple. Started. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that they've changed Well, not that they've changed canon, but now you know, that canon says you can get different colors. I would probably pick white or orange. Amber. Crimson red. Mm. No, I well, wait a second. Wait a second. If you were a Jedi, you'd have a red lightsaber if you were a Jedi? Oh, fallen Jedi? Oh, God, yeah, if I was a fallen Jedi. If I had to be part of the Jedi Order, um... Green. Now, in the Clone Wars, they added uh, Prey Vizsla's uh, black lightsaber with like a crackling white edge. That was kind of cool. Hey, that would be kind of cool. cool. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. All uh, right. Uh, Next question. I'd like a, a um, plaid. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. You could go with you know a, a really bad tie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Can mine right. have pink, pink daisies on it? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I had a problem with lightsaber colors in my game. Just a little segue here. Um, my The Jawa Jedi in my game, he wanted, for whatever reason, I said, okay, what color is your lightsaber? And I didn't give him colors to pick from. He said pink. He wanted a hot <laughs> pink lightsaber. <laughs> so, I, now, at one point, I would have been tempted to say, no, there are no pink lightsabers. But you know what? Right in the effing book... There is, uh, what's her name? The, the old iconic from the older edition of Star Wars. There is the uh, female Jedi oh. apprentice, a pink lightsaber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Preacher23 asks, what goes into preparing a podcast and what's the biggest pain in the ass outside of tech problems? Not getting to see my husband for about 12 hours during the weekend. I, 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 it is, it has become harder during the week as I've taken on more job responsibilities to get show notes done, but I, it takes me about 10 to 12 hours to do show notes every week. Wow. That's, that's just, commitment. Just doing research because I want to make sure it's right. It's honestly not that big of a pain for me. I know I complain about it, but I get time alone and it's important for a relationship. You need to have time together, but time apart as well outside of just work. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Dave? Um, just from the technical side of it, making sure that everybody's liners that they send in are appropriate audio-wise. And I don't know. I spend a couple hours getting ready for the show and probably a couple hours after the show. And um, you, You've got the suck job of getting the feed compiled and getting the show mm-hmm. edited. And- yeah, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it, you know. Yeah. But, 
So yeah, aside from that, what's the biggest pain in the ass about the show? Uh, probably finding a time to do the show lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, this is easy for me. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> if Next. only we all could work at home, Mr. West. Yeah. Next question. Indeed. All right. Uh, Preacher23 also asks GM Chris, how is your f- upcoming fatherhood going to affect your gaming and con trips? How's it going to affect your gaming? And I'd, like, I'd like to say it's not, but that's incorrect and unrealistic. Um, we are not going to be traveling to Gen Con this year because we just bought a new house and that we're moving to in May. And uh, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And, well, and the fact that the baby's due in the middle and of July. And the fact that the baby's due in the middle of July. So we'd um, have it's, a three-week-old baby. Yeah. And, and, the, and the thing is, though, like, at three, at three, four weeks, they're actually really good to travel. I mean, every it's like, you know, they're a great mm-hmm. time. All they, all they do is yeah. sleep. Yeah, but, but what about conventions the totally have no germs whatsoever. I okay. Now, on another note, as far as child rearing, I don't care. Let my baby play in the dirt. I, I think I think kids are over or over um, uh, septicized today. They're they're you know. I want my I want my kid to build up an immune system. Bottom line, I agree. Yeah, um, I would agree with that too. I don't yeah, know but, if a three I, week like old it. going into Gen Con and exposing them to con crud though. That I wouldn't wish that on an enemy. Possibly. Well, no. Okay, maybe a few enemies, but but, well, but the thing anyway, is, so, you take them to con. You don't hand them off to every single stranger that walks by. Yeah, but there's but he's yeah. true. There's crap floating around. He's got a point. But um, but listen, it, it's like so. Not only do we not have the time because we're gonna have a baby, and I flat out, we're not gonna have the vacation. Um, uh, I I financially we can't do it this year because of the house and the baby. Yeah. So, um, and as, as she grows, it'll be tougher. Um, I know the podcast will probably get a little bit tougher too because who's gonna watch the kid? Um, right. You know, maybe we'll get lucky when she's young. She'll be sleeping a lot, um, but who, who who knows? We'll we'll have to take it as we come. Um, I think I think as far as the gaming though is concerned, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's well partly because we've seen Brev do it with William with his baby, and uh, but the on on the other side of that though is that his <clears throat> wife doesn't game. With us, so his wife makes the commitment to be the one that will be watching their baby while he's running a game. Right. Where there, but there have been sessions and, where he's got the kid in one hand and dice in the other. It there has been some sessions where it's been like that, but she's usually there to kind of back up. You know, if she happens to have to go somewhere for an hour, then he has to watch him for an hour. But it might be a little bit more difficult because we always game together. You and I are almost always together. So. The games that we're in together, we'll see how those work out. But we'll both be there and can take turns and pause the games. Our, our friends are so patient and so good. They're such good friends that. Yeah. Yeah, it won't so be. So totally understand. You know, everybody's going to want a chance to hold her and watch her and, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I just can't wait for the time that I get to repay Chris for. Naming me Captain Distraction for walking out of the room to take care of stuff for my daughter during a game <laughs> session. Ah, I know, I know. By the way, have we told, <laughs> you, what, have we told you what we're naming her? Yes. Have I, we cho- I don't want well, not you. I mean, <laughs> me? but like yeah. the gamer nation, I guess. I, I I think there's been some some mention of Jaina, but I don't know if that was official. Yeah, yeah. Jaina. Jaina, J A I N A. That's awesome. Now, if you had to pick a Star Wars name, that is like the best possible because I mean, it's actually a pretty name. It's a beautiful name. 
And, and the, it's, the, it's obscure the, enough the, that most it, people yeah. won't know that it's, the, you know. The etymology is also fascinating of it, so it's very cool. Way better awesome. than Padme. Yes, much better than Padme. <laughs> Indeed. Although it's interesting okay. when, when I have coworkers ask me, where did Jaina, so where did that come from? It's like, hmm, let's see. How much of a Star Wars fan are you? Well, yeah. I, we just thought it was a really pretty name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And usually leave it at that. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. A friend of mine has a uh, son named Jor-El. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. Son of Jor-El. Yep. He, he wins the Geek Wars. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, which is strikingly similar to our the name of our next questioner. Uh, Jokel asks, okay. what have you two learned, I, I think he means three, learned from doing the podcast over the past couple of years, both saga-related and from slash about the community you have fostered? A lot of assholes in the world. <laughs> oh! Aww. That's really? cold, Obi-Wan. <laughs> no, I've seen how close all. the gaming community actually is. Like the people who work in in it, so the people who are developers and, you know, people like you and how they all kind of know each other and it's all this tight little knit community. It's really cool. I'd have to second That's that cool. and say that we have managed to build a community that gets along very, very well and we've placed very few rules, so to speak, in place. And the community has pretty much moderated themselves. Pretty much. And I I think that's fantastic that you know, that's what we've we've learned. A lot of people have a lot of passion about their gaming and I mean we have twenty twenty over twenty podcasts now that affiliate themselves with our network to prove the point that everybody's a geek about something. And Indeed. You know, it's just, uh, it's quite a thing to see, really. I I echo what's been said, and um, other things I've learned is, um, oh man, I I don't know, it's like, I I mean, when, in my, in my any acceptance speech, when I was up there talking, I kind of said, um, you know, I, I, I want to thank um, I want to thank my wife for supporting me wholeheartedly and giving me the time to to do it. I've learned a lot from what you can accomplish with support. I want to thank Dave for kicking me in the ass enough to convince me that we could do something that maybe might actually matter to somebody um, and get this ball rolling. And then the Gamer Nation for showing me that I'm not alone. And we're out there and we're strong and we're geeks and we love this stuff. And God, I love y'all. Well said. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, people like your podcast because it shows all of us geeks that we have this shared thing that we can all relate to. And the act of relating to Star Wars and role-playing and everything put together, uh, it, it just it's a great community-building thing. So thank you, guys. Cool. All right, now I, I hate to be the one to put a damper on this, but I've got to hurry up. Okay. Well, we're almost halfway through the question, so you might want to save some of these for next time. Uh, what do you want to do? Like two more questioners, something like that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 
Revan the second says, on a scale of one to ten, one being worst, ten being best, how awesome do you think y'all are? I'm giving y'all a twelve. <laughs> Pass. On a, on a scale of one to ten, we're the shit. <laughs> Excellent. There we go. Yeah. How awesome are you, TG? <laughs> on a scale of one to awesome, I'm the shit. Hmm. So, yeah, not not just a scale of 1 to 10, 1 to awesome. Oh, and you skip one, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I think he was, he was just going through some. Oh, okay. Oops. Yeah. Oh, I did miss some. Okay, I'll back up. But uh, I just have to say that I cannot hear a thing over the sound of how awesome you all are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The awesome sauce flows again. Indeed. How about, how about I, I've got it up and I'm looking through. What about, what's your favorite TV show? Huh? What? Hmm? That's further down. What? I'm scrolling through. Oh the no, no, page. save, save, save those at no, the end. We'll, we'll save them for next yeah. episode. Oh, okay. Um, let's, okay. Let's go. Let's go through Preon's questions real quick, and we'll call that a night. Okay. Just we'll go through them quickly. Uh, yeah, because right. this is going to be this is going to be a uh, you know this is going to be a segment that we're going to do sure, why not? every every show now. Don't wait for the translation. Go. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite podcast on the D20 Radio and not D20 Radio? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, D20 Radio Podcast favorite. Uh, it's very close. Um, honestly, I tune in every week to the Brew City Gamers. I can't wait for the episode to come out. Well, bi-weekly now. Those guys crack me up. I, I, I laugh my ass off every single time I listen to them. Great group of guys. Plus, I got to game with them all, and they're all fantastic. Um, Non-D20 Radio, uh, the gold Enya winner from last year, uh, all games considered. Great group of guys. Great podcast. Cool. Dave? Um, I no longer have a non-D20 radio favorite podcast because it pod-faded. Mm. Um, but uh, favorite podcast on the network has, oh, man, I have to say that it recently changed. And this is in no, this is in no way, I, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but um, I'm, I'm going to have to go with, with Brew City now. They're great. Yeah. Awesome. TG? Well, I don't actually listen to non-D20 radio podcasts, so I don't have one. I don't, I don't usually listen to podcasts hardly at all. Um, if, if I had to pick one, I would say Game On just because it would be the one that's uh, most fitting to – my other interests, and it's got cat on it. It's a great <laughs> show. They do a good job. It's a great show. I like the topic. The you know. Yeah. No, I I, I know exactly what you're saying. I like Game On quite a bit as well. Yeah. I gotta show that's some love how, for Minnie's that's Mayhem. Fair. <laughs> Minnie's Mayhem is a great show too. Brevin Company, excellent. Yeah. All right. What would your Sith names be? Jim, Chris, don't wait for the translation. Go. <laughs> um. Uh. Uh. Darth Kramer. Oh gosh, what a cop out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'll say Darth Goodness. <sighs> That's right. It's a good one, isn't it? Darth Goodness. <laughs> Dave. Um something very um I don't know, probably just Darth Storm or something. Uh 
related to weather. Of course. That seems fitting. Very appropriate. Go Vortex. That's kind of cool. Darth yeah. Vortex. Love it. That's a good one. A good Excellent. One. Yeah. All right. Uh, same question here, all in one thread here. Now tell a funny story from your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> tell a funny okay, wait, story wait, wait, wait. from my childhood. Chris, huh? I think you yes? should pick one. Uh, no, okay, I'm sorry. GM Chris. <laughs> Oh, geez. GM yes. Chris. <laughs> Wit. Hey, Mr. Wit. Yes. You should pick one of my stories that I have to tell, and I'll pick one of the stories that you have to tell. Oh, God. <laughs> have you thought of something? Because I can tell you what you should tell. Uh, tell me. About the time you threw a tent pole through one of your friend's lips and didn't get in trouble for it. Oh yeah, I had a really good. Um, I I I was a Boy Scout, uh, Eagle Scout, and um, actually how I got introduced to role playing for the first time. And uh, uh, one of our I think sec- second or third camping trip, I had a good friend named Josh, um, uh, big video gamer, and we were best friends growing up. But as a child, he was a bit of a douche. Uh, love you to death, buddy. But uh, he was he was a bit of a he liked to annoy people. And uh, I was setting up a tent, trying to, uh, you know, they have those poles, those fiberglass poles that, you know, expand into one long pole. You slip through the tent. And uh, I was trying to do this myself and was getting frustrated, and he wasn't helping. In fact, he was sitting on his ass doing nothing but chuckling at my failure. I got so angry um, at his jibes, I hurled at him with the skill of an Olympic javelin thrower and actually hit him in the bottom lip, punctured the skin, knocked out two of his teeth, and lacerated his tongue. Um and uh, I did not get in trouble for it because all the adults that were listening and watching us said that he deserved it. <laughs> wow. That's, that's got to be the funny part. I mean, because his parents weren't there. They call his parents up. And and they're like, oh, God. And then they call Josh's parents, and they told him what he did. And they're like, yep, he deserved that. <laughs> so there we go. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, TG of uh, – while you're thinking, Dave can tell his. Yeah, Dave, tell us yours. I don't have any funny stories from when I was a child because um, I grew up in a Sith house. <laughs> <laughs> and Wait, uh, Sith, it, they're not very reputable. Are you saying your house was a house of ill repute? Yeah, something like that. All right. Uh, I, this is not a funny story. This is just one of those stories that has a lot of lore. And to this day mystery surrounding it because my dad won't tell me exactly how this happened to me as a child. But I grew up in the um, north side of Chicago. Um, I was a Cubs fan. Still am a Cubs fan. And my dad would take me to Cubs games occasionally. And uh, one day, sitting along the third baseline, a foul ball comes our direction, and I remember it vividly like it was yesterday, because I thought the ball was going to hit me. Ultimately, it did. Um, it hit me in the foot. And it it went high, high up in the air, came down, hit me in the foot, rolled around, and my dad came up with it on the ground. And about, I don't remember, three innings later or so in the baseball game, he uh, gives me the baseball. And I'm about, keep in mind, I'm like eight or nine years old at this point. No, I, could, I couldn't have been. I, I had to have been six or seven because we moved out of Chicago when I was nine. So I'm, here, I am, here I am, six, seven, eight years old. He sends me down into the tunnel by myself, you know, um, into the concourse area of Wrigley Field. 
and he says, take this ball and uh, go through that tunnel right there, you know, where the, um, where the stands, you know, you know, how you get back to the concourse. And I did that. And the craziest thing, and I've never seen it before or since, but I, I walked out into the concourse and there was no one there. I mean, nobody. Because they had that from, from one exit to the, to, the, to the right to one exit to the left, they had closed it. Nobody was, nobody was there. And standing there in the concourse waiting was Ron Say, the third baseman for the Cubs. <laughs> and he signed my ball. And he said, hi, Dave, or David at the time. And I said, hi. I had no idea what the heck was going on. He signed my ball for me, and I went back to my dad. And, um, and then the Cubs took the field, and he was back out there playing again. He never left. To my knowledge, he ne- I don't remember. He never left my side. I, I was never sitting by myself during the game. So how this happened, I still do not know. That's amazing. Because, I mean, this was way before cell phones. This was way before anything. Wow. So, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's old. I mean, it was 1977, for crying out loud, you know? So, yeah. Very cool. The, the cool. penguin, Ron Say. I still had that baseball until I was a teenager. Um, and then um, somebody stole it. I was very, very pissed Aww. off. Yep. Yeah. It's a shame. Yep. I was going to tell a story about how I shot an arrow into a neighbor's barn, but you win. <laughs> TG, tell us about the time you switched around all the uh, videotapes in your friend's uh, Next Generation collection to piss off. <laughs> this guy was an avid. He, it wasn't just Next Generation. It was every Star Trek, and he didn't have them in DVDs. They were in... VHS. I can't believe you remember that story. I told you that years ago. Yeah, they were VHSs, and he had them all chronologically lined up. And he had these cases, these metal special cases, where they were all lined up. And he would go through, and every night he would watch another episode, starting from the very beginning of the series all the way through. I mean, he was very serious about his. And that was the one thing he was geeky about. Everything else, he was really cool, like, he played the guitar and sang, and chicks loved him. Um, but he had his Star Trek thing, and mm-hmm. that was his thing. He was so anal about it. And he wasn't home one day, but his mom let us go into his room because he was going to be home in like 30 minutes. So we went in there and just hung out. And while we were sitting there hanging out, hey, wouldn't it be funny? We took, we randomly selected different videos and switched the cases on them and then stuck them back. Just randomly, mixed them all up, and it took him probably about two or three months before he realized he had finally gotten to a video that had the, you know, a casing that had the wrong video in it. And then he went to go try to find the right one, and then he finally realized what had happened. He he called us up like at eleven o'clock that night, pissed. He was so angry. I don't think he talked to us for a month. Oh, he hated us. Yep. <laughs> Never wow. mess with a geek's possessions. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty yep. cruel. I mean, because yep. he probably is still trying to figure out where all yeah. of them are. I mean, because he literally had every single video, every it's single funny. one that was ever made. 
it's funny you should mention that because just this afternoon I had to throw out a bunch of uh, old VHS tapes that had some Star Trek uh, episodes that we had taped years and years ago. Uh, we had a flood in our basement a couple of years ago, and I didn't realize how high I got. So some of our things in deep storage um, got damp, and the cardboard's all coming apart, and it's it's all nasty. So we just discovered this recently. So I had to haul out a bunch, like this huge box full of old videos from my earlier geeky days and had to toss them all out. Ugh. I wept a little. Ooh, wow. It's rough. Okay, so let's see. That was a funny story from the childhood. All right. Uh, the same person asked what they would have to do to get their podcast if they would make one, and they're thinking about it, on D20 Radio. Uh, do five shows and then submit it. That's it. By, by it, email, it, right? Well, no. like, like No, no. As in... As in Start your podcast, do five shows, your feed is going, your show's going, and then drop us an email and we'll add you to we'll if add it, you if to it, the if network. it doesn't suck. <laughs> if it doesn't suck, we'll add you after five shows. We've, do a, a good podcast. Yeah, we've we've gone <laughs> we've gone through where I've added a couple of shows right off the bat and then they've never had you know, have done mm-hmm. five shows and so Yeah. All right. Well, final question from this person. What's your favorite web comic? Oh. Order of the Stick. Um, That's like a given. Darths and Droids. Yeah, I introduced you to that one. That's a great one. Uh, and Goblins. you introduced me to that one. And dude, I'm enjoying it. Dude, it's great. Goblins. Um, Goblins is fantastic. XKCD. Penny Arcade given yeah excellent dave um uh, extra life for me extra life's a good one yeah i i used to be really into darth and droids in order of the steak i don't really i don't have the time to read through them at work so when i do go online i'd look at I can has cheeseburger dot com and people of Walmart dot com. <laughs> <laughs> That's my funny fix for the day. I love those sites. In the chat room, uh, Watanabe two K says full frontal nerdity. I'm going to second that because uh, 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 I forgot about that. That's a good web comic. Yeah, Aaron Williams does some great stuff. Ever since the Nodwick days. Yeah. Very nice. Excellent. Well, back to you folks. I think that's about halfway through the thread as of this time. And cool. uh, we'll save some for later, I guess. Very awesome. cool. Well, Chris, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Hey, I appreciate you asking me to. Thank you very much. You bet. Not Fantastic. After, yeah. And uh, epic show, long show. We knew it was going to be long for our 100th episode, but it was a good this one. Is, this is all going to be almost five hours. Yep. Oh, uh, my ears Record hurt. breaker? Uh, it might be four four. It's gonna be four thirty eight and a half by the time we're done. So, wow, yeah, Excellent. might be there. I don't know. Gamer we'll Nation, thank you. Yep, we love you all. Oh, yeah. On behalf of the Gamer Nation, thank you guys because this is just an amazing compliment. And thanks so much. Hey, cool. it's our pleasure, man. We have fun with it. Um, we'll. Got some other housekeeping issues we'll discuss on the 101st show. But until then, we will see you guys hopefully next week. 
<laughs> if we can get a show together. And we will. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get Sterling on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. We do have to have Sterling on, right? True. Yes. He was missed. True that. He was missed. He was supposed to be on tonight, but he, he had a last-minute thing come up, and he was actually, uh, Mrs. Hershey said he was rather angry about it. Bomber. So. <laughs> oh, real life. Ah. Good night, Gamer Nation. And good luck. Good night. Hey, this is Jawas 8, my Jedi. Happy episode 100. Mm-hmm. Didn't that sound like it needed a uh-huh at the end of it? Right. Almost. <laughs> hey, this is Skullsuk, and I never listen to the Order 66 webcast. I'm too busy looking for the Order 22 webcast over the intertubes. Uh, seriously. Congratulations, you guys, on 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more.